What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to another episode of Bloke in a Bar. Do not forget, this Friday, the 10th of March at 6 p.m., myself, Guru, Timmy, and Maddie will be at Riverina Wagga Wagga for a live show and mingling with all you incredible bloke community members. Make sure to get down there, guys. It was absolutely fantastic at Armadale, the Grand Hotel. You guys saw the videos and the photos from that. Powered by Ringers Western as well. Massive thanks to Ringers Western for supporting the Bloke Regional Tour. So get down to Riverina, Wagga Wagga, this Friday at 6 p.m. We'll be there. Make sure to come down, guys. If you're listening to the podcast, get down even for an hour to come say hi, just so that we can say thank you for supporting us and thanks for being a part of the Bloke community. Then next week, 17th of March, 6 p.m., we'll be at the Great Western Hotel in Rockhampton. Make sure to be there. Again, getting all the way up to Queensland, because obviously we are based in Sydney, is very rare. So we want to see us all down there. The Great Western Hotel, Rockhampton, Friday 24th of March, 6 p.m. at Gilligan's in Cairns. Make sure to be there for the last show of the regional tour, powered by Ringers Western. And also, Bloke Lager is still on special across all celebrations in New South Wales and Queensland. Get yourself a case of lager for less than 56. Some stores are going as low as 53. Get onto a store locator on our website, www.blokeinabar.com or bloke.shop and find the nearest celebrations near you. And just a reminder, if they don't have stock, they've probably sold out. So just ask politely, may you please order some bloke beer into the store. But as usual, let's get straight into it, baby. Just a bloke in a bar. What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to another episode of Bloke in a Bar, and round one is done and dusted. We're back into the full swing of things. There was highs, there was lows, there was tears, there was celebration, that everything round one. I will say the quality of the footy was absolutely fantastic. Uh, boys, first of all, a massive thanks you, thank you to everyone at the Grand Hotel at Armadale. It was an incredible night on Friday night. We really, really enjoyed it. Everyone was so uh, grateful for us being there, and we were almost grateful for you guys for having us. So thank you so much for having us. Armadale, the Grand Hotel. Like, I loved it. I loved the drive up. I loved the town. I want to go back. I'm being serious. Like, I genuinely want to go back. Mate, I loved it. I, uh, I wish my family enjoyed my company as much as the people. <laughs> it, was, it was unreal. Very welcoming. Uh, great pub too. Unreal spot. Oh, great pub. Great pub. Um, so, yeah, thank you to everyone at the Grand Hotel. What about yourself? Do you enjoy it, Timmy? Mate, had an absolute ball. I'm still buzzing from Friday night. I think when we first rocked up there, there was an older bloke, Jared, I think his name was, wearing a lime green Canberra Raiders jumper. I just knew everything there was to know about bloke, the Raiders, and had a great yarn with him. So, you know, blokes like him make it sort of all worthwhile to make the trip out to Armadale and just a cracker of a night. Yeah, fantastic, fantastic. So we will be in Wagga Wagga this Friday, 6 p.m. at the Riverina. Uh, so make sure to get down, guys. As we said, like getting out to these places is extremely hard. It takes, you know, it takes a lot of logistics, all that stuff. But we're super excited. We want to see everyone in the surrounding area in Wagga get down to Riverina uh, and make it. Let's make it the biggest show we've ever done because uh, I cannot wait to get down to the south side, uh, drive south rather than north. See what the south side of uh, the south side of uh, New South Wales is. Um, how, how close is Wagga to the the border? Is it still substantial distance? Uh, I'm going to go with... Four hours or so? Yeah, I'm going to go four max, probably closer to three. It's heading down Aubrey-Wodonga, sort of right on the border down yeah. there. And, and Aubrey play in Group 9, the same division as Wagga do. Okay. So be massive footy area, really, really strong country footy down there. Okay. So yeah, about probably about three, three, three and a half hours. Yeah, Matt. All right, well, Wagga Wagga, Riverina, 6 p.m. Be there, come enjoy the night. The beers will be flowing. A great live show. Um, yeah, we absolutely loved it last week and we want to love it this week. So get down to Riverina and Wagga. Now, big announcement. We have a brand new partner with Bloke. I am super excited to announce that Sportsbet 
has now jumped on board with Bloke. We are now partners with Sportsbet. Uh, I'm absolutely stoked because they're the number one in the country. We're the number one. It's a great matchup. Uh, their content is very similar to ours. Uh, so, yeah, it was just like a match made in heaven. And I, as you guys know, last year when we said we're going to start bringing on partners, we bring on heaps uh, of other ones like Ringers Western who powered the, the country tour. Um, we are super excited to bring on Sportsbet. And, and in full transparency, things like this opens up so many doors for us, guys. The content we can do with them, the access they have to be the biggest superstars in the country. For example, uh, soon I'm going to do some stuff with Volkanovski uh, because he's with them. Or There's so many things that we're going to be able to do now, being partnered with someone, the number one in Sportsbet. On top of that, it gives me opportunity, like, you know, uh, how much I get paid doesn't change at all. I'm still on the same or whatever, but... Matty just got a raise, so that's he's stoked with that. He's been carrying on all week. Uh, and obviously, I can pay the boys, Guru and Timmy, more as well. And that's Tim brought just, my coffee this morning, mate. Exactly. I didn't <laughs> fucking believe it. Exactly. And that's all. When bringing partners on board, it, it's not it's not necessarily about me. It's about being able to, you know, help the other boys get a bit more coin, all that good stuff. So, super excited. But uh, And so, the good thing as well is the guys at Sportsbet, they were already fans of the podcast. So they, they were super excited to get involved purely from, you know, they're a part of the community, just like everyone listening right now. Uh, and and the, the, the plans we have, guys, they're massive, they're super fun, and they're just more content for rugby league, more content for rugby league community. Uh, let's get into the first segment brought to you by Sportsbet. And Sportsbet, they're running a new feature called Sharebet. Basically, your mate, he puts on a multi and you want to ride it with him. You can, without having to manually put it in yourself, you can just share share the bet and then tap of a button and your mate can copy it straight into their bet slip. Share the bet, copy the bet with sports bet. So, I mean, how good is that? Yeah, there was a few uh, chucked in my group chat this week. Very yep. handy little addition there. Mate, very handy. And we all know Sportsbet's, well, in my opinion, Sportsbet's got the best app in the game. Uh, so that's Sharebet, guys. So let your mates know if you're on a punt and you want to ride it together, you can share a bet with Sportsbet. But it's time for accountability. Boys, the tips. We got some right, some real good ones right. We got some real good ones wrong. Uh, let's go with the first game. Eels versus Storm. I tip the Eels. Guru tipped the storm, Tim tipped the eels, Matty tipped the eels. The Gurino comes through with the victory, with the dub, one for one. Yeah, it started on a high, didn't finish on a high. <laughs> we started on a high and I lapped it up on Thursday night, so we'll take that one. Warriors Knights, I pick Warriors, Guru pick Knights, Tim Warriors, Matty Warriors. The boys, myself, Timmy, Matty, a dub there. Back on track, boys. Back, on, back track. on track. We're back here, we're back here. <laughs> uh, Panthers Broncos, we all went Panthers, how dare I? I'm a, I'm a fucking dog. I'm a dog. <laughs> to be fair, when you did take the Panthers, the curse was still alive and well. That's a that's point, a good point, so. Guru. You saved me there. You yeah. saved me there. So we're all one from three. One from three, and we call ourselves footy experts. That's disgraceful. Um, actually, we don't call ourselves footy experts, actually. Um, now on to Manly versus Dogs. All picked Manly. Manly got the job done quite handedly. Cowboys Raiders. Uh, we all went Cowboys. We all went Cowboys. Even you went Cowboys. Oh, because of the heat and that. Yeah, I tip with the head, not the heart. Okay, okay. And you've done it well. So we've gone, we've got it right there. Sharks versus Rabbitohs. We all went Rabbitohs. Uh, Dolphins versus Roosters. We all went Roosters. So we got that one wrong. Uh, Tigers versus Titans. We all went Titans. We got that one right. That one was the best one, in my opinion, because the Titans were $2.15 outsiders. Mm. And so I think, didn't we say there was value? We, said, was there value. Was, we said there was value, and we all went the outsider in it once. So that was, uh, was probably our best of the week. 
yeah, collectively. I, I was pretty confident in that one, to be honest. I, I like what the Titans are doing. Um, and they value. So we'll do our preview at the end of the, the show, guys. Um, also, got some uh, bit of info from Sportsbet. Six of the eight games went under the total points line. Uh, faves, uh, the favourite slash dogs at the line were split four and four. Dolphins were $6.50 head-to-head. It's the biggest upset since West beat the Broncos at Suncorp last year. Oh, thanks for reminding me of that, guys. <laughs> um, and a couple of bad beats. Para, plus three and a half. Harry Grant try uh, golden point to win by four. Oh, fuck. Um, Unders in round one, like white and rice. Oh, my God. Yeah. And this one's the worst one. This one is like, oh, my God. So Sportsbet, have let me know on this one. Mulatalo, first try scorer, went for Superman dive. 11 bucks. Oh. 11 bucks? <laughs> oh, my God. Holy heckers. So there's your bad beats from Sportsbet. Um, just want to say a massive thanks to Sportsbet for coming on board. Uh, honestly, I'm just, I'm proud of it. I'm super proud that Bloke, the number one sports podcast, is with the number one punting agency. Uh, and it just, as I said, opens so many doors for all of us here, you know, uh, to really do some incredible content for you guys and grow as a show. You know, we can do more nosebleed shows. We can do more live tours. There's so many more things we can do by getting partners on board to help support the vision. So, um, yeah, get down, get to your sports bet. Use the new uh, share a bet uh, feature because it's a fantastic feature, especially in a punters club. Like, stop it. Just can, throw can it in there. There. There's got to be a Joel Kane cameo at some point. Oh, yeah, we'll get the Joel Kane. If we don't get Sugar Kane on, I, I don't know what we're doing. Mate, we'll get, we'll get whoever we want on. That's, that's, <laughs> you know, it is, again, they, whatever, whoever we want to bring on, they said access to whoever. Yeah, the great Joldy Kane here. One of the great storytellers. Uh, got a yarn in him. I actually, oh, I God. saw him um, on Hello Sport, SEN mm. Potty. He was incredible. Yeah. Incredible. It was one of their better podcasts, I thought. I was it was incredible. And I, I didn't know he actually played first grade. Yeah, really, um, yeah. He had a couple of really interesting yarns in that podcast. Oh, so go listen to that on Hello Sport because the yarns are, are crazy, like actually crazy. The great Jolly Kane. Uh, that's all brought to you by Sportsbet, guys. As I said, show them some love. They support us, so support them. Uh, now let's get into, uh, we've already spoken about, oh, well, the country tour, uh, powered by Ringers Western. Massive shout out to Ringers Western. We're wearing the kit uh, on the weekend and it was actually, I, I took it home. I actually took the kit home because I love it. Also, March 13th, that's when the collaboration, we're doing a merch collaboration with Ringers Western on March 13 at 6 p.m. We've never done work shirts before. We've got maroon work shirt, we've got blue work shirt, plus we've got country bloke, just t-shirts. We've got bloke trucker hats. We've never done trucker hats before, never. Um, so that is March 13th at 6 p.m. Set your alarms, guys, there is a limited, guys, there's a limited amount. And plus like for the bloke community, Ringers Western is launching this so, the chances of it going quickly are extremely high because Ringers Western, they have a huge following, huge for like hundreds of thousands of people. Um, so make sure to set your alarm. If you want the kit, set your alarm because I'll be very surprised if it's not gone quite quickly. Shout out to Ringers Western. Uh, stitched the big boy up with all maroon kit too. I had a look in the mirror <laughs> at one point and went, oh, this, this isn't it. They know. They know the true, you know what? It's because I think, I'm pretty sure they're based in Queensland. So they got you a good one there. Yeah. They got you a good one. Um, but... Big news dropping today. Suwali'i commits until end of 2024. Roosters also hope to lock him up longer, but at this point, he's activated his option, which is 2024. He was a target for the Wallabies, reportedly could have earned over 1 million there, whereas this seems to be 750k. South apparently threw big money at him, according to Danny Wildler. Uh, 
Guys, thoughts on uh, Suwali'i committing to 2024? I think it's fantastic. I am so excited to watch this kid's career play out. I personally don't think it'll always be in rugby league. Uh, I think he'll have a similar career to um, Sonny Bill where he sort of jumps around a little bit just because he is so talented. But, uh, yeah, I'm excited to see what the Roosters can do with him. <coughs> Last year playing wings, kick returns were unbelievable. He did so much work. But, mate, I am so excited to see him, you know, over an entire season be that real strike left centre the Roosters have lacked essentially since Latrell left. Uh, so... I love it, and I think the Roosters, you know, they haven't started overly well, but I think they can still be super successful this year, and I think he's going to be at the front of it. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's an incredible get. Like, it's it's one of those, I guess, not a strange situation, but there wasn't really that much hype around the fact that one of the game's best superstars we've seen in a very long time could have left the Roosters in 2024. Yeah. At the same time, I think that was because he was at the Roosters. No one handles this sort of stuff better than them realistically. So, um, yeah, great little story there. I will say, though, reading that 700 to 750k mark, I go, how? How? uh, Surely he's not on 750k. Like, I mean, he's worth it. I'm not saying he's not worth it. But there's there's no way. I don't believe it. In terms of just the club he's at and the superstars, how? It's okay. How? How? I'm not allowed to say my honest thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> like, if you said to me he signed on unders to win comps, I would, I'd be like, yep, sweet. Which I, I do think is the case. I just, I don't believe he's on 700K. I don't believe it. How, how could he be on 700K and John Money be on 700K? Tedesco be on a million dollars. It doesn't make, that, I just, I, I honestly think that he's, that he's signed on unders in hopes of winning a comp in the next year or two, which they are very likely, well, likely to do. Um, they, they did start quite slowly. Um, <clears throat> So, and I think also the advice he's getting is, it's like, you're so young, mate. Take the unders now, win a comp or get close to, and then the big contracts, the big contracts will always be there for a guy like Suwali. He doesn't need to worry about any money. Money is, is going to be sorted for him for, for the rest of his life. I mean, if he comes out and plays two years where he's shocking, potential will still get him this sort of money regardless. Easy. Yeah, Easy. Without a doubt, in two different sports. Easily. So, like, money, I, I reckon the advice he's getting is, is like, mate, money is never going to be an issue for you. So stop thinking about it. And just think about what is the best for your career, purely footy sense. Um, so, yeah, great get. And also, well done, like, um, I've got to commend South for, I guess, for chasing him that hard. Because, you know, they they could have been really sooky and like, oh, you know, he left and we had him before. But you always want to make the decision of, like, what is best for the, the club. And that what is best for the club is a guy like Stuart Lee signing on 800K being maybe the opposite centre to, say, uh, Campbell Graham. Could you imagine that back line? With imagine Sule? that left side. Sule, oh, know? my God. <laughs> so I like that from Rabbitohs. I think that's really smart. I think it's really smart. And I think it's um, it shows it shows you signs of a really well-run club that doesn't hold grudges and constantly thinks about what is best for our future. Bunnies couldn't get him, so they switched their dominant edge to the right this week too. Wow. Wow. I mean, tell, tell you what, Campbell Graham. Oh. He was. You tell um, he's come back from a World Cup. Or? Oh my God, he was phenomenal. And like you say, Origin Bolter, but then you go, oh well, he's got fucking Tom Dravojevic, Jackie White, uh, Latrell Mitchell in front of him. But if one of them's injured, I think I said it last year. I said he was next in line. I think he's next in line. He could even be on a wing too. I reckon. <laughs> yeah, I don't mind True. him on wing. I bet like fuck. It's he's just still stacked there. Yeah. yeah. I mean, New South Wales side. When you look at it on paper, you go, how? If everyone's fit. 
an available come Origin 1. There's almost no level of footy Campbell Graham can get to that gets him in the I know. back line. It's crazy. It's insane. It's insane. So massive congratulations to Ali. I think it's a smart decision. Uh, I think that there's a, a world where basically – I got a lot of shit for that last week. There's a world where I kept saying it. I didn't even realise I was saying it that much, to be honest. Um, I, th- I don't think people appreciate how hard it is to actually host a podcast. I, don't, I think they just think you just rock up and you talk. Um, no, no, I, I love to ho- host a podcast. I host for four hours. Yeah. You're a knock. I like the banter, though, guys. Don't, don't worry. I'm not having a sook. I've got the best job in the world. Um, I forgot what I was saying now. Oh, I think, I think that I would put uh, good money, and I think the odds would be quite low on sports bet. Uh, he will be at the Rugby World Cup, in my opinion, 2027. Is it 2027 Australia? Yeah. I would be shocked if he's not at that World Cup. Yeah, and to be honest, I, I kind of hope he is. I think it'd be entertaining. Just so good on him. I'd watch the World Cup all of a sudden. You know what? I've, you know, you know what? Like, I feel like there was a period where we were like really scared of like losing our stars to Union, and and look, maybe we're in a position of like comfortableness because we've dominate we dominate the game in Australia now in regards to NRL versus Union. But I think as the years have gone on, we've all realised like there'll be another superstar. We don't have to stress out about the next superstar coming through. It's incredible how rugby league does that. <laughs> we lose these guys, and you just think we're never going to see anyone like them again. Yeah. And then these teams, they don't miss them. Well, remember, the, remember the yarn around Carmichael and Israel Folau yep. when it was like these are superstars. We need to open the the war chest to keep them. And even I, I was even guilty of it. I was even guilty of it, thinking like, but now as as time goes on and you see year after year these guys coming through, you go, you know what, like. We're going to have a superstar. In a you also see nowadays, I think probably the fear earlier on, particularly early to mid 2000s, like, oh no, we, we lose them to rugby union, that they've got more money to throw around, that we might lose them forever. But I think nowadays what we're seeing with lots of players, there's obviously that allure of going and playing a World Cup for be it the All Blacks or the Wallabies, that they can go over for a season or two and come back. Mm. We're seeing that quite often. It's like, you know what, go over, play your World Cup, and hopefully we see you back in two years. So uh, that's a real reality at the moment. Um, oh, absolutely. Actually, you know what? I'll uh, reach out to Sportsbet, see if we can get some markets on Suwali'i Union. <laughs> They'll do that. They, this, is it. this is what I mean. This is how excited they are about the partnership. They were like, mate, if you've got something you want us to do a market on, just let us know and we'll do it. So I hate exotics. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, yeah, so this Suwali'i situation, I almost like, I want him to go to the World Cup. Like, I want to see it. I'd even go as far, and this one hurts me wee little heart even more. If I saw Australia, the Wallabies, running out with Cam Murray, Suwali'i, and even Nelson Osofa-Solomona, I wouldn't all mind. Yep. I wouldn't mind. Because I know they're going to come back. We all know that. Well, most likely. Um, and it's good for the country. Like, Wallabies would have stacked. One of the, the best thought exercises, I reckon, I think it was with the Hello Sport Boys that we spoke about it. Someone messaged me ages ago, or maybe they brought it up. I don't know. Imagine a world where every NRL player just played Union, how would we go against the All Blacks then? So like Thurston, Lockie, like imagine a world where NRL didn't exist in, in the country and all of our best players played Union. Far out. Could you imagine how good that side would be? It'd be scary. Oh my God. Can you imagine GI, Latrell Mitchell out in the centres there? Holy shit. Um, Anyway, uh, let's get on to the just, next. Just before we move on. So Roosters haven't actually announced Dominic Young yet. Obviously, everyone's assumed that he's going to go there. But the NRL, NRL.com have very sneakily added Dominic Young to the Roosters list for 2024 up to 2027. So I think that's confirmation Ooh. that Dominic Young's going to be there for four years. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, 
It's done. Mm. It's done. Uh, Dominic Young. So, again, so that means that they'll have a back line with Dominic Young, Suali'i, Joey Manu, Tupo if he stays. Holy well, shit. If Tupu stays and if Dom Young hits his potential, which is huge, like that's one of the best back lines ever assembled, I think. Like, yeah. Like, just, just have a look at the bodies that are in that back line alone. We've never seen anything like it. No. Never seen anything like it. You've got the second... Basically, essentially the second or third best fullback of all time in Teddy. You got Joe. Like it's a, it's insanity. Um, like the, all the centers and wingers are the perfect <coughs> prototype body that you want. Every single one of them. Yeah, it's yeah, it's almost like doesn't like even the Queensland backline didn't look like that in its dominant era. The Queensland backline didn't like they had Darbs on one wing. Was it Tatey on the other wing for a bit? Blocked it out. Sorry, mate. <laughs> um, anyway, let's get to uh, segment two. Uh, team of the week. So, I oh man, I, this is a tough one. This is a tough one. I actually changed that. Uh, boys, did you get your chance to get your team of the weeks? Yeah, uh, you're right. If I kick off with mine. Uh, yeah, sure. Uh, so fullback, I went with Tommy Turbo, which is wild because I think he was still in first gear for the vast majority of that game, but he was incredible. Uh, Ruben Garrick on one wing. I went with Jermaine Asako from the Dolphins on the other sting. Herbie Farmworth and Campbell Graham in the centres. Adam Dewey at 5'8". Lockie Elias. I went with him at halfback. Thought that was the game of his career. Uh, up front, I went Payne Haas and Canberra Raider. Emre Gula. Thought he had a huge impact on his game. Harry Grant at 9. <coughs> Felice Kafusi, the Terminator in the back row with Fafita. Tohu Harris in 13, and then on my bench I went DCE, Josh King, Cam Murray, and my boy Jackson Ford, who I thought was tremendous for the Warriors. Yep, drinking at fullback, probably a bit harsh on Tommy Turbo there, but just blitzed the Raiders early on in that game, and we were sort of crawling back from that point. Garrick and Taolungi on the wings, Graham and Herbie Farmworth at the centres. I've got Adam Dewey at six. Lockie Elias, unlucky to miss out in the halves with DC scored a Hattie. Absolute blinder. Uh, Haas and Taniel Paseca, thought was great up front. Torhu at lock. Kofusi and Fafida in the back row. JMK, Marshall King at nine. Bench was Hopgood, Ilias, King and the GOAT, Marky Nichols. So I went, uh, I had Drinky Hamiso or Turbo at fullback, so I don't know which... I'll go drinky only because like Turbo, it's almost like expected. You know, like you just go, that was a quiet game for Turbo. Yeah. That's how good he is. Um, and I do think like drinky was the difference in the first half of the Cowboys. Like he was just so silky, man. Some of those players. I went Garrick on the wing, Farnworth, Graham in the centers. Now you're, you're gonna like this, this wing. I thought he had an incredible weekend. One of the great weekends. I put the great Wayne Bennett on the other sting. <laughs> The great Wayne Bennett made me sting. Look, he was amazing. Huge win. I mean, when you win like that, you deserve a spot the team of the week. Especially when I'm the coach, bro. You're not taking the coach's spot. Jesus. Uh, I went, now, obviously, I know this is frowned upon, but I don't care. I don't give a shit. This is my fucking team of the week, so I get to say what I want. I put Ilias at six because he was too good to leave out of the side. He was absolutely phenomenal. We'll get to that when we get to the game. DCE at seven, he was phenomenal. You know what was weird is like him, Lockie Croker and Tommy Turbo with the shaved heads, I kept mixing them up. Yeah. And I was like, what the hell is going on here? Um, so yeah, DC incredible. Haas at eight, I mean, far out. Harry Green at nine, Ruben Cotter at 10. Get a chance, boys, while I'm talking. Go check Ruben Cotter's stats. You'll fucking your pants will explode. Um, <laughs> Kofusi and Lemmy Lemmy uh, Lemmy Lemmy Lou. Is it Lemmy Lou? Uh, Kofusi and Lemmy Lou uh, in the back row. Carrigan at 13. 
Marnie at 14, I thought he was phenomenal for the Bulldogs. Like, it's scary to think what the score would have been if Marnie wasn't playing. That's how good he was. Uh, Nichols, 15. Tohu Harris, 16. For Fluda at 17. <laughs> I, uh, I've got to put out a public apology. I forgot Jermaine Hopgood, believe it or not. Yeah, all this. So I, uh, I might have to make a hard phone call there to someone. Yeah, Jesus. What's, why do you hate Hopgood so much? Tell me about it. You don't even uh, rate him. You've been, you've been riding him all off-season saying how bad he's going to be. Worst signing of the year. I was there for the birth and I forgot him in the team of the week. <laughs> wow. Already moved on. You know, he goes away once to a live show and he fucking forgets about the little guys. <laughs> Holy shit, Guru. Holy Kemp, shit. You should have seen how is Maddie the water boy and Guru just sitting there signing signatures to every bloke and every good looking girl all. in Armadale. Guru's ego just getting bigger and bigger with every signature. I've mate. seen it all, mate. Very dangerous. Oh, my God. Like, seriously, talk about heartbreakers. They oh. rode through Armadale. Every girl, his eyes were fluttering. <laughs> <laughs> Timmy signed a baby's head. They weren't even talking to him. <laughs> uh, okay, let's get into the reviews for the re- uh, for the round. Um, and don't forget, guys, Wagga Wagga, 6 p.m. this Friday, powered by Ringers Western. Then we've got Rockhampton uh, the following week and Cairns Gilligan the week after that. Uh, where is the so – just quickly – Great Western Hotel, Rockhampton, 6 p.m. next Friday. And then Gilligan's the following Friday, 6 p.m. this week. The Riverina, Wagga, 6 p.m. Also, March 13th, collaboration drop with Ringers Western and Bloke. Make sure to be there uh, because we are, yeah, we've never done work shirts before and it's Ringers Western. So great collab and they're powering the country tour, the regional tour. Kempi, me and uh, me and Maddie, the Waterboy, drove up together in the van, carried all the gear up to Armadale and... Matty actually decided, he was on directions, actually decided to take his via cans on the way to Armadale. Oh, man, I heard this. We hit every pothole in New South Wales on the road that we took. Like, Mate, we were driving through cow paddocks, through everywhere. Mate, thank you so much for calling me and telling me. Because I was, my map went the same way. And then, so basically for people listening, there's two ways you can go up to Armadale. There's the New England Highway, which is <laughs> like a relatively new highway. It's not like you know, new about, and there are sections that are a bit smaller, or you can go up this like backwards way that is genuinely dirt roads. Yeah. Genuinely, and these boys, you were the first to drive up? Yeah. Well, Guru beat us there. Thanks for the heads up, mate. Um, yeah, thanks for that, Guru. Yeah. yeah. Just followed the directions. Oh. Yeah, I'm sitting there on Saturday morning, they're telling me about all the potholes. I'm going, fuck, these two are full of carry on. The road yeah. was fine. What are they talking about? <laughs> Guru, well, Guru also, he did call us to give us a bit of a warning about, like, there'd been a lot of kangaroos on the road, and he goes, boys, just, you know, keep it up. Heap of kangaroos on the road. I'm sitting there going, I'm thinking, big drive to Armadale, you know, 100, 150 roos and that. Didn't see one the entire way. Then we got there, and I'm like, Guru, how many roos did you see? He goes, Oh, three. <laughs> <laughs> He's kangaroo like, for a reason. I'm like, I went 15 k's under the speed then just because of all the roos that were going to be on the road. I'm like, anyway. <laughs> you two didn't see any kangaroos because you drove through fucking backyards to get there. You're yourselves. <laughs> now, let's get to the review. Storm 16, Eels 12. Um, <clears throat> Wow, what a game. Really exciting game. I tell you what, though, Eels, like, you've got to be disappointed in that performance. You've got to be disappointed because the game was there for you to win. It was in your hands. Um, they dominated most of the first half. Storm do what they always do is they hang in there. They understand that momentum's going to swing, field position's going to swing. Uh, so storm did what they did they hung in a game and they get the job done somehow some way they've been doing it for 20 years now i've got to say for the eels because we have them as genuine premiership contenders you go 
it's disappointing because you would hope that they're past these kind of games now. You would hope that they're past these old bad habits. Now, I understand, look, it's, it's one round. Don't, I'm not sitting here pretending like they can't sort it out. Like I was the one, one of the only people riding them to the death last year, even when they were getting pumped in the middle of the year. But I think that like, if you want to take that step into that next tier of club, these are the games that you've got to kind of ice, especially with such an experienced spine that have been together quite a long time now. Obviously, I know Hodgson uh, is, is uh, new to the spine, but the other three have been together for a while. Um, Guru, what do you think of this game, mate? Uh, mate, I personally thought that Parramatta were their own worst enemy. I Trying to work out what they did with their interchanges and everything blew me away. Um, Melbourne Storm used 10 interchanges. Parramatta Eels used seven. I was very surprised that game number one they ran out with Josh Hodgson playing 80 minutes. <coughs> I thought that was strange. I mean, it's seemingly it was every opportunity they possibly could. They got Jacob Arthur a gig last year. Mm. Why wouldn't you run with a utility in this game? On top of that... Makatoa, who was, you know, in their best 17 last year, he didn't get on the field. It's bizarre. It's bizarre. I couldn't, you know, you had Jermaine Hopgood, who, you know, as good as Hopgood was, played 84 minutes. <laughs> His ass is falling out. You know, he gets caught a second late at marker on the last play of the game that costs them. Why are these guys out there playing 80 minutes? Mm. Why, like, I don't understand. And, you know, I, I, like, I, I personally think, and I believe this, I... I think that if Ryan Madison's there and they had him coming on through the middle, I probably think they win that game, to be honest with you. Mm. Yeah, no, I, I think Madison being there would have been a, a big difference because I do think that forward pack was just too much of a storm to handle from a lot of the game. Yeah. Um, and you're right, like, that last try was purely fatigue. Like, that's all it was. It's it wasn't, it was. like, Hopgood's not a guy that just turns off for no reason or, or it's, that was purely 80 minutes he was working his ass off and he's got a quick play of the ball he's got to turn around for. And I could be wrong. It was Hopgood that was getting to second marker and was it Josh Hodgson that was the A, a defender? I'm pretty um, sure it was from memory. Uh, I thought it was Hopgood getting to A. Anyway. Yeah, was, anyway. I'm pretty sure it was Hodgson and Hopgood. Two guys that I don't know why they both had to play 84 minutes straight. Mm. You had guys on the bench, use them. I know. It, it, is, it's very, it was a strange... You also had edge back rows on the bench. Move Cartwright to 13 for a little bit. And wasn't bit it like five there. interchanges for like 70 minutes or something like that? Yeah. yeah. It was outrageous. It was, Do you I, think that he's sitting there going, I'm just preparing for the season? Like as in, I, I don't care about dropping points? I have no idea. Like I cannot make any argument for it. I would... Like, it's Brad Arthur. He's not an idiot. He's obviously got some sort of... Um, There'd be a reason for there's it. There's reason for it. I, I desperately want to know what it is because it makes no sense to me. And you're right. I think with that, the interchanges used, when you got a fresh Makatoa on the bench, why in the world was he picked? Like, were there, were there HIAs during the game that just screwed with the rotations or something or, or gave... I don't know. Like... Mm. I think you could argue that it lost them the game. Mm. And when you have a look at the bench, you know, the four guys that were there, I thought Muckatoa would have been the one they trusted the most out of all of them. Mm. And he didn't get on the field. Well, Jack Murchie is a bloke who's played edge back row his entire career. Now, he's a good frame, but he's been there as an edge. He came on and played as a middle. You've got Muckatoa, who's a genuine middle forward. I'm yeah, I, I cannot work it out. And I, as I said at the start, I think Parramatta were their own worst ending. When you have a look at, you know, the minutes that the front rowers played, RCG played 59 minutes. Junior Bolo played 68. What? That's outrageous. <laughs> For game one, going up against the Melbourne Storm, I just, I can't find any logic in it. Well, the, the logic that I could see is that you're extremely confident that you're going to be in the top eight and you are just trying to build towards, like you don't mind dropping points early on in the season to give players match fitness. That's that stuff. Only logic that I could see is like you're trying to get these boys super match fit, so that by the time the end of the season rolls around, they're 
good to go. Yeah, all they're dead and can't move. <laughs> like, no, seriously, you, it goes just every sort of what I, I would have thought coaching philosophy early in the season. You big boys, you build them into minutes and match fitness and get them going. Like, they've got twenty seven rounds. Like, they're going to be fit by the time they get to finals. And wh- why play them that big minutes early on? Like. Yeah. And just before the comments explode, that's not my opinion. Mm. I'm just, uh, that's yeah. the logic that he could be using. And if you are using that yeah. logic, yeah. which once again, don't hunt Kempe down. <laughs> if you are using that logic and you're not going to play Makatoa, have Jacob Arthur. Hey, have Asti there. What happens if one of the halves go down? Then what do you do? <clears throat> it, it is an interesting conversation around the Eels bench has been questioned for, for at least 12 months now. You know, we, we were questioning Jacob Arthur being on the bench because he could only really replace one player, yeah. uh, you know, and Dylan Brown could have been that guy if he had to. And then you roll into this year, and once again, the bench does seem quite surprising. And, and it's, it's hard because if you're Brad Arthur, you're sitting there going, well, people were having to go at me for putting my son on the bench, and now I don't, and people have gone on me because I... Yeah. But I think they're two different arguments, though. When yeah. I don't think anyone's questioning whether Jake should should or shouldn't be there. It's more the rotation of the bench this, yeah. this game. Yeah. And I feel like at the start of last year was when, you know, you had Jacob Arthur coming on and Dill Brown was going to centre. I just feel like he gets a little bit too cute with his interchanges. Mm. I just, you've got a formula that works, Parramatta. Just stick to it. Mm. And Makatoa, like, would have been so good through the middle. He's a good that's footballer. What, he's explosive. Yeah. He's explosive through the middle. Uh, so that's where you just, you look at everything that happened that, that game and you're like, one that got away. Imagine Eels rolling into round two, taking a storm scout round one. It's huge. Like that's a team you're directly going to competing with for a home final at the end of the season. Yeah. And Even the confidence, though, like yeah, after a grand final yeah. loss. It's, we'll get to the storm in a minute, but it, for all those reasons that I sort of probably took more out of for the Eels than, than the storm because of these rotations and the fact that, you know, it was a game that they were in a position and probably should have won it and they didn't. And they've got, I mean, the storm have plays out too, but Para have a bunch out. I sort of thought, you know, there's only upside from here from Para. The Storm gritted their way to it, but I've got a lot of question marks around their side as well. Yeah, I, uh, I'm not. Oh, I mean, sounds unfair because the Storm, like I think the Storm, they're victims of their own. Any other club gets a gutsy win like that, and you're sitting there going, "What a gutsy win! What a gutsy win!" You know, they hung in there. They didn't look great. They didn't look. But I think because the Storm, we're like, yeah, of course, of course, they get a gutsy win. But it's like I do think they deserve respect. Or their ability to just just hang in there somehow, even though their roster is not as strong as it has been, even though Munster's finger friggin' snapped off. I mean, he's he's a uh, to come back on like that's incredible. I know that like sometimes Munster like he's a little bit of a rogue and whatnot, but like if you ever want to question his leadership qualities, look at that. Oh, like no one would associate Munster with toughness. The bloke had a compound fracture round one straps it up there's blood everywhere goes back out there and basically without him on the field there's no way they can get back into that game oh without a doubt there's i mean no th- way that play that he came up with off the scrum like he just ma- he makes stuff look so easy doesn't he so good he's so good with a compound fracture do you, do you think and this, it might sound stupid but with because the storm had that what 22 23 year uh, streak of not being bent in round one had that not been on the line being round one compound fracture like mate they had a utility on the bench to slot straight into the halves <coughs> jacking that played a factor in him going back out going like no i want to keep this streak no i think it would have been because like basically speaking to people at the storm and like cam smith and that the way they see things is whether it's round one or a grand final mm. we have a set of standards that we always hit, reach so for example how often do we see 
if it was a grand final, he would have played. If it was a grand final, he would have made that tackle or whatever. Storm are trying to instill a culture, or and they have instilled a culture of, you never have to say that. If it was yeah. a grand final, he would have done this. Because they say, whatever game we play, we try to play as hard, as strong as we can. And that's how they get wins like that. Which is why they've won 23 or whatever it is, round one to start the season. Yeah. Where, where other clubs would have gone, you know, camp round one, like, just stay off, mate. Yeah, just stay off. Get, just stay off. If we drop these points, we're going to play finals footy anyway. There's nothing to worry about. Isn't that a mate? Like, that, that, that record now of 23 in a row, whatever it is, like, every single team they've played, they've come up against, sort of come into that season going, okay, we can start our season off yeah. flying here if we knock over Melbourne and we finish this record. Yeah. To be able, and, like... Obviously, across 23 years, the team the teams has changed so much every single year. And for yeah. them to hold that record, I think it's incredible. Oh, it's absolutely amazing. And, and the way they did it, the gutsy nature. And it's, so that's why it's going to be such a, I guess, a polarising next few minutes because although you have to give them so many raps for them getting the job done and just showing that they're the grittiest comp in the, they're the grittiest team in the competition and they will probably always be that while Craig Bellamy is involved in saying that they weren't that impressive in my opinion mm. I, I was really I guess their forward pack doesn't really have the punch it needs at this stage now in their defense Christian Walsh he's been out with an Achilles injury for a while Kamakamitha is injured so they they may grow into it they may grow into it but when you look at the punch that Bromwich and Kofusi could bring and did bring for their new club. I tell you what, if that Corfusi and Bromwich were playing for Storm, I think they have massive impact on that game. And look, I understand it's easy for me to say and clubs need to make calls on players when they hit a certain age. I get that. And I'm not saying that it was the wrong call for Storm to move those guys on. I'm just saying like compared to what they have had of yesteryear, their forward pack just lacked a bit of punch that I'm, that I'm used to seeing from the Storm. Yeah, I agree, mate. I think... Uh, I said on on Friday night at the live show, I said that, you know, if Parramatta or Storm would have played Roosters or Penrith, I think they both would have got beat that night. Maybe I should have said if they would have played the Dolphins, they would have got beat. Yeah, but, not the Roosters. Um, yeah, I, I don't think either team will be overly happy with that performance. I think Melbourne will be happy to get away with two points, but uh, both have a, a, a lot more um, to improve on out of that. Mm. Let's uh, we'll go back to the Eels and, and just get through the Eels first. Josh Hodson, how do we rate his, his uh, performance? I thought he did really well, to be honest with you. I wouldn't have played him for 80 minutes, and there was around about the 50-minute mark. I, I thought his ass was about to fall out the back, but then he just found a new level to go to again. Uh, I've been saying for a long time, I don't like. I don't think he should have played 80 minutes, and I wouldn't have played him for 80 minutes, but he did a lot better than what, what, what I thought. Mm. Timmy? I thought Hodge was good. Really crafty for that try for Junior Barlow. Uh, again, I said for his first NRL game back to go the distance, shows that you know he hasn't missed... Missed too much of a step. The combinations he has with Moses and Dill Brown, they're only get better and better. I think there's some really good signs. He was sort of, you know, even when he wasn't sort of getting to, to dummy half when they were sort of parked on the edges there, he'd sit in the middle and sort of play that link man role for them. And I thought it was really effective. Uh, I was impressed. Yeah, I thought he was mostly really good. Mostly really good. There were just a few moments that I think were crucial that he, especially in the end, there was a point where, and we spoke about it on the live show, but there was a point where Mitchell Moses had set up for a field goal. Dylan Brown. Now, I don't know whether Dylan Brown called the overs call. And so basically for people listening, what an overs call is, is basically, you, you know, at the Broncos, we used to call it Porkies or Red. No, Red was in defense. Porkies at the Broncos. So whoever caught Porkies, you, the nine is supposed to pass on the ball, no matter what. 
So I don't know if Dill called that. And if he did, then you've got to put the onus on Dill, I guess, mm. for making that call. But he passed it to Dylan Brown instead of passing it to Mitchell Moses. And that's, that was a moment where I think like you saw the inexperience of them all working together. Because I feel like by the end of the season, he would have passed that to Mitchell Moses, knowing that, you know, Mitchell Moses is the guy in that situation. Yep. He's the guy you just have to get it to and deal with the consequences of not doing a Porky's call or an Overs call later. Uh, because then you, what happened is, is basically a few minutes later, put it this way, if you make that Overs call, you better make the play. It's kind of like jamming in for a winger. You can jam in if you want, but if you miss that tackle, you, that's a failure. And so I think that the, the tiny touch of difference in Harry Grant being the best hooker in the game and having played all last year in, for the World Cup was when he made his overs call, won the game for him. Yeah. And so that was, a, there was a few other service things with Hodgson. This is me being super critical of Hodgson. I'm not saying, I, I think overall he had a great game. I'm just saying there were just a few little ironing out things. I also think, um, I do think him and Mitchell Moses are gonna take a little bit long, longer to, to gel because we did see, uh, we did see Hodgson attack quite regularly out of dummy half. I thought it was going to take him a while to grow into that, but he seems to be quite confident in that. And it worked, like we saw Paolo score that great try and that was all Hodgson set up. But it's going to take a little bit of time because we have to remember like this team has been so dominated by Mitchell Moses for like four or five years. And I, I will say like Mitchell Moses, whether it was his, I don't, I'm not saying it was Josh Hodgson's fault at all, but it did seem that Mitch Moses just wasn't really in the match that much. And that's Mitchell Moses' responsibility. It's not Hodgson. Mm -hmm. But especially in the second half, like, you know, I'm trying to, and, you know, maybe I was too busy taking my shirt off, eating liver. <laughs> but I, I don't recall him having a, a footprint on the game in that second half. Uh, you guys would have Yeah, no, that. I felt very similar. Yeah. Do you um, think that's a, a concern? Like Mitchell Moses, you should should be completely controlling the game. So the one that worried me was there was a moment, I think it was with about five minutes ago, it was 12 all. Um, Trent Leary was coming out of his own end. He had a bad knock on. Parramatta had a scrum. They ran out. Mm. That yeah. was the moment where I just went, what is Moses doing? Mm. That, that, that set, like he, they, they needed to all know exactly what they were doing and have an objective, that whole set. To turn it like to, to, on first tackle to do that, oh. when it's 12 all with a few minutes to go, that was the huge worry for me. And, yeah. and it was from that moment on that I went, okay, if they lose this, so be it. Mm. They don't deserve it after yeah. that. And so that, I guess the if you're being super critical of yours, you would hope that after all the progress they'd <laughs> made, that that was out of their game. These these mm. these weird situations where they just don't seem to be out of ice games. Do you think Mitchell Moses is in a space now where for his benefit and the clubs, this deal needs to get done? And sooner rather than later, because if they, Go out and lose another match or two. Can you get up who they're playing in the next couple of weeks? They brutal go, draw. Brutal draw. Really tough. So it, there's a world where they go 0-3. Mm. If he hasn't re-signed yet, all of a sudden it becomes a circus around the fact that he hasn't re-signed. It's creating drama. You know what I mean? Like, you know, all the narratives that we're so used to. Who have they got, Matty? So the Eels have got, <clears throat> next week, they've got Cronulla, then Manly, then Panthers, then Roosters. Oh, Just on their draw as well to make it even harder. They play Manly off a bye, they play Penrith off a bye, and they play the Roosters off a bye. So they play three teams in a oh. row that have two weeks to prepare for them, <laughs> which I don't know how on earth that managed to happen in the mm. draw that you have to play Manly, who, I mean, they're looking like the form side at the moment. They looked incredible. But even before that in preseason, you have to play the Panthers and the Roosters, the two premiership heavyweights, back-to-back -back mm. off byes. Mm. 
That's outrageous. For in a seventeen team <coughs> comp for any team to play three teams in a row off buys is crazy. Mm, it's unfair. It is unfair. It's, that's bullshit. Yeah, you shouldn't have to play three teams fresh off buys. Mm. Oh. So like I think for the Eels' sake, for Mitch Moses' sake, get the deal done, bro. Get it done. Because if it's not done in the next few weeks, they are got like he is gonna get annihilated. Annihilated. If if they struggle. If they go out and they win next week, you know, there's no dramas. But if they start losing, he is gonna get fizzled. Yeah, I mate, I was I was driving to Armadale the other night as you know in the lead up to the game. I had the radio on. I had a post ready. I thought they're definitely going to announce this tonight. Mm, yeah. Mitch Moses is going to announce just before kickoff I to get for him sure. up for it. Yeah, yeah. It was, I can't. I can't. I'm surprised it hasn't happened yet. What do you reckon, Timmy? Do you reckon that he needs to? Is that some or just no? Nah, not going to worry about it. Oh, sooner the better, of course. Mm. And I think just on back to the Hodgson and his combinations with Brown and Moses. We sort of, I've sort of been quite vocal about how, as much of a superstar as he was at the Raiders and how integral he was to that, being such a dominant playmaking hooker. Mm. And we thought at Parramatta, particularly coming off his ACL injury with two star halves there, he would take a back seat, particularly early on, and just dish early ball, provide good service. He sort of went straight back to, I don't think he overplayed his hand, but with the nature of his relationship with his two star halves, I thought he probably overplayed his hand a little bit. It's going to take a lot of getting used to. Like, this is Josh Hodgson, who his entire career has been almost the key playmaker in the spine of his side, mm. especially at the Raiders. And now that's not his role. Yeah. So it's going to take, I think, longer than we think for these three to get that combination right. And, like, they're coming off a Reed Marnie who was genuinely willing to just service. Yeah. Because we look how good Reed Marnie is playing at the Dogs, and you're going... Where has this been? You know, it's always been there. He just hasn't had the opportunity. It's his role. Because he's, he's such a role player. Mm. And so I do think this Hodgson-Moses-Brown thing, just keep an eye on it. And, and Gutho. Because, like, even Gutho, Gutho wasn't – like, their heart, their spine, I didn't really see them that involved. Which is so – like, with the Eels, it's, all, it's the, either the Gutho show, the Moses show, or the Brown show mm. all the time. Whereas I'd have to say it was probably the Hodjo show. Yeah, and, I like, with the way that – um. Jermaine Hopkins was offloading. Mm. I thought, geez, this is great for Parramatta. Yeah. This is unreal. But even off the back of that, their, their second phase footy was non-existent compared to what we've seen last year mm. and the years leading up to it. It's going to be interesting. Um, That's the problem, Kemby. It's it's always the Hodjo show. And mm. I don't say that as if it's a good thing. Mm. He needs to learn to take a step back and say, you know what? Like, he doesn't need to role play to the extent that Marnie did it and, and never try and create it and mm. never try and die down dummy half because it's what makes him such a special player. But he does need to take a back seat. Mm. In, in that role. And, and we, we spoke about this last year when he signed. We said, yeah. Hodgson on his day, one of the best hookers in the game, bar none. And I still think, I think we can all agree, he played a good game. Played a good yeah, game. Yeah, absolutely. He yeah. played fantastic. But, like, long term, I, th I think that gelling is going to be... It's going to take a little bit of time. It's going to take a little bit of time. Yeah, I personally, which I, I, I'm interested to hear, hear your takes on this, I, I personally thought the gelling was better than what I expected, mm. to be honest. I, I thought it would be worse. So I'm interested, you know. By, well, by it's hard because there. because we don't have enough evidence. It's hard to say whether Dylan Brown, Moses and Gutho just had quiet games mm. it, and they just had quiet games because they had quiet games last year as well. Or they had quiet games because they were struggling to get used to the flow of the the, the rock, uh positions on the field so it's it's hard to say it's just hard to say like now if we're five games in and, and it's we haven't seen any Mitchell Moses show Brown show Gutho show that's when you can start going okay maybe that gelling isn't happening as well as we thought and I think I think as well like without coming back to it again I, I, like they, they missed Ryan Madison so much mm. they just had nothing off the bench <coughs> yeah you could see the drop off and as we all know with halfbacks 5'8 like you can only play as well 
as your forward pack allows you to. Mm. I thought Junior was amazing, and RCG. He was, for yeah. sure, but, like, I, I think that they needed something extra. Yeah. Yeah. I thought, Guru, where, where Hodjo did gel well with them is that um, for any sort of non-major footyheads out there, you, you hooker when you basically don't want them going from side to field to side of the field and getting a dummy half because, you know, it's unsustainable. So essentially, like, anywhere, if the ball goes anywhere near, like, the tram lines, either side of the field, the, there's dotted lines about, what are they, about five metres in? Yeah. Um, they just say, whoever the centre or wing is there, get into dummy half and service there. When they were doing that and getting to that point, Hodjo was playing as the 13, essentially. Really good and, and being the link man between Moses and Brown. Mm. And I think that, that was even that situation where he set up the try for Bolo. That's where I thought it was really smooth and, and, and effective. And that's a bit of what the role he played at times at the Raiders where uh, when Tommy Starling would come on after 20 minutes, Hodge would go to locker and be the link man between the halves. Uh, mm. I, really good there. Yeah, I agree. I agree. When they when they got to the edges and he became that link man, I thought it was fantastic. That gelled like way better than I thought it would. Um, I think I would have to go back and watch it again, but I would love to see like how many times was Mitch Moses screaming down a short side and he didn't get the ball. Maybe there were zero times or maybe there were a few mm. times. I have to try to rewatch it. That's but right. I also think on that try, like... Granted, it was Josh Hodgson that was there, but I personally think that Dill Brown or Mitch Moses, whoever was standing in that spot when Cameron Munster <laughs> lost his mind for a split second, would have done the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. So I think that if it was Moses or Dill Brown there, we're probably talking about them a little bit differently because then they'd have a triasis on the board. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was strange by Munster, you, you, wasn't it? You really don't want to give him a hard time because he came back onto the field and won him a game with a compound fraction in his finger. But that was a howler, wasn't it? Well, what it basic? That's basically like you've they've made their defensive decision before, the, like so they've real. Recognise they've got short numbers. So they're just trying to shut the play down and basically pressure. They may have been given, um, maybe before the game, defensively, tactically, they were told, we just want to put pressure on Dylan Brown and Mitchell Moses. Mm -hmm. And so that's where you sometimes can see halves shooting out a line and getting to Mitchell Moses because, or to Dylan Brown. And it can work a lot of the time, but when you've got a guy like Crafty, like Hodgson, that identifies it, then that's when you play around you know, five, 10 metres in, because usually you're trying to get to your half, isolate the edges there, have like big spaces between, but if you're constantly getting pressure from the outside, it's really hard for a half to do that. And then all of a sudden his game gets flustered. All of a sudden he doesn't uh, adjust. Like for example, I think it was um, 2020 grand final when Storm beat Penrith. Like the pressure, and I think also Queensland in that first game in one of the series, where you just saw every time Cleary got the ball, someone was hitting him mm -hmm. straight away. And so that may have been why Munster was yeah. doing what he did because he, he was trying to land, as soon as Mitchell Moses got the ball, boom, hitting him. And so that he wants to make it so Moses, every time a ball is floating towards him, Moses is thinking, please don't be getting hit, please don't. And it just rattles the mind a bit, but it was a bad read. Like it was, I'm not excusing the read at all. I'm just saying that's how those kind of things can happen yeah. sometimes. Um, <clears throat> and it was, yeah, great sight by Hodgson. So I, I, thought, I thought Hodgson had a good game. Um, I just I need I want to see more rugby league from the Eels to see whether this is an issue. They may come out next week and absolutely blitz the Sharks, and we go. You know what? It was just a quiet game from the Swan. That's 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 simple. Yeah, and I think that's obviously a major theme of today that it is a small sample size. Yeah, you just don't know. You know what teams are looking like after five and six weeks, realistically. Yeah, realistically. And let's not let's not overlook the fact that you know Papali and Sean Lane would two of the most integral players to their yeah. touch last year. They didn't have them. They had two new back rollers. So it's like, it's going to take time for these things to, to Exactly. Work. And Dylan Brown, what was his biggest weapon? It was Sean Lane. The amount of times he would just go to the line, hit Sean Lane short, go to the line, hit Sean Lane short. And then on the third or fourth one, that's when he'd run the ball. And he didn't really have that pairing with someone. So it's going it, to... 
it's going to take a little bit of time for the Eels, I think. The disappointing thing for me, though, was if they came out and just got dominated through the middle and lost, I'd almost be more happy to go, you know what, it's going to take time, don't stress too much. It's the fact that they, were, they had the game in control and they just let it fall away mm. um, with a storm slide that didn't really play that good to do it to them. And Cam Munster was off for, what, 20 minutes? 20, 30 minutes? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, disclaimer as well, guys. It's round one. We understand that. It's a long season. We understand that our opinion can completely change next week when we see them play really well. Uh, let's get to the Storm. Um, so, Cam Munster's performance is incredible. Harry Grant is absolutely phenomenal. That second half, so they're under the pump the whole first half, basically. They do an incredible job to stay in the Storm. Harry Grant comes out in the second half. I think that he changed the game. Like, he genuinely went, oh, Cam Munster's off. I'm going to take full ownership of this. Boom. Took control of the game. Change of momentum. All of a sudden, the Storm have got quick play of the balls. They've got uh, heaps of space on the edges. And then, obviously, the match went up. Harry Grant is something special. Like, truly something special. It's wild when you look at his stats. And, you know, when I thought back to his game the other night, I thought he was everywhere. He was electric. Mm. How many metres he ran for? 72. Really? But they were an effective 72. Oh. And it's, I think it's something that Harry Grant does better than anyone in the league right now, which Cameron Smith did better than anyone for a long time. It's those, it's that metre and a half he takes out of dummy half just to take the markers completely out of play. And it, keep, and it also, it keeps the A and B defenders honest. Yep. As soon as he steps out like that, you can't afford to just start screaming up towards your, your defender. Well, above, above anything else, that's the hooker's job, mm. to take the markers out of play. And that's exactly as you said. That's what made Cameron Smith so special. He's a freak at it. Yeah, and we go back to two weeks ago, that World Club Challenge. That's why they won. That's mm. why they beat Penrith, because James Roby was fantastic at it as well. And it sounds so simple, but when you've got a hooker that knows how to do it properly and does it properly for 80 minutes, it makes such a big difference. Oh, massively. Like, sometimes when you're watching a game and you're like, you see teams, they're, they're doing their set plays. So out the back, out the back, and you're like, there is no room on the edges. Like, these, these plays are doing mm. nothing. <clears throat> It's usually because their dummy half just hasn't really held back that ruck. Because if, if the dummy half just goes off the deck straight away and the defence are onto it, they just go boom, up, slide, easy defence. If you engage the markers properly, you're essentially taking one to two players out of the defensive line every play. Every single play. And if you've engaged the markers, then you've engaged the A. Because the A, if the markers miss, has to be there. Uh, what was the try? It was um, Jeremy Marshall King got out. Saw that Lodge was offside, engaged Lodge. What happened? The A didn't cover enough for Lodge. He, uh, I think it was Butcher, went for the intercept and he just went straight through. And that's where, like, if you engage the marker, you're essentially engaging the A to stop things like that happening. And if you're looking for an example of, you know, a hooker that did that perfectly on the weekend that's not a superstar, it's Jeremy Marshall. He was incredible. He was yeah, so good. And, th and then you have the situation where, again, defining that the best and, and the, the lesser hookers in the game, you know, you get a quick play, the ball, the marker's a bit scrambled. And you've got numbers out wide. It is just giving quick early service straight mm. off the deck, as opposed to taking those two steps and giving the defensive line time to react. Yeah. So it's like such a, a tricky, tricky position hooker that I think we all overlook. So mate, you get to sit there and talk to Cam Smith about it each week about that role. I mean, Man, unbelievable. The, the best thing, Cam, one of the best things he ever told me. I was like, mate, like tell me why you were so good for so long. <laughs> like tell me why. He didn't say I was so good. He, you know what? He's one of the most humble people I've ever met in my life. Like, every time I try to call him the goat, he's like, no, nah, don't say that. Don't say that. <laughs> um, he goes, you, you know why I went okay, Kempi? He said, because 
my physical attributes were never the strongest part of my game. He said, my mind was the strongest part of my game. So the more rugby league I played, the better I got. Whereas a lot of other players, they rely on their physical attributes to be good in, in the NRL. And I was like, that is genius. You're a genius, <laughs> sir. Uh, and it's true. It's yeah, true. Which is terrifying because he spent half his career with Cooper Cronk, who was that halfback as well. Mm, yeah. It's, it's unbelievable. And it, you know, to, for, for like a perfect analogy in the NFL, it's Tom Brady. Yeah. You put him in a skill tester, all these blokes will slap him around. Mm. But it's between the ears that you can't compete with them. And Cam Smith was exactly the same. Like the Melbourne Storm didn't lose a ruck for 15 years. I know. and he, Regardless of who the forward pack was because of Smithy. Yeah. And he was so good at it, you didn't even know it was happening. Yeah. Like you could be, the casual fan would watch a Storm game and they wouldn't even notice Cam Smith. And you're like, he is so deceptively controlling this ruck right now. It's like he's not even on the field. It's, it's oh. insane. And insane. I know that he would never say, but I think it's one of the great robberies of all time that he never got a Clive Churchill. Because in those grand finals, he dominated the ruck in yeah. every single game. Even the games they lost, the Sharkies game, he made 72-odd tackles that game. It's amazing. It, and kept the Melbourne Storm pack in the contest. Mm. Yeah. It, it just, he's incredible. Yet if you said Cameron Smith's a running hooker, people would laugh at you. All you got to go, 2017, game three. Go watch that and tell me he's not a running hooker. That game, that was the week that he came out and said, I didn't run enough last week I'm yep. gonna do, and I remember I was at Suncorp I was sitting behind the up, up sky high in the nosebleeds and just watched it and you could just see he would get the ball he, mm. he'd get it dummy half and he would just tell someone to run it for feeder or woods mm. get them at marker and then he would just play in a corridor for the rest of the set and just fuck around with them so good it was one of the, it was just him and Slater just following each other you could honestly I reckon you could make an argument 2017 is one of the greatest games a hooker's ever played like he was phenomenal 2017 game three um, what do you got there, Manny? Oh, no, I'm just going to add on. I think as well, it's one of the best origin comebacks of all time, I, I feel, in more ways than one. Obviously, he reckons he had a bad game too. He came out in game three, as you said. I think Munster debuted in 17. But at halftime of game two, 2017, the Blues are up 1-0 and they're up 16-6. Like, all they had to do was win that half and they would have won the series. And Queensland... They could have lost the half and still won the series. Yeah. Yeah, and Queensland, Dan Gagai scores a double. And I was in the sheds after that game working for the Blues. Mate, it was like a morgue in there. Wow. It, like, they, they, they were devastated. I've never seen, like, yeah. It, it, they, they knew they'd really cost themselves that game. <sighs> Good old origin. It's going to be here soon. Uh, yeah, back to Storm. Uh, Harry Grant, absolutely amazing. Uh, Jerome Hughes, pretty quiet for his standard. Uh, I thought that he was uh, a little bit quiet. Maybe he's going to take a, a bit to grow into the, the role. Uh, is he, not the role, sorry, the year. Uh, is anyone else that stood out for you guys in the uh, Storm side? Just on Hughesy, I think sometimes with, these team, with this team, like Munster was on and Harry Grant was on, they don't all tend to light it up every single game. All of them, there does tend to be yeah, a, a quieter point. party, quite usual. And I mean... You know, Jerome Hughes, for quite a game, he ran for 143 metres at halfback. Mm. You know, like, um, still still had a pretty good game. But, uh, mate, the one that stood out to me was Josh King. He played the he played 81 minutes. Best game for the club that he's had. By far and away. By a mile. And we were sitting here, you know, 18 months ago saying, geez, if Josh King's a guy that is talking, being spoken about in rep football, it won't surprise us because of who Bellamy is. It's taken a little bit longer, but you could see the Bellamy effect starting to come through on him the other night, I thought. Yeah, I totally agree. You could genuinely you go, oh, where'd this guy come from? And you're like, no, no, he just had needed maybe an extra 12 months to 
to find himself where where he belongs in the in the the storm side. So but he was outstanding. I thought was good off the bench. That Alec McDonald didn't play huge minutes, but when he came on the field, he was really strong. Defense was good. He takes really good hit ups. I think he's a guy. Another one that in two or three years we're going to go. Oh fuck, okay, Bellamy's done it with another guy. Because wasn't he a guy that got pulled from Queensland Cup out of nowhere? Like literally yep. out of nowhere. Uh, Bronson Garlic, congratulations on the debut. Had some uh, decent darts out of dummy half as well. Anyone stood out for you, Timmy? Uh, there's a couple there, mate, but like I've still got my reservations about Melbourne. I thought they I wasn't overly convinced on their pack. We mentioned about how sort of Jerome Hughes, Cam Munster, Harry Grant, their first half, no one really made much of an impact. Harry Grant, he might have had one run at half time, mm. and that was because I thought that they were losing the battle through the middle of the field, and, and this is the concerns with uh, you know a different looking pack to previous years. Mm. Uh, King was outstanding. <coughs> But again, just the fact that he had to play 80 minutes in it is... I'm like, I have red flags around that. So, I mean, they, they came good in the second half, but against the best sides in the competition, and I mean, you can argue Parramatta are, but I don't think they were on the night. I just, you know, as you said, as good as your spine is, if they don't have the, the platform to go forward in the middle, I don't know how effective they can be. And my bigger concern is, I thought Nelson Sofosolomona was tremendous. He played, I think, 53 minutes for... Like, that's more than his... Uh, game time, you know, based his entire career in round one. Obviously, there was extra four minutes of golden point. Mm. He had a charge down off Moses, I think it was, where he flew off the line and essentially saved them and then won them the game at the time. It was such an enormous play that I thought was completely missed by a lot of people. Like, he's so integral to this pack. If anything happens to a soft soul oh, owner, mate. you know, we talk about the, the impact of how influential like Ben Hunt is to the Dragons, Tommy Turbo is to Manly. We probably don't talk about it with forwards as much, but like if a soft Solomon is to get suspended or injured or anything, I, I'll have my big concerns about this Storm pack. And they have got a couple of guys come back into the pack, like Tarek Sims, Eisenhuth, but they're not those guys. Mm, no. You've got Kamakamiko, who can potentially be one of those guys, but Nelson is, especially like, and this is where I think Cheese leaves a massive hole, just a momentum guy. Now it's sort of down to Nass. Everyone else will be solid, but when you need someone to break it open, it's going to always have to be Nass. Yeah, it has to be Nass. Um, he is truly like, I mean, he would at least be one of the most important forwards in a pack in the comp in regards to like most other top tier packs could lose a player. Like, for example, the Eels could lose, say, an RCG. And although, you know, whoever's replacing him is no, it's not RCG. But I don't think the impact is as strong. If they lose Nelson, like their go forward is and, you know, it's quite and not even with the ball, that try that Cam Munster set up. Who do you think was coming underneath him? It was yeah. the Sofa Solomon and was it, it was Penasini who overcommitted to it and it was it Mitch Moses or someone? It's like, what months did there to let the ball go? Eyes were gone. You're like, it was incredible. But of course you're going to overcommit when it was uh, Sofa Solomon. Anyone yeah. else? Look, I still think they scored because of what months did was incredible, but they didn't stand a chance with, with what Munster did, letting go of the ball there. And big Nelson getting those defenders to commit. And you oh. saw it last year. Um, Pappenhausen scored a number of tries off scrums mm. when they had Nelson stand there. And I love that they use him like that. Mm. Like I think so many other teams should be doing. And I, th like I think Parramatta should be using Junior similar to that. Because yeah. 
like they're, they're more dangerous when they don't have the ball simply mm. because you have to commit to them or mm. you're in curry and I, I'd love to see more teams do well, it we, we saw um, Borlo in this game I know it was because of the, the poor Cameron Munster defensive read but he got his one on one as a result of that and it was like I can't remember who he ran at it was like good luck stopping that if you can isolate a big Borlo out wide yeah. on the half like not a chance mm. it was something that the Warriors did a bit last year where they'd <coughs> use um, big um, AFB where mm. you know he'd just be running a lot he was never going to get the ball but you just have to have your eyes on him yeah. at all time because you have to two-man him. Yeah. And just oh, create man. space elsewhere. Uh, I thought Nick Meany also had a fair game. Really safe, got through a bunch of work. Um, you know, he's just – he's so important. You need the guys like Nick, Moore, Nick Meany in the squad because they're just so important to have this, like, NRL standard outside back that can fill in, do a job, do it quite well. Um, you know, he's not going to break the bank. He's probably on minimum, to be honest. But – you can guarantee, you know, a standard of play from him mm. that you just – it's hard to find, man. It's not easy to be a week-in, week-out NRL standard footy player, especially for most likely minimum wage uh, – minimum uh, in the NRL wage. Um, so, yeah, the Storm oh, going forward, I will say, um, yeah, it, oh. Munster being out's a huge loss, but this gives Jerome Hughes a chance to shine. Um but yeah, anything else on the Storm boys? I thought uh, young Tonomapaya had a good game as well. He did a, did a couple of good things. I thought uh, Will Warbrick too. He didn't get as many opportunities what I thought he would, but I think that uh, he's going to be a guy that's going to have a big season. Yeah, st- be patient with Warbrick because in the trials he was incredible. I think there's a huge upside for this guy. It's one of those games similar to Calm Pierre, yes, for the Titans. Ball just didn't come his way mm, in, in, mm. in good ball. So just be, yeah, as you said, be patient because oh, I think he'll score a number of tries this year. Yep. And it, it may take him, you know, 12, 10 rounds to really find his confidence and his where he needs to pop up, when he can go on for a scoot, when he can't go on for a scoot. Uh, I think he's going to be something special by the end of the year. Good to see uh, Christian Welsh back running around again. Yeah, and, and I thought he loads. was good. I thought he was good. He again, yeah. the Achilles... It's not an easy comeback. Yeah, for a front row, it's a front huge Front rower. Injury. So I just want to give the Storm a massive congratulations, though. Like, that achievement that they continue to deliver, it is phenomenal. I say it every week ad nauseum. This is a world-class system that any business in any industry could learn something from. You know, I understand we, we always look at ourselves like, oh, look, it's just we're little Australia and little NRL that's only on the Eastern Seaboard, really, of Australia. That doesn't change the fact that this is a world-class system. We're witnessing one of the greatest systems in Australian sport history, in my opinion. Even when they bring in guys that you would look at that squad at the moment, yeah, they've got an incredible spine, but like they shouldn't be able to continue to do this, and they do do it. I've just said, sat there and said I was not really overly impressed by them, yet they still found a way to win in Golden Point against last year's grand finalists. Away. Like it, away. It's yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. And if you would have gone back, you know, to round five or six last year and said to me, who do you think is going to win the Daly M? I would have said Ryan Pappenhausen. Mm. He was incredible to start yeah. last mm. season. We haven't even mentioned that he's missing. He's missing. Side. They're missing people. Like, they're missing at least three or four starters. Um, so, massive congratulations to the Storm. What an incredible system. And the only reason why we say, oh, they weren't that overly impressive is because we are comparing them to Melbourne Storm. Yeah. It's it's a like it's like Tom Brady like when he doesn't win a Super Bowl it's like oh it's a bad year because Storm have set such a high standard that it's a compliment to say that we aren't impressed it's a compliment because any other team if if Eels came out and did what Storm did I would have said how good Eels have shown grit 
They've learned from last year. Yeah, they didn't play well, but they got the job done. But it's because we're talking about the Melbourne Storm here. And I think you mentioned it earlier, but once again, if you take Kenny Bromwich and Felice and put them back in this side, I don't know if Parramatta scores 12. Yeah. Their defence was pretty good, even though they've lost their two edges, who their entire defence has been built around for the last 10 years. There's an argument to be made that Bromwich, especially Kofusi, are the best wide-running defenders in the last 10 years. Anyone you talk to that's played with them yeah. will swear by that. I think it's no-brainer, isn't it? Yeah, well, like, we, I'm just Defensively speaking, Defensively yeah. speaking, the last 10 to 15 years, put it this way, I would, defensively, Kafusi and Bromwich, I would put them up against any defence edge row, back rower that's played the game. Mm. That's how good I think they are in defence. Yes, they may not, I mean, Kafusi was jamming blokes yesterday, but, like, yes, they may not have the huge highlight reel hits, but when you're talking about squeaky clean reads, squeaky clean wrestle, squeaky clean everything, they do it perfectly. Perfectly. All right, just before we get to the next review, Warriors vs. Knights, Stan original documentary series, Dawn of the Dolphins, premiering today on Stan. A new history starts now. Unprecedented access to the master coach, Wayne Bennett, and how he is building the Dolphins in their inaugural season. A day after such a famous win, get around Stan tonight after work for Dawn of the Dolphins. I tell you what, I was already keen. As you know, we love a bit of rugby league. But after seeing what they did, I can't, I, mate, I'm going to nearly end this podcast early to get home to watch this documentary. I cannot wait to watch this documentary, The Dawn of the Dolphins. Do you reckon, Guru, you keen or what, mate? I'm keen. As I reckon Stan would have been doing backflips yesterday. Oh, my God. The, the executive team, they reckon they had a massive popping champagne bottles and that. <laughs> up was, in a box in Suncorp. How good was Wayne at the end of it? They're like, oh, how, how was that? Yeah, not bad. Yeah, not <laughs> bad. Fucking king. Yeah, and yeah, I'll, I'll, we'll get to it. But he also was like, someone was like, absolutely incredible, Katoa. He was amazing. How good on a debut gets the job done. Wayne goes, wasn't that great? Just did his job. <laughs> and it's just like, it's so Wayne because he doesn't want the rookie to be in the headlines as the next superstar. And so that's why you should watch Stan documentary because you're going to get really good insights like that of Wayne Bennett's classics. I loved it. There was a, a journal. I'm not sure who it was, but they asked me a question and Wayne just went, oh, you've come up from Sydney for this, have you? Yes. That's nice. Yeah. <laughs> so good. So good. And, and basically the guy, they had a back and forth and Wayne was like, mate, you didn't even text me to ask me. Um, and so again, oh. if you want to see, that's what he's doing in press conference for everyone to see. Imagine what you're going to see on the stand documentary that's behind closed doors. And I've heard previews from, like I've spoken to people that have watched previews and they reckon there's some pretty hectic stuff in there where you're going, like we're talking, we're talking the stuff that it's in there is like managers' contract negotiations about some of the biggest players in the game, and you get to see it happen. Yeah, I, I think I'm a bit too scared to watch it. I'm scared there's going to be a segment that's like screw the hates and say we can't cut it. Just clips of me speaking on black. They're actually editing that in now. They're editing that right now. <laughs> yeah, you and Guru last week going blah blah blah. Um, so Stan, guys, if you don't have Stan, make sure to uh, download the app, get an account, Dawn of the Dolphins. I cannot wait. Uh, Warriors v the Knights. Actually, quickly, before we get to that, don't forget, celebrations. In every celebrations, New South Wales and Queensland, Bloke Lager is still on special. In New South Wales and Queensland, get yourself for a case for less than $56. Some stores are going as low as 53 bucks. Get onto the store locator on our website, find the nearest celebration. So you just go there, you'll have store locator, like beer, beer, uh, find, find your local store. You put in your postcode, it'll show you the nearest store to you. That's It'll show you if it's celebrations. Get down there, 
And just a reminder, if they don't have a stack, they've probably sold out. So just ask politely, hi, may you please uh, order in some bloke. They'll have it on their computer, guys. Uh, it actually, stores actually like when you come in and ask them like to order something in or whatever, because it gives them an indication of what they should stop. You know, it, it's easier for them to know what their customer wants if you speak to them. So if they don't have any, just ask politely, hi, could you order some bloke in and they'll do it again special in every single celebration in New South Wales and Queensland as low as $53. Now let's get to the Warriors v the Knights. The Warriors, they got the job done even after going down 6-0. Gutsy defensive effort uh, in the final 15 minutes. What a win for the Warriors. Now I just don't think it's getting enough appreciation. You take into consideration everything they've been through the last two years. You could erase that. You could pretend like that didn't happen. This is a club that had a complete clean out and a new rookie coach that has never coached before. And so obviously the story of the weekend is going to be the Dolphins. But I'd argue this is one of the stories of the weekend. I would argue that if this was a Queensland team or a New South Wales team that did this, there'd be headlines everywhere about this new coach that came in and got a win with a side that, you know, and it's no disrespect for the Warriors, but on paper, it's not like, it's not a crazy side that you're going, oh yeah, they should kill it. You know, and this is no, they play different people, it's different situations. But like Seraldo with a roster and some of the best recruitment going, unfortunately got beaten by a red hot manly side. But Webster with a, you know, on paper, not as good roster, got the job done in round one. Like it's, put it this way, if Seraldo had have won round one, headlines everywhere would have been like incredible. And I think, I understand the Knights aren't as good as Manly, but I think that the Warriors deserve a massive rap for this win. New coach, new fullback, new 5'8", new front row forward, two new edges. Crazy. Make it work. It's crazy. And also, the way they played. Look at the score, 20 to 12. It's not 34-30, 34-24. 20 to 12. They kept the Knights to 12 or below. Like, and, and they win with that new setup and the headlines. Headline from the match is, KP wasn't concussed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're exactly right. Like poor, that's poor Warriors. Yeah, that's not the headline. The yeah. headline isn't about KP and the concussion. The headline is Warriors with a complete rebuild side wins round one. And they were down six 0 after a minute. Yeah, like Chance, you know, dropped that ball initially, bounces back and plays fantastic at fullback. We're talking about a fullback that couldn't even make the Raiders side. Actually, we, we don't talk about fullbacks <laughs> around the Raiders, do we? <laughs> Sorry, my bad, my bad. Um, What's a fullback? Yeah, what is a fullback? You guys hate signing them. Yeah, we'll have Jaden Campbell mid-season. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's incredible from the Warriors, and I think Webster deserves a massive rap. I think he's been flying under the radar. Do I think they're going to win a comp? No. Do I think that if you would say, what's the best result in the first – what's the first step towards creating a new club? It's getting a win on round one. You know what I mean? Like, what else could you ask for of a new coach with a new roster? Yeah, mate, I think they did really well to win this one. You know, if you told me the Warriors are down 6-0 after a minute or so, I get very, very nervous that they're going to hang in that game, realistically. Uh, mate, I thought Tohu Harris. You have looked through the history of this club, like your Kevin Campions, your Ruben Wickies, your Simon Mannerings. They've always got this guy that just embodies what the Warriors are. And that's Torhu Harris at the moment. He, he was incredible. 50 tackles, played the entire game. He's a freak. He, again, if he was in a New South Wales or Queensland side, would be getting 
like even a Victorian side. When he was in a Victorian side, yeah. he was getting wrapped. Galore. He was the he was the man. Yeah. Goes over the Warriors and it's like outside out of mind. Like people don't appreciate this bloke. Didn't he have his ACL done yep. two years ago? Yep. Comes back like and he does it every week. He was Dally M back rower only two years ago. Incredible. We sat there back end of last year, back end of the season, and, and quite a regular topic was because of what Cam Murray was doing, Isaiah Yo were doing, the best ball-playing locks in the NRL, and, and we were having these debates about you know tiering them and ranking them, and it was them too, and we were sort of we spoke a lot about how far Jason Townlolo's ball-playing had come along as a lock, and again, probably just being out of the spotlight in New Zealand, Tohu Harris's ball-playing. How underrated is it? Like, it's outstanding. He set up a try or a line break with a beautiful little short ball on the weekend. I think it was to Mitch Barnett. Mm. But time and time again, his ball playing's outstanding. Now, it's not on a Yo or Murray level, but he's also a bigger body than them boys. Like, mm. he's at times a front, front roller. Mm. Uh, so good. He's so good. And we're guilty of it too. Yeah, like, absolutely. whenever we talk about 13s, we never bring up Tohu Harris. He was a Dally M back rower literally two years ago. And, like, I think he takes... <sighs> I don't know how to word it. Some of the shittier hit-ups of all the 13s in the oh, club. The hit-ups you want nothing to do with. Like what front Blake hit-ups used to do. Yeah, you just – and he could quite easily grab his front row and go, up yeah. you go, yours. Mm. But no, he just takes it himself. He just does it all. Yeah. Toe Harris, he's he's honestly one of the most underappreciated players mm. in the competition, bar none. Like – Every week, ripping and tearing, doing everything he can for his team to win. The turmoil the club's been, some self-inflicted, some not self-inflicted. It's just amazing. And I think that for them to go out, and it's just to win 20 to 12, again, if it had been like 34 to 30, you don't want to see those kind of stores because you're like, oh, man, the defence like, was just disgusting this game. On, on top of it, 15 games last year, 15 the year before, 20 the year before, which was the 20-round season, 13 the season before that, like... To come out at 31 years old and play 80 minutes as a middle, like he's had his fair share of injuries oh, and mate. big injuries. Yeah. Like yep. It's just even more remarkable. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. Um, who else stood out for you in the Warriors side? Um, and I want to give my boy a little rap, Jackson Ford. I thought he was really good for the Warriors in this game. Um, you know, we, we sort of spoke from a super coach point of view where we thought the minutes would go. And, you know, I think I think we all nearly assumed that Nia Corey yeah. would probably be the 80-minute guy and not Ford. Um, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if they went in with this game with the plan for Nia Corey to be the 80-minute guy, but Ford was so impressive that they went, oh, we're just going to leave him there. To think, like, if you think about it over the last few years, you know, if you said to me who's, who's been the best back rower at the Warriors last year, I would say Josh Curran without a doubt. He played 19 minutes in this game. It's it's honestly so – It's I mean, it sucks for Josh Curran, but it shows you, like, what they're managing to do at the Warriors. This is – as much as it does suck for Josh Curran, this is where you want your football team to be. Yeah. You want your best performers over the last few years struggling to make this side because other guys are just jumping out of the ground. Mm. Um, I thought Wade Egan was really good too, mate. Mm. Uh, it's one of Wade Egan's best games. Yeah. And like Wade Egan's been someone for me where he's he's definitely NRL standard, and I think you're in the same boat. You, you're just waiting for him to take that little next step because you can see it in periods of his game. We go, okay, there it is, and hopefully this year's it. When he was coming through at the Panthers, he looked like a weapon. Yeah, he looked unbelievable. And then he sort of had he's, he's had I don't know if it's fair to say he's had a lull the last few years, but he probably hasn't kicked on to the point that I, I thought he was just that next of. little step. I just reckon. that one step because you know yes. you have it in him. Yeah, like it's not like you know and. You look at a guy like Croker, who actually has looks like he's about to take that next step because he was outstanding on the weekend. But like last year, you could look at a Croker and you'd go, you don't even even ask that next step of him. You go, mate, just make your tackles, good service. That's all we need from you. And again, 
I take that all back because he was incredible on the weekend. But Wade Egan's the guy where you go, he has the next step in him. You can see it in patches. Um, and it's, yeah, I agree, mate. I agree. I think it's probably something we, we like. We talk about it all the time with halves and whatnot. But I think with hookers, it's really important too. Just the maturity you get as you get older. Mm. We spoke about Cam Smith about ha- ha- having it all between his ears and whatnot. Wade Egan's, you know, 25, 26 now. He's getting older. I think he is sort of starting to come into his own a little bit. And I think it's great that the Warriors have just backed him. They've always had, you know, whether it be Lussex or other guys just floating around that side. I, I love that they're, they're just backing him in for big minutes. Yeah, agreed, agreed. And it would have been, he, you know, he was in a space where it would have been really easy to flirt with the idea of, like, do we bring a young guy in? or you, But, like, the fact that you go, you know what, let's just put him there and keep him there and get some minutes under his belt to develop into the player that we need. Croker, again, another good example. What I really love about Manly is they went, you know what, let's put Croker there and just keep him there. And we saw the dividends on the weekend. Croker was like, mm. Croker looked like a dummy half, like a genuine, like he'd been playing his whole life. Anyway, back to the Warriors. Um, I think Montoya, he had one error, but outside of that, 204 metres, four tackle breaks. Like, he's a real, he's such an interesting case because he came at the Bulldogs when he first debuted in that first year. He's such a big, strong, aggressive player. A lot of people are going, oh, this is the next big thing in outside backs, like that big, strong, and it's going to be um, Montoya. And then he kind of, you know, was a victim of the Bulldogs struggling for a bit, and you're kind of like, oh, he's never going to be able to put it together. It just doesn't seem to be working for him. Goes to the Warriors. I think he struggled a little bit with injury, but the back end of last year and his trial form, he's outstanding for them. He is so crucial to their, their go forward. If Montoya can just promise me one error a game and that's it, unreal. I'll cop it. I will cop it every day of the week. He's he's like, and I'm not saying he's the same player, but he's in that Manu Vatavai sort of mould. Yeah. He is just a really hard body to handle, but he's always got two or three errors in him. And that's that you're you're totally right. If he gets if he could just go, look, one a game for, for everything else he delivers, you go, all right, whatever. Whereas like if he was a smaller winger, say like myself, you go, mate, you aren't allowed to make errors because you don't do what this bloke does. You're there to finish and make no errors. I agree with you, mate. I, you know, you cop one error. One error? Okay, sweet. That, if, if that's the price we have to pay for hyper-aggression every time you run the ball, I'll pay it. For sure. I thought the guy inside him was great too, Viliami. He's come back. Bounced back, yeah, because last he, week. Trial one, he was great. Yep. Trial two, is pretty average. Yeah. I thought in this game he was sensational. He obviously set that try out for Charns, which turned out to be the match winner. Um, defended well. I think, he, I think he missed one tackle. Made six or seven, but 150 metres at centre. Really good knock. Massive. And, and that's what's really impressive about right now is that we've got a guy, Andrew Webster, who is taking players like if Braden Williami didn't even get a club next year, no one would they'd be like, yeah, okay, he's, he's done and he just didn't push through. But he's taking guys like Jackson Ford, Williami, Marcelo Montoya, Charles Nugger-Kluckster. These are guys that couldn't make other NRL sides. Now they're coming in, playing NRL, and impacting games. And that's a sign of a good coach in a good system. I'm, I'm so impressed. Anyone impress you, uh, Timmy? Yeah, I mean, Marcello, I thought he was a genuine spud at the dogs for a while there. And then he went over to the Warriors, and mate, he's like starting to run 200 metres a game for fun. Yeah. Like, credit to him. And I said, maybe he was he was in an ordinary doggies outfit, and, and they said, you know, often wingers and backline players in bad sides they can just be made to look like it's their fault because mm. they're so stripped of numbers and they have to make these ridiculous decisions. Yeah. Um, he just is right at home in the NRL, isn't yeah. he? Well, yeah. very rarely do you see a winger play well in a poor team. Like, I'm trying to think it of... It doesn't happen. It, it really just doesn't. I mean, maybe mm. Nofa Waluma for a year or two mm. at the Tigers, but it's very rare 
that you find a winger unless his game is just built around hit ups that's going to shine in a team that struggles. And you sit there going, you know, poor defensive right here, poor defensive right there. It's like, well, no, he had no one on his inside yeah. and they had the three on one and they were shot ducks. Yeah, so, it's always the last man that yeah, people blame. Yeah. And you're like, mate, he had three people outside it's him. It's not like, his fault. Like, what is he supposed to do? Yeah. And so possibly yeah, during his time, the dogs a victim of that. Um, so great to see him hit the ground running again this season. And uh, look, it doesn't even pain me to say it because I, I love the bloke so much, but Chance Nickel Clockstad, who it was just such a Chance game. He... He's not a superstar. He's not a lead in attack in terms of... He didn't have a try assist. He didn't have a line break assist. But he ran for over 200 metres. He supported for a try. He's like, gives everything for them. Um, so it was so good to see him come back and have a good performance for them. And obviously, Matt Carf will be back around, what, six to eight-ish. But uh, hopefully, Chance can lock down a position and make it his own. Yeah, absolutely. I will say, it's... It is, it's not alarming yet, but if Jackson Ford continues to play like this, if he continues week in, week out doing this, and he's played every, every game I've seen him play in a Warriors jersey, he's been one of their best. Mm. It's really, really alarming if he continues this for the Dragons. Like how, how, why is a guy like that not playing like that at the Dragons, but he can go to the Warriors who are notorious for import struggling, and there's been some that have gone and kill it, for Jackson Ford to come out and be amazing. Like 150 metre on the edge. So he made 150 metre, three tackle breaks, 25 tackles. Like that would be up there with some of the most metres run by edge forwards. Like it wouldn't be the most, but it, that's that's good numbers for edge forwards. And he's, he's a rookie. I hate to say it, but I said it last week. You say, oh, he's looked good every time I've seen him play for the Warriors. He looked good every time he plays for the Dragons. Wow. He looks good every time he plays reserve grade for the Dragons. Mm. I, I don't know how they consistently underutilise everyone. Because they've brought Murdoch Masilla exactly and put right. him on an edge and Jackson Ford's gone over there and you're going, what? It, I just, I, I hate to put the boot into the Dragons, but I'm sorry, like, it's it's there in front of us. And Jackson. Murdoch Masilla, he was like uh, actually decent in the trials, but with their edges in Sewer and Bird, like he might struggle for minutes. Yeah. And then Ford's gone over and done that in 80 minutes. And, and Ford is, a, is young. Hmm. Murdoch is, a, is an ageing forward. I, I, don't, I, I like the signing of Murdoch because it would be on under. So I'm, please don't, I'm not having to dig at Murdoch specifically. I'm having to dig at the Dragons. Well, not having a dig, but I'm commenting on the Dragons like they're in a, like why would you get like, Murdoch Masilla was playing in trials on the edge. So clearly they're lacking for depth on the edge right now. There's no young guy coming through that they could have put mm. in the trials. So how are you getting rid of Jackson Ford when you've got so little depth on the edge that you're trialing big fella like Murdoch, who is a front rower on, it just- Local junior as well, the drags. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. And I, just to be really clear, I'm not having a crack at Murdoch Masilla at all. I, I think he's a good signing for them because he, at least he offers a bit of difference in that forward pack, a bit of flair, he can offload, he's got a bit of footwork. I'm just more talking about roster management. Like how are you getting rid of Jackson Ford? I was just trying to find you some stats on Jackson Ford from Cup last year, but because he's changed clubs, mm. it's not there. Um, but I've clicked on three random games and he scored in all three of them. Like, there's got to be something going on there. It's How they don't re-sign him. And it, it, he would have been offered that much at the Warriors. That's what I'm not understanding. said it last week, but you think about like him and Tyrant Wishart came through the same age at the Dragons, both from Gerringong, mm. both local juniors, both mm. playing elsewhere, both doing really well. It's just, it's surprising. I just want to know what, I would love to, because the thing is, every time you see a decision that doesn't make sense to you, 
I promise you, clubs have reasons for it. Like there's always a reason. They never make these, they're super smart people that have all this data, all this information that we aren't privy to. So there would be absolutely a reason why the, the Dragons The more wilder it. it seems, the more of a reason there is behind 100%. it. 100%, absolutely. So I'm sure Dragons have a reason, but it's just, it's just when you see a guy go to the Warriors and play this well, mm. and look, the jury's out. If he, if he struggles, put it this way, if he goes out and he has a really inconsistent year, you go, oh, well, that's the reason. The Dragons could see that he struggled with consistency, and so they decided to you know, not re-sign him. Um, but right now, it's looking like, damn, the Dragons could have really used a guy like that. And it's all, and like respectfully to the Warriors, it's not like he's gone to the Roosters or Melbourne that they always get the best out of everyone. Yeah. The Warriors have a very hit and miss record, yeah. but so far, he's looked unbelievable there. Yeah, it's... It's really surprising. Anyway, we'll focus back on the Warriors. It's just the Dragon situation. Just There's a lot of decisions that hap- are happening there that I'm just not really grasping as to yeah. what's happening. Um, just the copper pounding even when they have a buy. Yeah, poor boy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, like, the thing is, like, I'm sorry, Dragons fans. We have to talk about that. He's a Dragons junior, like, and he's playing really well at another club. Like, we have – I would do the same – did the exact same with Reese Walsh. When the Broncos let go of Reese Walsh, I sat on here and was like, I cannot believe that they did that. I cannot yep. believe they didn't just start him. So it's not just going to be drones. We have to say it like it is. Um, who else? Uh, Mitchell Barnett. I thought he added a lot of grunt through the middle. Um, a lot of line speed at times as well. Uh, anyone else stood out for you, boys? Uh, I think that just about covers it for Oh, them. good, mate. Yeah. Adam Fanua Blake getting through a bunch of work as usual. 26 tackles, no misses, 135 metres, 40 post contact, three tackle breaks. I thought, um, and yeah. No shock to us at all, but just I really like the signing of um, Dylan Walker. That 14 jersey is more important now than what it ever has oh, been before. It's honestly like... It's a starting position now. Like it, it's, it's not, yeah. but it might as well be. It's Agreed. A, it's, impo- it's more important than a few starting positions, in my opinion. It's it's genuinely the new... the new. It's like you're starting 14. And whenever you say, oh, what's your starting 13? And it used to be like, mm-hmm. whoever's a starting 13, that's your best roster. Now I honestly think it's it's just starting 14. Yeah. It really is. That's how important it is with this new fast-paced game. Uh, anything else on the Warriors, boys? All good, mate. All, All good. On to the Knights. Now, let's get to the big headline uh, from the game. So, basically, Caelan Ponga was challenging for a ball. And someone's, like, hips and knees hit his head. Then he... He fell to the ground with his hands beside his side. Then he brought his hands up, holding his head whilst lying face down on the ground. About two to three seconds, you reckon? About two to three seconds. Then he got up, looked okay, ran around. Uh, Then was asked basically by the ref that he had to leave the field because the independent doctor for, you know, um, what's the word? HIA. HIA, yeah, yeah HIA. Uh, and basically the Knights and Caelan were quite perplexed as to why he had to go off. And now it's in, it's basically created a – there is discussion around whether we should have an independent doctor because obviously Ricky Stewart also came out and had some words to say about the independent doctor. I'm – I understand where the Knights are coming from where in that scenario you would want a trainer to run out and trust the trainer and be like, look, Kalen clearly looks fine. Like, yes, he did get hit in the head, but clearly he's got fine. So I understand where they're coming from with that. But I'm also a bit surprised. Like, I watched it and I was like, well, yeah, that's that's the standard that's been set the last year or so. The independent doctor, he got hit in the head. He stayed down holding his head. And then, he, yes, he did get up quickly. Yes, nothing was wrong with him. But I, I wasn't that shocked that he got 
um, HIA. I, I wasn't that surprised at all. Yeah, I um, we, we obviously had the live show during this game, so I missed it live. But when I was driving home the next day, listening to the radio, some of the boys on the radio were talking about it, and I hadn't seen it myself yet. And they were perplexed at why mm. he had to go off for a HIA. And then I saw it, and I was like, what are you talking about? He got whacked in the head. He was rolling on the floor holding his head. Mm. As if they're not going to take him off in that instance. Yeah, I, I think there was a bit of a narrative built that he only got taken off because it was Caitlin Ponga. I think that's bullshit. I think anyone would have got taken off in that situation. I, I agree because we were doing the live show. Yeah. So I didn't see it either. And I saw the headlines. I was like, oh man, Caitlin's got touched in the head and he's yeah. been taken off. But I went and watched it. I was like, look, there's there's a world where I wish that they just went, look, get the trainer on. Yep, all good. Keep going. He looks fine. He's not, you know. But I feel like the standard has kind of been set. Now, if you if your argument wants to be Where's the consistency? All throughout the week, other people got hit in the head and they didn't get taken off. I 100% agree with you. There is no consistency. Like, Kalen Pong gets hit, stays down for a second or two, gets up and he's fine, but he gets taken off. And then I think it was, Maddie was Cody Walker, got hit. He doesn't get taken off. A bunch of other guys got hit, didn't get taken off. So if you want to have that argument, I agree with you. It's so inconsistent and that's a concern, but I'm not as convinced that it's surprising that he got taken off. Timmy, what do you think? I'm with you boys on it. Yeah, I thought there was far too much hysteria around it. Like, had KP have stayed on, obviously I have no issues with it. Like, mm. he looked good to go and, and no worries. But I've seen a million softer knocks that blokes have been HA'd for and there's been no hysteria around. Mm. So is it just because everything that happens to Caelan Ponga makes headlines and because he's such a big name in the game? Mm. And I, sp- I suppose... Yeah, because it's... I assume it'd have to be taken as an isolated incident, but... As, in, as much as it is an independent doctor, is there this subconscious of like it's Caelan Ponga who has these noted um, head knocks uh, that probably shouldn't be taken into consideration. But I th- was not surprised that he went off at all. Yeah, I, I, look, I understand where the Knights are coming from because mm. like you've got your star player who's clearly fine. Yeah. They, he's playing rugby league. Like, why is he getting taken off in a crucial part of the match? So I understand their perspective. It's so frustrating. It's so frustrating. Because yeah. you're like, he's fine. Look at him. He's sweet. Yeah. He got up straight away. Yeah, he held his head, but that doesn't necessarily mean he had a concussion. Mm. So I understand where they're coming from, but I also don't understand, you know, the thought process that like, there's no way he should have been taken off. Like with the standard that's been set over the last few years, like that's at times a, a, a HIA. I guess we'll get into it now because there was also comments from Ricky Stewart. So basically, have you got the quote here, Maddie, or no? Ricky Stewart. Um, could you please get the quote and read it out to us? But the gist of it was Ricky Stewart also had an issue with one of his players being taken off. Um, essentially called out the RLPA to RLPA and NRL initially, and then he said the RLPA again, and he had an issue with the independent doctor. And basically, basically he said the RLPA and NRL don't trust us as coaches. Do you ever think that I would send someone out? Can you read the quote, please, Matty? The RLPA, the NRL, they don't trust the coaches. Do you think I'd let a player play if he had a concussion or is concussed? Uh, blah, blah, blah about the players. But the RLPA, they don't trust coaches. All they want to do is come and talk to me about how much more time off the players are going to get. Oh, sorry, just went off. One moment. How much the players are going to get and how much more money. I didn't hear anybody from the RLPA come out and try and go to the NRL in regards to playing up here at 4.30 in the afternoon. We're very lucky it wasn't the humidity it was yesterday because I think it would have been dangerous for the players' welfare. So I respectfully disagree with that whole line of reasoning in regards to like, if they really cared why are we playing at 4.30? Like the RLPA doesn't put the schedule together. Like it's the NRL that does. Um, and also like the RLPA do care about the players because that's what they're fighting for right now is to get funds for people that get injured post-career. They're actually not fighting for more money. 
In regards to his comments on the independent doctor, I think that he has a point when you look at it from a perspective of, like I disagree when he says, oh, the RPA don't trust the coaches, the implication that, that like, oh, well, the RPA is sitting there thinking the coaches are going to put the players back on, therefore we need the independent doctor. Whereas I don't really think that is the thought process. The reason why the independent doctor exists is not because people aren't trusted. It's because you want to remove conflicts of interest. When a decision is being made, subconsciously or consciously, and you've got the pressure of a game win or uh, your job's on the line or someone above you is, is putting pressure on you to, to make sure that you win the game, you aren't going to be thinking as clearly as someone that doesn't have an interest in the result of the game. So from that perspective, I res like respectfully disagree with, with Ricky Stewart. But, and I also disagree with like, I think if we're being really like, look, from Ricky's perspective, when he's talking specifically about himself, yeah, he probably would never put someone back on. He, he feels he would never put someone back on with a HIA. But like, I think we can all be, if we're being fair dinkum here, we have seen the, the HIA system be games. Uh, am I agree? Oh, I think it would be stupid of the NRL to trust coaches to do it. I really like, do. We've like seen it be games. Have, have, we, have you seen it be games? Yeah. We've all seen it be oh. games. Um, so I, I, although for Ricky Stewart personally, he, he probably wouldn't put someone back on. We have seen it be ha happen before. I'm not talking about the Raiders, but we've seen other teams. I think we before. saw it on the weekend as well. You saw guys come off from holding shoulders and getting HIA checks. Yeah, like, so you see it quite often. That's where I'm like, I disagree. But in regards to the independent doctor, because of the Ponga situation, then Ricky Stewart had his, his comments in regards to it. I do think he has a point where the independent doctor basically is working off a different standard than a rugby league team. We said this last year when this all came in, when they are going to bring the independent doctor, I said the problem with the independent doctor is, is he's working from a, a different field. Like he's working from a standard that is way different to rugby league standard. Now, Graham Annesley has tried to come out and say that there's no gray area. He doesn't, a, an independent doctor doesn't need to know the flow of the game, doesn't need to know about the impact. It's a, essentially it's black and white. The doctor can make the call. I disagree. I think that there is gray areas because if the independent doctor had his way and was working from the normal person standard that we're hoping that he does, he would tell every player on the field to get off the field and not play because you're, the impact constantly, there is constantly impact with head. Like your head is constantly being impact rugby league. Even when you don't impact, like even when you don't have a head clash, just a tackle, the impact is jolting your brain. brain. And so I do agree with this, the sentiment that we need to have an independent doctor that does have a feel for the game because in situations like the Kalen Ponga one, if you had a feel for the game and you saw it happen, you'd be like, oh, he's clearly sweet. Like we just move on for it. So although I disagree with some of the sentiment in the other parts of it, I do agree that the independent doctor, we predicted this would happen. There'd be blokes getting touched and just taken off the field and it just affects the game too much. There has to be, and I understand the NRL needs to protect itself. I get all that from being sued in the future and I understand that as a business, I get all that. But there has to be some onus of like, they're gonna get hit in the head. It's rugby league. Yeah, and I agree with everything you just said. Have you got a form of resolution for it? Well, Cause I personally don't, someone they throw on it to you to see Yeah, well, I, look, the problem is, is if you make them sign wages, I think, and law experts, let us know. Obviously, the beak is no law expert. <laughs> I think that you, you run a dangerous risk of, if you make them sign something saying that they 
are going to get brain damage or whatever it is before each season, you're basically admitting mm. that they get it. Yeah. And so it opens you up to, what are you talking about? You, you didn't give me brain damage. You're literally admitting each se- at the start of each season that rugby league gives us brain damage. Again, that's a full armchair, armchair analyst, guys. I'm not a lawyer, as you all know. So I think that may be the concern. So that would be my resolution, though. In a perfect world, at the start of each season, anyone that's 18 years or older, so I, I also think that we would have to move the debut age. Is it 18 and older anyway now? Yes, 18 and older, and you have to sign something at the start of each year saying you understand the risks and the long-term damages of playing rugby league. Now, all the players know this. All the players know this. But if you did that, then you could say, guys, like these guys are all adults that have voluntarily made a decision to do this. They know the dangers. We've put it all in front of them. So in the future, you're not allowed to come back and say, oh, I got this injury or that injury um, like in 20 years or whatever because – you signed it as an, a consenting adult. That, that's the only thing I can think of. Outside of that, I agree with you, mate. Yeah. I don't know. Which uh, I think that solves some problems, but with everything, you know, you'd have other – like we, we were speaking to the live show the other night about, you know, juniors playing games and, you know, parents worried about stuff. Like imagine the backlash, like the media would have a field day with that mm. and then you would see so many more junior kids not playing rugby sure. league. It's, and, yeah, I'm not – yeah, obviously there's no perfect solution, mm. I don't think, but it's – it's a tricky one to work out. Like everyone's got an opinion on it, but finding the perfect solution is fucking tough. Oh, I don't envy the NRL at all. Yeah, they 100%. are between yeah. a rock and a hard yeah. place. They're just doing their best. Yeah, I, look, I don't know enough about it all and to comment properly on it, especially as there are so many grey areas. Didn't stop it. me. Yeah, <laughs> but it's like the independent doctor is there. They review the footage. They make their decision. Like when the player comes off the field and they're told to come <coughs> off. Can the independent doctor give them a physical examination and if they say, like, you're completely sweet, within two minutes you can go back on rather than waiting that mandatory 15? Like, is that a solution or would that help? Well, or, like, I'm not sure. Well, there were in the commentary box or I think half-time analysts, I think it was Mal Meninga maybe or Cooper Cronk, where they said they felt that the independent doctor, there should be one at each ground that can do exactly what you yeah. said rather sure. than just looking on a t- like a screen. And I agree. Do I think video, that... Do the physical. I think that the NRL, the best way to do it is just invest money, have a doctor at the ground, have a full system set up that's like smooth as quick as anything so that a guy like Kalen goes off for a minute or two, does the check, you can clearly see he's fine, boom, straight back out there. And that's it. Like, mate, I think one of the hardest things to stomach is when you know they're good but they have to wait the, what, the mandatory 15 minutes. Oh. Now, again, because I don't know enough about it, the concussion – like it might be a symptom thing where they have to be symptom free for 15 minutes or something mm. but I don't know if there's any way of speeding up that process and then as I said there's the independent doctor at the field giving the physical maybe that can help the course a little bit I think the only argument against the quick putting them back on quickly mm. is you can have delayed symptoms yeah yeah and so they're worried that like come off yeah yeah sweet sweet and then like in 10 minutes you're like all it must be yeah, mid, yeah obviously a minimum 15 before they know you're cleared and there won't be yeah. I, I don't know uh, but so I get Ricky's frustration for sure. You're trying to win footy matches and you've got a bloke that's getting tapped and he's getting taken off. Um, Ricky's just taking attention off the players. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like I, I, in regards to the, all the other stuff, I'd probably respectfully disagree. I don't, I don't think um, – yeah, I don't think – I'm not shocked that Kalen was taken off and I'm also – I do think the RLPA does have the players' best interests at heart. Um, now, don't get me wrong, the RLPA aren't perfect. They are absolutely not perfect at all. They're human beings. 
but I do think they do care about the players and, and they do want their, their well-being taken care of. That's currently what they're fighting for. Um, but let's get back to the Knights. Uh, what are your thoughts on the Knights, Guru? Um, I just still worry about the middle, mate. It's just uh, some of those tries that they conceded. The one, the one that Wade Egan scored from dummy half, it's one of the softer tries mm. we will see this year. There was there was another one where I think it was SJ turned Maratane Corey under and he ended up getting held up. But just their middle defence, you had Lachlan Fitzgibbon who chased SJ for so long for no reason. You had the inside defenders were slow on it. I just, they're such a frustrating side because they've got it on paper. You look at their team and you go, you should be relevant, you should be successful. But it just feels like they're constantly underachieving Newcastle. Um, and that was a game that I... I I tipped them. I genuinely thought they were going to win that game. Their middles just don't seem to show up. Um, Adam Elliott started off the bench. It's his first game. Obviously, he's coming back from injury. Um, he obviously looked um, a little bit slow as well. I'm, I'm hoping that with more match fitness and more, more game under his belt, he will improve because I think they're going to desperately need him too. Oh, massively, massively. Timmy, what do you think about the Knights? Yeah, similar enough to Guru in that, like the question mark last week, wasn't it coming into the round and going to the trials? We just wanted to see a hard edge. We wanted to see attitude. Like, it sounds so basic and sounds so stupid, but running the ball hard, whacking in D, just attitude. And once again, it, around all those, the, a few of the tries scored, the Egan try, the Bunty try, just the soft underbelly was exposed again. I think the Knights had four more runs in the entire game, yet ran for 250 metres less. Mm. Um, now, I know that can be like a skewed stat, with, you know, how many runs of the back line taken, the long kicks, that sort of stuff. But they just look so soft to me again. Mm. And I was just like, well, have they changed from last year on that game? Not really. It's just the intensity. I just, I don't feel intensity from them. Like, I'm not watching them going, holy shit. Like, and again, I'd understand if it wasn't every week. Like, you don't expect them to be like that every week. But I'm trying to think of a game over the last 12 months where I sat back and thought, the Newcastle Knights forward packs are just, they're crazy. They're madmen. I just don't see that intensity. And round one, nice can be yeah. like... You don't have to be fluent in attack, ball in hand, all that sort of thing, and look terrific in round one. But surely your attitude is like, shit, yes, we're busting to get out here. Yeah. Line speed, that's whack blokes, like certain teams, mm. like the Dolphins did. Yeah. It's round one, boys. Get up for it. And in my opinion, the middle got embarrassed in trial one. Got embarrassed in trial two. I was thinking, this game, surely they stand up here. Mm. Surely they stand up. They didn't. See who they play next week? David Clemmer and the West Tigers. So Tommy he'll be Clemmer's not going to be ready to rip and tear for yeah. that one. That's just a huge clash. I'm actually really excited about that clash. Yeah. When you get out to that one, Campy, Leichhardt Oval. Oh, uh, yeah? Watching that game yesterday, I was like, oh, get that. It looks so good on the hill, didn't Mate, it? you'll be a rock star out there. Oh, I'm sure will, mate. Fucking sports. Um, oh, my God. Super coach. Super coach. Bloody hero, mate. Yeah, if Guru comes with me, maybe. Yeah, get mods. That's if you, you get dodge mods. that stand documentary you're going to get a feature <laughs> on, too. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, the Newey Knights, again, it's just, it's just that intensity. I just, I don't know, I just want to see, give me one game of just super intensity. Even if you lose it, even if you drop, you complete it 60%. I just want to see super intensity where you're just shooting out a line trying to hurt blokes. Maybe, maybe it's because Adam O'Brien wants to play a much more technical game. I will say that there was a, you know, there were many years where the Storm actually almost waited for you to come to them and then just just got caught you wrestled you their line speed wasn't that crazy there was many years where storm were you know they weren't known as a very aggressive side at all so maybe that's adam o'brien's tact of like 
save your energy and not with the line speed maybe i'm not sure but i think in today's game like in the current climate when you look at the the best when roosters went on the run last year penrith panthers rabbitos like their line speed is great where you're going they, they're literally nearly landing on the player as he gets the ball i'm just not really seeing that from the newy knights uh positive is 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 the time Kalen was on 11 tackles only one miss uh, a try assist so you know for the time we saw not bad yeah, there was a tackle that Chance made on Kalen that was an absolute oh. cracker. I thought Kalen was going to score for all money, and I think if he did, Newcastle would have won that game. Mm. It was a huge tackle by Chance. Uh, yeah, I, I just repeat myself week after week, but they've got the cattle to be able to be successful. They just need to aim up in the middle. Uh, shout out to Jalen Braley, 49 tackles, no misses. Um, but yeah, the, the, the positives are is I thought Kalen did have some good moments. Uh, defensively, he didn't look like he got caught out that much at all. Didn't miss a bunch of tackles. Um, what about when he shot out from marker at Adam Fanor Blake? Oh, poor bastard. Ouch. <laughs> I respect KP for the, for the way that he plays, but pick someone else to go, yeah, surely. Bro. Too tough for your own good. Um, Lockie Miller, 181 metres, 11 tackle breaks. You know, we, the tip we gave at the start of the year was that uh, he'd probably be up there in tackle breaks and, and metres run for fullback, and, you know, he did that 11 tackle breaks. Nothing. To, it was probably the most – actually, that's, I think that's the most of the round. Uh, I haven't seen anyone else with 11 tackle breaks. Uh, defensively, made a couple of missed tackles, which, you know, obviously need to fix up. Anything else on the Knights, boys? There's not really much else to say, unfortunately. Uh, mate. Um, Jeez, it's a desperate game next week. Knights, Tigers. Oh, Very early, are, isn't it? I, I love games in round two of two teams that lost in round one. They're always crackers. Mate, absolutely. Um, okay, now on to the next game. But before we get there, let's get some shout-outs. Bartlett's Tavern, Rockhampton. Dave was one of the original supporters of Bloke Lager in Queensland, and it's still going strong up there in Rocky. He actually definitely is one of the original supporters and was huge for us, so much so that when he ordered stock, it sold out in literally like a second, and he had to order it like so much. Keep ordering stock over and over because of the support at Bartlett's Tavern. So Bartlett's Tavern, Rockhampton, get in there for some lager. Fleet Street Cellars, Daisy Hill, say hi to Charlene. Middleton Pub, say hi to Jason. Dicey's Liquor Barn, Gladstone. Jane will help you out. Normanby Hotel, oh, this one is dear to the heart. This one's dear to the heart. Many a night at the Normanby Hotel after a game is carrying on like an absolute derrick. Uh, Normanby Hotel, Brisbane, one of Brisbane's iconic venues, has just changed hand, is now with Ingham Myers Brothers, Sam and Nick. They've done an unbelievable job of reinvigorating the Rocklear Hotel and will see the Normby back to its former glory. Grab a bloke lager and catch all the NRL games on the big screen in the beer garden. The Normby is truly a glorious place, to, so get down there, honestly. I think my soul's still in there, at least a part <laughs> of it. Uh, big Fish Tavern in Caboolture, Gumdale Tavern, Celebrations Camp Hill, Crafty Fox Ale House, Stones Corner, and Henchman in Miami. Now, let's get to the match of the round, baby. Brought to you by Sportsbet, the best betting app in all the land. Uh, as we said at the top of the show, guys, uh, you can now share a bet with your mates on Sportsbet. Um, it's uh, basically, if your mate puts on a multi and you want to ride it with them, you can, without having to manually put it in yourself, you can now share the bet with the tap of a button and your mate can copy it straight into their bet slip. Bet slip. Share the bet. Copy the bet with sports bet. So this is a match around for me personally, obviously, because the Broncos uh, got the win. They were paying – what were they paying? About four bucks, I think? Fours, yep. Four bucks. So plenty of value there. So if you got on that on sports bet, you would have been a winner. 
Um, but yeah, Broncos 13, Panthers 12. This, this is an interesting game because obviously it's an upset for one, but I'd make an argument where Broncos' attack wasn't even that good. It was just their defense that was incredible. <laughs> And then you go even deeper is you're like, was, was Broncos defense incredible or was Penrith Panthers attack just a bit stale? I'm not sure. The Broncos get the job done down in Penrith. Go to you first, Timmy. Is it alarm bells down in Penrith or just going to, like we suggested last week, where the Penrith may just ease into this year because they've been so high for so long? Mate, three unbelievable seasons in a row from Penrith. They had... You know, nearly their entire side was involved in the World Cup, and not just in the World Cup, but deep into the World Cup, going all the way through to the final. They had the World Club Challenge, which was another big game that they sort of had to prepare for. There had to be a downer at some point, and I mean, NRL speaking, it's only one game, sure, they lost the World Club Challenge. They had change of personnel. I mean, it's a slower start than probably most anticipated, but it's absolutely not a humble. It's one game of footy that, what they lost by a point to Brisbane, who at times last season, we're a top four team. We said uh, up in Armadale on the weekend before the game, we're like, you know, obviously Penrith should be red hot favourites, but Brisbane absolutely have the cattle to win this game. Mm. And they have, it's like, the hysteria coming out was if they got done by 30 points or something, it was one point. Yep. So no, I don't think it's alarm bells. And um, as I said, it's off the mark poorly, but they'll be fine. And I think people are underestimating like, <coughs> that four bucks was probably a bit wide. Like Broncos, you know, Broncos are super hard because they could have gone down there and got pumped by 40 and we would have said, oh, yep, young side. But Broncos at their best, they're almost a title threat, like almost. I don't think they're a title threat yet, but they're not far off it, especially with another year in Ezra, man. What do you think about the game, Guru? Yeah, well, I mean, like if you would have had the Brisbane Broncos against Penrith last year and Brisbane are at their best, you're not getting fours. Mm. No way. And, you know, it's round one. I think people are overreacting for Penrith a little bit. I think people are looking at the World Club Challenge in this game. They've played awfully and they've lost both games by one point. <laughs> like, let's settle down. Yeah. I also think there's a number of things. It's not very often I don't agree with Ivan Cleary's decisions, but I think there's a number of things that he can do to this side that will make a big difference very quickly. Um, there's obviously reasons for everything that has been done. Maybe there's injuries or carrying whatever, but um, I thought that Sonny Luke playing those limited minutes on the weekend, I could not believe that it played out that way and it didn't shock me in the slightest that it looked like a different footy side when he was on the field. Mm. Yeah, the Sonny Luke, we'll get to the Panthers. The Sonny Luke situation, look, I can, you know, having been in the system for quite a while, a lot of coaches, they, it seems obvious to everyone else, like put on the rookie, get him in there. We know he's a gun, he's played in the New South Wales Cup. But there's a lot of times where they play really well in reserve grade, they get to first grade and they just go to water or they make two or three errors and they just don't seem to play that well. So it's building that trust with the head coach where to say, if you put me in the side, you put me on the field, I, I don't necessarily think I'll explode the game apart, but what I won't do is I won't let you down. Mm. And I do think that Ivan Cleary's thinking probably was in such a tight match, in such a crucial time, Sonny Luke, a small attacking hooker, do I know whether he'll be able to handle those big forwards through the middle in the, in the crunch time? Now, I think he proved that he probably could, but before he does that, you just never know. And I think that may be where Ivan was coming from. Now, I do think that, as you said, in hindsight, it was probably the wrong call because when he did come on, he looked incredible and they all of a sudden had a lot of momentum around the ruck. Uh, but I think that may have been Ivan's thinking. 
Yeah, which is interesting because, and once again, Ivan's forgotten more than I know about rugby league, no (laughs) doubting that. But I just, for anyone that's watched Sonny Luke come through reserve grade and everything, it just, there's no one I've spoken to that has has watched him play anything that it made sense to. So So that's what, yeah. I was just saying, we're overlooking the fact that he missed both trials with injury. So yep. round one, probably just easing him back. And that's what I'm saying. Maybe there's injury yeah. to it or whatever. Uh, but from what I've gathered, I think he was right to go for that World Club Challenge. They rested him for that. Mm. I mean, I think there's a. I think with the Panthers, it hasn't started perfectly. It's far from a train wreck. They play South Sydney on Thursday night. They then got a bye. I reckon you'll see them come out of this bye with a bit of a different looking squad and different minutes for guys and mm. stuff. How, how many minutes does Sonny Luke play this week? I I would say 55. You reckon? Wow. Mate, he's, he's, he's an 80-minute hooker in reserve grade the last few years. Their, their attack is just too clunky with Mitch Kenny at nine. I will say an underappreciated factor going into this season is not only have they lost, you know, all those big players, kick out, Appy Coruscant, they lost both their assistant coaches as well. Yep. That's a big, big – because mm. the assistant coach is like the link man between the head coach and the, the players. He's almost like, you know, he never delivers the bad news. He delivers the good news, but also – He's very like, he can get quite detailed in attacking structures and all that. And so, you know, maybe it may take time for Penrith to adjust to that as well. Life without not just one assistant coach, two assistant coaches. And they lost Trent Barrett a couple of years before that. And that's to compound that, obviously, losing yeah. Trent Barrett. So they had to replace him. They did, then they had to replace him yeah. again. And knowing Penrith, I might have to replace him again next year. Because yeah. everyone's going to come for them. But I, I think that... If they, if they can put him on for more minutes, and, and I would 100% still start with Mitch Kenny, mm. but I just think you need to get Sonny Luke on there earlier, and I've still got a lot of question marks about that left edge. Luke Garner only played 50 minutes on the weekend. Zach Hosking was 18th man. Mm. I reckon they're going to come out of this buy, and Hosking's going to be playing on the left edge personally. Is, do they have a buy next week? they got South this week, they and I reckon they'll give all these guys <laughs> another chance because at the end of the day, they lost by one point. Yeah. Mm. But I reckon there's a good chance they come out of that buy with Sonny Luke being a 55, 60-minute guy and Hosking on the left edge. Yep. Um, and post-game, there was a little bit of a, a blow-up between <laughs> Luai and Salmon. Uh, I mean, it's a nothing thing. I think, you know, and most fans know this, most fans know this, but if you're in any industry where you're at the tippity-top high-performing, this is the kind of way you speak to each other. Like, and maybe it's wrong. Uh, maybe I'm wrong in regards to you shouldn't speak to each other that way. And, and I'll be honest, like, you know, me, myself personally, like moving into business, like, you know, Maddie can test to us. Like I'm quite, I'm quite brutal in, in regards to like my feedback and can be like, this, this isn't, and obviously I'm getting better at the way I deliver it, but that's in top tier systems. When you expect 10 out of 10 from each other, um, <coughs> That's just going to happen. Like you, I, I would be if my footy team isn't speaking to each other like that after a loss. As in, I don't want them arguing and bittering and pointing fingers, like and it becoming an issue. But if my footy team isn't into each other about errors made, I'm filthy. And the play that they were arguing over was a shocker. Mm. It was Jerome Luai. It was a pass out to Jamin Salmon, and it just it floated in between him and the winger and went to no one mm. in a crucial moment. As if you wouldn't be filthy over that. As yeah. if you don't want to sort it out. If they're not having these conversations, what are they doing? Mm. Do, do you think Penrith have built a dynasty or building a dynasty, I should say, in recent years off the back of mistakes of that happening going, ah, oh, it's cool, mate. We'll get it next time. Yeah. Don't worry. And, all good. And like, clubs like that would happen every game yeah. at every club. It was just that it was caught on camera, which was mad. So, was, I so loved good it. To watch. It was so good It happens watch. all the time. And like... I'm sorry, tell me Freddie and Joey weren't handing out some of the greatest sprays of all time to their back rowers. 
it's just it's because we try to like put this nice sheen on rugby league now for the wider audience because yeah. everyone wants to be offended about everything. Um, Imagine a Joey spray. Oh, <laughs> be glorious! And mate, if I mean, I, I I believe that if Penrith would have won that game, which they came very close to, Jerome Luai scored a match winner there. Mm. Great defence by Brisbane. Do you reckon we see that clip? No, no of course it. not. Um, look, I understand the media have got to show it. I love seeing it, but it's nothing to worry about. It's it's if anything you. If anything, Jerome and Simon could have been like, bro, we're back-to-back premiers, who gives a shit? You know, lost a game, who cares? I like the fact that they're filthy at each other. That ha- that's how oh, high yeah. their standards are. Yep. Back-to-back premiers, they lost by one point to a Broncos team that had everything to play for. We're talking about a Broncos team that's just come out of one of the, arguably the worst off-season of any club, arguably. Uh, they've got everything to play for, and it was a one-point loss. And so... Yeah, I, I think that any any high-functioning industry where you're at the tippity-top and you are playing for keeps and everyone is super competitive, you're going to have discussions like that where, you know, that's just the way you talk. You've got to get it done. Otherwise, if you, you know, pitter-patter around something and, oh, yeah, that's fine, Rara, it just, your standards just drop to nothing. Yeah, and keep in mind, Jamin Salmon, like, I think we forget, 18 months ago, he was a centre slash 5'8". He's now on the left edge as a back rower for the yeah. Penrith Panthers, as if he doesn't have things still to learn. And <clears throat> you want your five eight to tell you. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Um, so I don't think that's anything to worry about. If anything, I, I really like the standards it sets. Um, I will say I've been watching the documentary, the all uh, all the way with the Penrith Panthers. It's fantastic for one. So make sure you go Great check up. it out on Nine now. It is absolutely fantastic, uh, and. What I love about it, though, I, I think that it's the first time you get an insight into how good of a coach Ivan is. The things that he says at the right time, he's very calm, very measured, more of a, you know, like he would do the X's and O's. There's no denying that for sure. But just the presence of like the feel in the team, getting the boys up, I think it's a, it shines a real spotlight on his role and what happened there. And also, like you always expect a coach to be you know, number one in charge and having an eye over everything. But, and I, I assume um, off the back of your um, comment before, Kemp, you would have noticed this too, but just the faith he has in his assistant coaches mm. just to take care of these things. And sometimes the greatest asset of a good leader is being able to release mm. instead of having to be over the top and controlling everything. And I thought that was really evident with Ivan. Yeah, really evident. So, uh, it's a, yeah, it's a great doco. And it just gives you, it's the first time you actually get to see Ivan. Like he's a back-to-back premiership winning coach and no one even talks about him as like one of the best coaches in the comp. It's incredible. Um, but yeah, with the Penny Panthers, uh, in regards to the edges, they, they're definitely lacking punch. I actually thought Liam Martin had quite a good game, but I think the Garner situation is going to be interesting to see how that unfolds. Um, you know, it gets through his work to a degree, solid in defence, but I just, I think that he could go looking for the ball a little bit more. Now, in his defence, if he's been told to sit down on that edge and stay there, then you know that's unfair on him. But if he has been given a little bit of a licence to roam, I think that it would be you know it would be good for him to really get involved in the middle there and get some get some ball in here. Now, to be fair, he did have more runs than Martin, but I think Martin probably impacts the game more in defence. So, uh, like, if you're not going to impact the game in defence, you've got to impact it in attack. And so I wonder, like, I think he'll be there next week. Uh, Ghana, um, but I do think that he needs probably needs to get a, a little bit more involved. And you did see in their World Club Challenge when he moved and you had uh, Hoskins come in, he went looking for it. Mm. He had about 15 hits. Yes, 15, 15 runs, 150, 150 yeah. metres. Um, you know, where you look at these stats, so 23 tackles, 
so he had 23 tackles and 10 runs, 97 metres. Whereas Liam Martin had nine runs for 75 metres, but he had 43 tackles. Um, and so, like, I just think that... And he's in a new side, the premiership back-to-back. It's very hard to find your voice in that side. 100%. You, just to just roll in and be like, oi, give me the fucking ball now. It's very hard to do that. Especially when the guy they're used to on that edge is... I was going to say he's the complete opposite to you. He's the complete opposite to everyone, essentially. Mm. Billy Army Kiko, he's such a unique footballer. Yeah. It's, it's always going to take time. going to take time. But I think, like, when you're in that period of, like, taking time, you just got to try to get through a fair bit yeah. of work. So you just show that, like, I'm keen, I'm here. He would be keen, but it's just to show the coach, like, you know, all right, I may not be getting as good ball as a VR. I mean, kick out did, but I'll get through, you know, 15 to 20 yeah. hit-ups or something. Or I'll get through 10 hit-ups and 40 tackles. Um, I'm happy to give him the benefit of the doubt going early. I've seen a lot of him and a lot of success he's had at the Tigers in a poor club. The fact that he goes and he's a completely different back rower to what that Penrith system is used to. Mm. We speak about all these combinations and how it takes time to work each other out. That is a completely new system. <coughs> that whole left edge changes by Luke Garner there. And, you know, Luke Garner is not a creative back rower who's going to sweep like Kikau did or do any of that. His best asset is he's a hard line runner. Yep. And Penrith will work that out and they'll work around him with that. Mm. Um, and and I, I really do <coughs> hope we see it and I'll, I'll back him to come good. Yeah, I, I, I want to see him play some more footy. I think you, you probably give him the first month of, of first grade to really <coughs> just put his stamp on games. And again, he doesn't have to be a world beater or whatever. Um, but I do think Hoskins is probably putting pressure on him uh, because Hoskins does get through quite a lot of work. Is Hoskins eight, okay, so he's 18th man. I wonder is there a world where Hosting squeezes onto the bench? I reckon there definitely is because the tough thing with being 18th man, which you would assume Hoskins will be every week, is that he's not playing footy. He's not playing mm. New South Wales Cup mm. then. So I, I reckon there's a good chance that they might put him on the bench for maybe a Jamin Salmon or Because I was going to say, you've got Sonny Luke, Scotty Sorensen, Spencer Lenu. Uh, Salmon, he's a utility makeshift back row, whereas you've already got your 14 there. And so I wonder whether their, their bench is a bit too oh, small, maybe. I was really surprised they went Salmon over Hosking. Even like... I see Salmon coming on in Luke Garner's place on the edge. I don't think he's going to be as effective as him. And now I get that he's there for utility value, but Luke Garner can also cover the back line. He was outstanding at times at centre for yeah. the Tigers. Some, some, honestly, sometimes he was their best player at centre. Yeah, he was great. Uh, such a great defensive presence. So mm. I think Hosking on the bench can come on and instead of Salmon coming on with half hour to go, mm. Hosking can come on and play 30 minutes there and give him the chance to, to, to win that spot. But I think that's a better set. And that's where I question... If the plan was the entire time for Garner to play 50 minutes, why wouldn't you have picked Hoskins? Mm. I don't reckon that was their plan going into it. I reckon okay. they made that change on the fly. Yeah, okay. And put Salmon there. That's well, what has me worried. You reckon, and it has you worried for Garner and like maybe he wasn't impacting enough so they thought Salmon might? Yep. I, I reckon they wanted to just try something new and Salmon was the best option they had there. Jeez. Yeah, okay. Okay, it's, I mean, that's a bit harsh on Garner, like one so game. Harsh. One game. Yeah. But, but they also moved him in the World Club Challenge too, remember? Mm. Scotty mm. Sorensen failed HA in the weekend, so if he's not available, well, Hosking's Definitely pretty like-for-like and come in and play middle and edge, yeah. so we could see him this weekend regardless. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, hopefully Garner gets a, a few weeks. He didn't play bad by any stretch, like no. by any stretch. It's just, I guess we're so used to having seeing impact on the edge there that, you know, they've rotated through. Like, it's crazy to think now, but, like, Liam Martin was on the bench while Capewell was starting. Mm, yeah. Like, Liam Martin. Exactly right. And that's, and that's the beauty of this footy side. Same as Jerome Lewis and Jamin Salmon could have waited until Monday to have that conversation. They want to get shit sorted. Mm. They're, mm. they're in the winning premierships business. 
Absolutely. Uh, anyone on stand out for Penrith for you guys? Um, Dylan Edwards obviously gets through a thousand meters, two hundred eighty nine meters, far out. Seven tackle breaks, a try assist. He's so good. The, the only one I wanted to sort of point out as well, and again, I, I, I can be seem critical of Critter at times, but it's because I, I hold him in such high regard, and we know he can be one of the best players in the NRL. He's just starting to run a little bit of a fine line with going for these intercepts. Oh, yeah. Because he let through that try for yep. through, shot out, and his eyes lit up. He thought he had it, and he was beaten by an unbelievable pass. But, you know, that could have been the difference in the game because <coughs> it was an easy one-on-one tackle if he held yep. his position. They had numbers. Yeah, and it, like as far as I'm concerned, I look at centres from a very defensive mindset. I think most people look at it as the attacking heroics. Yeah. But for every intercept you score, you know, well, everyone you miss, that balances it out for me. So... Uh, and, and like you don't want to take it out of his game because he won a bloody grand final with an intercept. Yeah. And he's had so many big moments with his intercept and it's a great part of his game that he reads a game that well. Just got to be just got to be a little cautious on that. And I think it's easy to say that after he uh, misses one. But from talking to guys in that Penrith system, like he is so good at it that they back him to do it. Yeah. It's not going to work out every time and I get that 100%. But fuck, I, he comes up trumps with it more often than not. But that, yeah. That's the thing. I'm not convinced. It's because when it happens, it's the first highlight really out of that game because everyone loves an intercept. He's missed a few of them. It's not one. I, I will say, you know, from what I've seen from Critter this year, he has had errors creeping into his game that hasn't been there from yesteryear. Um, he's still getting through a bunch of work, a bunch of tackle breaks. But, like, when you look at his stats, like, great attacking, six tackle breaks, 143 metres, nine tackles, four misses. Um, an error, and then obviously you include the the go for an intercept. So sometimes like, you know, he's had so many big moments now. It's like, sometimes you need to go, okay, let's take a step back and strip everything back again and then build back into those big moments. Uh, and look, I, I, I agree to agree with Guru in regards to like, it's easy to say that now that he missed that one, but it still was a massive play. Mm -hmm. And then you go into the World Club Challenge. It was his error. That was a massive error in a massive part of the game. Um, so just got to squeak, just clean that little bit part of his game up and he'll be back to the critter we know. Like he hasn't been playing poorly. I mean, uh, World Club Challenge, he didn't have the best game. I, I won't um, deny that. On the weekend though, he's just, I don't know whether it's lack of concentration. I don't know what it is. Maybe everything that's been happening in the off season for him in regards to being in the media is a lot for him as a young fella. Um, he'll come good though. He'll come good. And I think the off field stuff has had a pretty big impact on critter. Mm from what I've gathered, without well, a doubt. Well, because he cares. He actually he, he cares, he cares about, about the club. He cares about that community. He cares about that club. Yep. He cares about it all. And I think he's been portrayed in a really unfair way. Yeah, and he hasn't done anything wrong. And he's, yeah. So I think that he'll come good. He'll come good. It's just a matter Absolutely of- Absolutely will. Yeah. Just a matter of just cleaning up those little things. And just sometimes you just need to like, take a step back, refocus, and almost build again. Like, yeah. okay, all right. Yeah, I can make those huge plays, intercepts and, you know, big game plays, but, how about I just focus on getting through a bunch of work, getting my tackles done, and then later on in the season, I'll look towards those big plays when all the foundation's good. And look, Critters are a much better player than me and, and achieved way more than me. That, that's just outside looking in. Um, achieved a bit more than us too, just <laughs> Obviously, I haven't seen my Critter culture. <laughs> uh, but yeah, all in all, nothing to worry about with the Penrith Panthers. Not yet. Like, yeah, look, do they not look as good as the side yes last year for sure like there's absolutely no denying api korosau and viliami kick out are massively missed i think personally 
the best way going forward in this season for the Penrith Panthers, though, is to basically just ease into the year, get to the finals in the top eight, and then make your run towards the end of the year. I just can't see a world where they go a whole nother season with, like, losing three games. Like, I just can't see how they could physically do that. Yeah, agreed. And I think that, you know, I, I understand the World Club Challenge is a trial, but, like, that's a game that the Penrith Panthers took very seriously. You know, I, I thought that their pack lost that game. Their pack definitely lost against the Broncos the other night, I thought. Not very often you see them lose two in a row oh. like that. Yeah, it might be an energy thing, you know, like they've had such a big few years. Mm. It's just going to, I think it's just going to take them time to warm back into the contest because, you know, Fisher, Harris, Leota, they both went away for the World Cup yep. and they're their core, like they are their core. I also think a lot of it, without coming back to it too much, comes back to what we were talking about before about just how important your nine is around the ruck. Mm. And yeah. when you do get Sonny Luke on there like he did in the last 25 minutes the other night, I, I think you'll start to see the forward back get on the front foot once again. Mm. Now, on to the Brizzy Broncos. What a win. What a win. Uh, Herbie Farmworth was absolutely outstanding. Haas, incredible. Paddy Carrigan, incredible. Um, you know, I thought Ezra Mam's defence was outstanding, like absolutely outstanding. I, I mean, I thought he was outstanding, period. Like, the try that I think he set up was just in crazy, crazy footwork. Cra where he steps Nathan Cleary, boom, away. Uh I thought Kate Catewell looked way more fitter again, like fit again. Like I think that because he needed a shoulder reconstruction, I th I'm pretty, sh I'm pretty sure it was last year. He had a shoulder injury, he needed a clean out or something. Yep. He looks like back to his physic, like the physicality that he could bring to games. As I said, Paddy Carrigan was absolutely phenomenal. Um, you know, Jordan Rieke got through a bunch of work. Good on him. 39 tackles, 85 meters, no errors. You know, you have to give credit where, like, when they do, do what you want him to do. Four one-on-one -on -one tackles. That's great from Jordan Ricky. Like you can build so much on that game, get through your work, do your job, and everything will come after that. Um, Billy Walters, I thought was good. Uh, yeah, I, what a win! What an incredible win! I will say, I guess the only well, there was two. Corey Oates was did some incredible carries, but those two errors in that crucial part of the game, like when you look at Oates and Selwyn Cobbo, made seven errors all up just too much you can't, you, you can't, you're letting down your forwards when you do stuff like that um katoni stags great in defense his energy in defense was outstanding in attack though only four runs I, I hope i really hope he can ease his way into getting like minimum 10 a game minimum 10 a game because you look across herbie farmworth 13 runs um you know but to be fair herbie farmworth only made eight tackles you know uh stags doubled it but outside of that, what a performance. What a team performance by the Broncos. Their defence was absolutely outstanding. So I loved watching Ezra Mayer. So good. He just brought energy. He was whacking blokes. He Like you, you just mentioned then how he stepped Nathan Cleary. He's one of the better defensive players in the competition. He oh. left him for dead. Yeah. He didn't get near him. Yeah, it crazy. was incredible. He's a freak. And it wasn't, it wasn't off a set play. It was off an offload on last tackle that Billy Walters Probably got caught with the ball when he shouldn't have. I think it was fourth Ezra, tackle. Fourth, tackle. fourth wasn't yeah. okay. And Ezra just made that work. Mm. I, yeah, I was I was very impressed with Ezra, man. I love watching him play. And this, you know, there was always the chance that his second year he doesn't come back mm. quite as well as what we hoped. And mate, all, all signs so far, he looks like he's going to be better than what he was last year. Yeah, and you're right. Like it's is. There's a world where you come in second year. You've played NRL now, so you think you've made it. He's come back even hungrier. He looks hungrier than he was last year. He looks more confident. 
Like some of the shots he was pulling off on bigger boys. Like Ezra Mam's not a big guy. He's not a big guy. He was jamming blokes. Uh, Timmy, what do you think about the Broncos? Yeah, I, I love that. You know, it was a lot of the probably not the bigger names in the side that mm. stepped up. You know, some blokes that were most impressive were Ezra Mam, who you know will be a superstar one day, I think. But at this stage, very very early in his career, Mam was terrific. As you said, Billy Walters had some really good creative moments out of dummy half. Uh, Herbie Farmworth was outstanding, so it wasn't necessarily the big names doing a lot of the damage. Uh, so no one had a clue what to expect from the Broncos in round one, and they brought that attitude, particularly in defence, Kempi, as you said, that through that, particularly the middle stage of last season, where when they were down and out with numbers, issues, there was you know the, I suppose, semi-infamous win against the Raiders when they had no one and they mm. just like got up for everything. It was that attitude at their best last year. Uh, and as a footy fan, it was great to see. It was great yeah. to see for the club. So, great signs. Yeah. The only thing with Ezra, like, sometimes when you look at stats, they can be misleading because, like, he missed seven tackles. But obviously, you don't want him missing seven tackles. If you could bring that down to, like, four or whatever. But sometimes you'll trade missed tackles for energy. Yep. Like, sometimes you'll go, I would rather him get crazy line speed and jam someone and get bounced off because then they stop anyway and miss a tackle. Sometimes a missed tackle can be as simple as he, you rush out of the line and you force the player to go back inside and then the defensive cleans up in the middle. Uh, but I want to give a shout out. It won't be spoken about at all uh, in regards to the highlights or whatever. Adam Reynolds, 27 tackles, only one miss. Adam Reynolds is not known for his defence. If anything, the, the knock on Reynolds is he, he can get injured and little niggles here and there, even though when you look at his record, he's, he's averaging more than 20 games a year. 27 tackles, only one miss. That's outstanding. Well, he, was in, he was in huge doubt for round one. Yeah. Uh, Paddy Carrigan, 50 tackles, one miss. Paddy Carrigan is a god amongst men. A god amongst men. Uh, I thought Payne Ars and Pat Carrigan were just on another planet. On a, like they another planet. Unbelievable. Like they were probably the best front row pairing in the, the, the – like I know he played 13, but he plays like a front rower. In the comp on the weekend, I reckon? Oh, I think for sure. Like, they were outstanding. When you consider the guys they went up against and got yep. the better off. Yeah. Definitely. Good point. Uh, Payne Haas, 207 metres, 19 runs, 84 post-contact, 7 tackle breaks, 27 tackles, 0 misses. 24 kick metres. 24 kick metres. Just get it in there, mate. <laughs> and zero, zero errors. <laughs> like, what a knock. What a knock. Um... So now, I guess, for the Broncos, it's about backing it up. It's about doing it for the whole season. You know, it's all well and good knocking off the Premiers, but if you come out next week and get dusted, it means literally nothing. Yeah, and I mean, I just had another positive to it. That was without Race Walsh. Yeah. Like, you he, he had him in and someone Cobham moves back to the wing, which I think at the moment he's a better winger than what he is fullback. There's only upside to the Broncos at the moment. Mm. Uh, I think that... I will say, though, for the Broncos, they did get lucky with a few calls. Like, that Sonny Luke one with a play of the ball was outrageous that that was a penalty. Outrageous. And then Selwyn Cobbo obviously knocked the ball on at the end there. Jerome Luai was offside. So if they if they want to keep winning games, they can't afford to have these big errors. Like, as I said, Selwyn Cobbo, four errors. Corey Oates, three errors. A lot of other top-tier teams are putting you to the sword doing that. Yeah. So if they can just clean that up if the outside backs can just clean up the error rate because last year i think was it katoni stag selwyn cobbo and corey oates were like in the top 10 of errors or something like that uh 
That's just something they can't afford to do. Uh, Adam Reynolds, 629 kicking meters. Just what a knock. Nathan Cleary, 347. Like, that's amazing from Reynolds. We're talking about a guy in the twilight of his career and he's, he's kicking, he's out kicking Nathan Cleary, one of the best to do it. It's just, it's amazing. Seriously. I cannot wait for this Friday night, Broncos-Cowboys, yeah. the game of ch- chess between Adam Reynolds oh. and Chatty Townsend. They're actually they're two very similar teams. You've obviously got your two strike fullbacks. Your halfbacks are very similar. Stacked forward packs, they're unreal. Yep. I, I can't wait for this game. There's going to be a cracker. cracker. Absolute cracker. Uh, Herbie Farmworth. Jeez, like, you go, last week we're going, okay, maybe he's not the superstar, superstar showstopper, but he gets 8 out of 10, 9 out of 10 every week. And then he comes out against the Penrith Panthers and becomes a superstar. And you're like, okay. Hang on a sec. Hang on a sec. Let's let's pump the brakes. Did we make a huge... I mean, we definitely made an error in not being able to keep him. But it's gone from me being happy that, like, okay, Herbie Farmworth, he's been so good for us for so long. Go get your money, mate. He played so well that I'm all of a sudden going, uh, is there a world where we consider, you know, moving other people around to keep Herbie? Did we make a mistake in not doing that? He was incredible. Herbie's a weird footballer in that... I watch him play and he kills it. And then I come back in on Monday and I sit there and go, oh, he's good, but he's not like a superstar. <laughs> yeah. And then you watch him in the weekend again, you go, okay, fuck, maybe he is. Yeah. And then I get to Monday and go, he's good, but I, I feel like I'm in this constant. I think it's because like you don't see, you know, I don't, I don't know, like mad footwork with a big fan to a try, but he does it anyway though. So I'm like, he just... Yeah. Well, like oh, I can't remember the last time Stags and him were on the field and I thought Stags was better than him. <laughs> You know, Ding up on Critter, didn't miss a tackle. Yep. Like one of the best centers in the NRL. Yeah, yeah. Eight to eight tackles, zero misses as well. Far out. And so it's like, it's, as I said, it's gone from happy for him because he's been so good to, shit, have we missed a trick here in not moving things around to try to keep him? Is it, should have he been one of our priority backs to sign? Now, look, I know our other backs to sign a long-term deal, so you can't just like, mm. see you later. But I don't know. Uh, is there a world where at the end of this year we're going, he's our best back? Quite possibly. He was right up there with it last uh, year. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, so good. Which is like, then you go, Broncos just lost their best back. He's by far and away your most consistent back. Oh, for sure. For sure. Absolutely. He, yeah, he's so good. He's going to be so good for the Dolphins. So good for the Dolphins. And I think that, you know, to your point last week, Timmy, where you said you, you can actually see him taking that next step into superstar. Mm. I think I agree. I think he genuinely might become a superstar. He might, he may go from Mr. like really good Mr. Consistent, so eight out of ten every week, to game breaker. Yeah, because that's what he did on the weekend. We don't win that game if Herbie Farmworth isn't playing. Yeah, uh, uh, that's what you love to see. He's doing it against the top teams too. He's not beating team. up on the lower sides. Yep. I mean, when he was playing for England, he did it against Australia. Was it yep. Australia or New Zealand? Anyway, the top tier teams, Herbie Farmworth had his best game. Uh, so yeah, look. Really good signs for the Broncos. As I said, yeah, I want to give Jordan Ricky a rap, rap. Got through his work, did his job, tough as nails on the edge there. Didn't back down, didn't, wasn't overawed by anything. Um, no errors as well, which we love to see. So, yeah, what a win by the Brizzy Broncos. Anything else? No, I think that just about covers it for me. Now let's get to our next game, boys. 
Manly versus the Doggies. Before we do, though, some shout-outs. Store shout-outs. Seaview Sellers in Bomaris. Vincent is stocked up with both Midi and Lager. This is all Victoria, guys. Seaview Sellers, Bomaris. Vincent stocked up with Midi and Lager. Steve's Liquor, Springvale South. Manager Stephen is stocked up with Lager and a special at $59.95 uh, a case and is running a soccer jersey promotion. As you guys know... If you buy a six-pack or a case of bloke beer, you have a chance to win a bloke soccer jersey. And also in Victoria, obviously, it's a smaller area for us. So the chances of you winning that jersey are really high. So get into Steve's Liquor in Springvale South. Then we've got Grape and Grain in Morabine. Owner Paul is stocked up with both Midi and Lager. Steve's Liquor Heighten. Manager Wayne is stocked up with both Midi and Lager and is also running a party promotion shirt. So again, you buy a case, you win a chance to, to win a shirt. Then we've got Celebrations in St Kilda. Manager Matt is stocked up with both the Midi and the Lager and is also running a shirt promo. So Victorians, get amongst it. Get in there for a chance to win a shirt. But let's get to the game. Manly versus the Doggies. Uh, what we're, oh, you know what we should, what we'll do is we'll screenshot the odds, the sports bet odds, um, when we do the tipping at the end of the show, so that we can look back and go, what was the value? What yeah. were the odds? Mainly we're dollar seventy five. And didn't we say that was pretty yeah. good? Yeah, that was yeah. Yeah, okay, and which was funny because Manly hadn't won around one for a while. Anyway, Manly would defeat the Dogs, thirty one to six. Now. Manly were definitely dominant, but I do think the Dogs were in the game for until pretty much Kyle Flanagan got sent in in the bin. The headline from this game, in my opinion, is there's two headlines. Manly, wow. Second headline is, what a terrible call against the Doggies for that 10 in the bin. There is not a world, a universe, a multiverse, a, a dimension that that is 10 in the bin. You are kidding me. Like, are we watching the same video? And it's in slow-mo as well. Like, what are we doing? Like, when you watch it in slow-mo, you think that Kyle Flanagan had as much time to think as the slow-mo. When it happens like that, Tom Dvojevic went past him. The ball went behind him. Tom Dvojevic is almost slowing up. It is only natural for Flanagan to put his hands out to brace. What is he supposed to do? Just keep running into Tom Dvojevic? He barely touched him. Look, if you want to give a penalty, fine. 10 in the bin. We are getting way too liberal with this 10 in the bin. It used to be reserved for, you, need, you had to kill someone, literally a person, like, you had to like, honestly, for 10 in the bin, it used to mean something. Now it's like every game, we're just 10 in the bin, 10 in the bin. In my opinion, a professional foul is where you can see a clear intent. He intended to foul the person to stop a try. You cannot tell me that that was clear intent from Kyle again. Terrible call. I personally don't think if it was turbo, it's not a sim bin. You reckon? I think it's that superstar sort of value. I reckon okay. if it was Lachlan Croker, for example, mm. I don't reckon he gets a bin for it. Mm. Well, yeah, we were in the car, me and Maddie, on the way, or the van, I should say, on the way back from Armadale, and we're listening to this part of it on the radio. And how, how's the reaction from the, the commentators going? He hasn't hardly even touched him. They were absolutely seething. Obviously, went back and watched it, the video live after. Holy dooly, it was soft. What a bad call. It can be. It's like, I'm glad it's only taken, uh, what, half an episode into the season to bring it up again. But if only there was... Like, not that this would have been deserving of it, but five minutes in bin. Oh, it wouldn't have been, yeah. It, it wouldn't have been five minutes in bin, but at least then it would have been five minutes less than what he got. Oh, uh, Just mate. bring it in. Hey, that's, and that's the thing. I am really forgiving of referees when they make calls on the fly mm. because <clears> things happen so quickly. They happen so quickly. And we, we can't... Ex we let players make errors all day. 
refs are going to make errors. They're going to make errors. So what happens on the fly, I just go, mate, this is rugby league. You're going to get some calls. You're not going to get some calls. Eventually it comes around. When you watch a video replay 10 times over and you send oh. someone to, that's unforgivable. It's not good enough. It is not good enough. It's a bad call. I don't think there's anyone that was sitting there going, oh, that deserves 10 in the bin. I just, it's so surprising to me. Like I, anyway, even though that happened, the dogs definitely didn't deserve to win. Like that, that wasn't the reason they lost. Uh, I think they lost because Manly were outstanding and the dogs looked rudderless. They looked really rudderless. Uh, we'll talk about dogs first. Matty Burton seemed, I'm, I'm convinced now that Matty Burton needs an extremely dominant seven. I think there was a, a world or an idea that maybe Matty Burton could become like a, the leader where he directs people around the park, he gets everywhere where he needs to go. I think it's become evident between two things. When he was at Penrith Panthers, I think they tried a similar situation where Luai was the six and he was seven when he came in, or at least they thought Burton would be the guy that lead around. It never really worked. So seeing how he plays at centre, where he's just free to do the way, what he wants to do. Every time he gets the ball, he's free to be Matty Burton. Add that on to the fact that he doesn't seem to be as good at organising. And I think that on the weekend it showed that there's even some people, and I, I, I don't agree with it, but I can see where they're coming from, where they go, Matty Burton's a centre. Now, I still think he's a six, but he's only going to be unlocked if they just allow him to play freely like he does in the center position because I don't think he needs to be the guy ordering the troops around getting field position. What do you guys think? Yeah, I think uh, Jesus would be great to see Matty Burton play with a Chad mm. Reynolds, yeah. one of these guys. And, you know, I, I obviously I categorize Kyle Flanning as being in that product of player, Type just not of at player. that class. Yeah, yes, yeah. in that mm. class. But he, as you said last week, and I agree, you can be successful with Flano. But he needs to nail that shit every week. Every week, every second of every game. Yep. Didn't on the weekend. Unfortunately, no. Unfortunately, no. Um, and I think it did have an impact on Burton. But I also just thought, mate, like, you have a look at the way the Dolphins play. We'll talk about them soon. But, like, they just got all their fundamentals right. Mm. Canterbury were all over the place. It was – and Reed Marnie gave them so much direction. But Reed no Marnie. one was going with him. Mate. It, I think this is what typified their performance. That double pass to kick out, to oh. kick. <laughs> I can't remember when I've ever seen anything like that. Even, it must have been a set play that they've been working on, surely. Either that or, they, or he's missed the count or something. I, I, I can't make sense of it. Like, wh why would you go two ball to a left edge back rower who doesn't have a kick in him, but he's a right footer anyway? Like, you, like, that ball was never going anywhere but into the grandstand. And, like, Burton is one of the best kickers in the – long kickers in the competition. And so that's where I'm like, you know, like that organising stuff, just don't take that off his mind. It's like Munster. It's exactly like Munster. I don't want Munster worried about any of that stuff. Keep his mind free to just play footy in front of him. And that's where Matty Burton's at his best. Like, look what he did in Origin. Look what he did for Australia when he played in the centres. And so I know there are some people that go, no, I think he's a better centre. I still think that he's 100% high-quality six. He's going to grow into the role. But he needs, unfortunately, you know, Flano either needs to improve. And I know he was off the field for 10 minutes, so maybe it's a bit harsh. But unfortunately with Flano, and we've been his biggest supporters, but the, the clock's ticking at the moment. Like, it, it has to come good soon. Because otherwise, 
Burton is just going to continue to not be able to do what he needs to do. The, the tough thing is, though, that if you're not going flat out, who are you going? You've got the young bloke, Carl, who played in New South Wales Cup on the weekend. The reports where he absolutely brained it. I went back and watched the highlights the other day. He played really well. But as you said to me on the weekend, he doesn't solve that problem. Yeah, he's not. He's, he's another than Matty Burton. And the halfback was Josh Reynolds. He also doesn't solve yeah. that problem. So they don't... Market maybe, going to the market for a good maybe. structured seven. But it makes you wonder how much money does this side have to be able to... Like, it's easy, like... Well, Gus reckons they got enough to sign a marquee. Which is wild. Which is wild. But I will say, you know, it's like funny and I know we speak about it pretty much every week. It's, it's the, the weekly Chadwick update. But I tell you what, the Bulldogs would kill to sign Chad Townsend. If you said to t- the ch- like right now, if you said to the dogs, you can sign Chad Townsend for 900k a year, they'd go boom. We'll do it right now. They they would literally do it in a second. Two years ago, you would have been laughed out of a room from from a lot of good footy pundits, and this is from my eyes. I think Chad is incredible. On 700k, that was overs. It just again. If you've been in the half position for a long period in the NRL, you are good. Because you get chewed up and spat out so quickly in NRL if you're a halfback and you're not good. And I mean, without coming back to them again, the Dolphins, just what Sean O'Sullivan did yesterday. He was incredible. That's all you need to do. SOS, baby. Just drop your kicks in the right <laughs> spot. He saved our souls. <laughs> <laughs> just in that age poorly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, you're right though. Like, again, Sean Sullivan, he's been in a few systems, been around for a while. He was outstanding. So, unfortunately for Flano, the pressure is mounting. I mean, look, the poor kid's been dealing with pressure for years now. But he needs to – either it needs to be Seraldo that says, Flano, I need you to make all the decisions getting us around the park, or Flano just needs to step up and do it. I'm not sure which one it is. Because maybe he's been told to just play second fiddle to Burton and Burton gets to make all the calls. But I just don't know if Burton's that player. It doesn't, doesn't seem to suit him. He seems to be that free-flowing guy that just makes magic work when he needs to. And wasn't it evident, like, that last pass that Burton threw that DC took the intercept off? That was just confidence completely shot, wasn't it? Yeah, but also it was like the pace at which they were playing. It was slow. It was slow. It was a nothing pass. Nothing, nothing ever pass. was going to come of it. Yeah. And that was my concern. Is just like the intensity was wasn't there. Getting to like all the little details just weren't there. Unfortunately for the Bulldogs. And and look, to be fair, on in last week we did say the dogs are going to take a while to warm into this season. Um, but in the areas where I thought they'd be quite strong, they were. You know, I thought Matty Burton was going to be. Look, I had my worry watching him in the trial that he seemed a bit flat, a bit tired, and I still have my worry that he's had such a big few years that he's a bit tired, a bit flat. Um, but I am getting closer to being convinced that he's more of the Munster type than the organising type. Yeah, well, you, you, you had some mail that he was a bit crook in the trials. Yep. Yeah, in the second trial game. It was a bit of a – essentially get the legs moving okay. around. So in the second trial <clears> – <throat> Yeah, look, it was a horror show for Matty Burton in that game. Uh, I'm happy to forgive it just in the sense that, A, we know his class, but he had a few big mistakes early in the game mm. and he just tried so hard to get on top of it and, and make amends for it that he just couldn't get into any rhythm in that game. He had new blokes around him and they just could not settle the doggies into yeah. any sort of rhythm. So, look... It, it won't be that bad again. He's way too good a footballer. But the one thing I will say about doggies and Tigers fans, it, it, we speak about it way too often. 
well, we not too often because it's so important, but it is these combinations. And, you know, they were two of the newest rosters in the competition, the Tigers and the Dogs. So it takes time. Mm. It takes time. It's all right. It's not the end of the world that they both started poorly. Then again, it makes the Dolphins look even more unbelievable that they, with 17 completely new blokes, put that together. Um, you're right, though, and, and that's it. If Flano doesn't step up, they will give uh, Oluapu an opportunity to come up, especially if he continues doing what he did on the weekend. But it is two five eight. Mm. So, you know, we don't get too far ahead of ourselves. But if that does happen, does it become this sort of a, almost Canberra Raiders type structure where you've got Reid Marnie who, who has a running game, mm. he's an organiser, he gives great service. Does he play more of a, a role in, in getting the side around the park with two boring five eights? Let's hope it doesn't come to that. Let's hope Flano lifts. He, he's that number seven that can organise the side and take pressure off Birdo. Mm. Let Birdo do it, Birdo does best, and that is run the football. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a crook old start for them, wasn't it? Unfortunately, yeah. With Mitch Moses seemingly doesn't have a contract right now, if you're Canterbury, do you throw the kitchen sink at Mitch? They already have. They already have. They already ha- they already do you lift it now? What do you... No, the, the, the doggies could have had Mitch Moses. Really? They, they could have had Mitch Moses. And they've... Op- so Mitch Moses would have been willing to leave the Eels? I believe so. Mm. And wow. uh, he was open to it. Okay. He was very open to it and going to the dot. I don't say he was willing to sign on the dotted line, but he yeah. was very open to, to the move. Now, <laughs> the, the doggies have done classic Gus Gould. Five-year plans, he looks to the future, he's done it for years, and we see what's happened at Penrith now. He's gone, all right, do we get, how old's Mitch Moses, 28 or so? 27. 27, 28. Yep. Uh, do we get Mitch Moses now? Uh, and paying big money and hinder the rest of our roster, and he comes in and you know, be big for us this year, maybe next year. They're going, let's get Carl Oluapu, who should, on all reports, be a future superstar. They're backing him to come in, and we want to be peaking, not this year, not even necessarily 2024, mm. but he's thinking down the track. And mm. the money they save on Carl allowed the build, to build the roster across the board, mm. and they've put their faith in the youth as opposed to going for, for the older, more mm. seasoned talent. The only concern I have with that is the fact that he's not a seven. He's another six. Mm. And so, you know, maybe there is a world where they're going, let's go the, the Raiders route where Marnie – and look, Marnie did kind of play that role on the weekend. Mm. Like, he was creating havoc around the ruck. Uh, but it's going to take time with the doggies. Like, I think that people just need to be patient. It's going to take time. The only problem is, is like, then you, when you lose a few games, you lose confidence. And when it's supposed to click, it doesn't click, not because you don't have the roster that, does, that knows each other, because everyone's confidence is down and all of a sudden you don't believe in yourself. And when we're looking, as we said, as they're looking to the future and, and to be, you know, a force again, the doggies in a couple of years' time, maybe they do see that, that organiser in Matt Burton. Maybe mm. he's not there yet, but between Serraldo, Gus Gould, all these great footy minds, they've seen enough to say, you know, he can become that, he's just not there at the moment. Yeah, look, they know way more about footy than me, mm. but I just don't see it. Not, not that, and that's not a knock on Matty Burton. He just seems like a free spirit. He reminds me of the way Munster plays. Those these magical moments that I mean, how many times have we watched over the last two years with Matty Burton, where you're like, how did he make that line break? He's not that big, he's not that strong, he's not that fast, but he just did it. Yeah. Who's that remind you of? Cam Munster. He's not that big, he's not that strong, he's not that fast, but he just does it. And I just think Matty Burton needs to be free. Like, like for example, his massive bomb. You can't force that. You can't expect like. If you're doing every single kick, you're going to be tempted to constantly rely on that massive bomb. 
The massive bomb comes when you've got someone else doing all the kicking and then all of a sudden you get heaps of time and space, boom, you put the bomb up. Uh, and so, look, happy to be proven wrong, but I would way rather see an unrestricted, free, Dally M centre type player of Matty Burton mm. just living the dream out there on the edge, just tearing teams apart than uh, him organising, in my opinion. Uh, but I agree. time will tell. Time will tell. I'll say one more thing on that and we go back to... The platform set by the forward pack. Mm. And the doggies just lost all their middles. Like Manly ran for 400 metres more in total. They had 150 more post-contact metres. So I know that's not the be-all and end-all, but yeah, there wasn't much of a platform to work off. But it also it felt to me, and you know, obviously those stats for the whole game, mm. I reckon Manly ran a lot more of those in the second half. Yep. And I thought Manly made a lot of errors in the first half that kept Canterbury in the game. And Canterbury still weren't able to execute yeah. off the back of it. Like there was... There was place towards the back half and Canterbury did have good ball. They were making it up. Yeah. They were all over the place. Uh, I, like, I, I thought Manly were good. I didn't think they were fantastic, to be honest with you. I thought mm. they still made a lot of errors, a lot of silly errors, handed a lot of ball back. But Canterbury just weren't even in the ballpark. Yeah, they, they start, I thought they started all right. I thought they started all right. Doggies. I didn't think they were that bad, first 20. Um so, yeah, with the dogs, look, the positive is Reed Marnie was absolutely outstanding. Absolutely outstanding. Far out, he's dangerous out of... I just I almost... As a huge Reed Marnie fan, I almost feel guilty that I hadn't seen... Mm. I didn't think that he would turn in... I, like, all this extra part of his game, as we were saying earlier, like, where was this hiding? Like, it was hiding in the fact that he was playing a role. I mean, it just says to, to Reed's character, think about when you've got this much talent and this much ability with creativity mm. around the ruck, and you've constantly got to run it every single week, squash that all down, and just hand good service. Must have killed him. Must have killed him. But he's such a role player in a team that he just said, nah, whatever is best for the team. And I guess, I think that you know goes even deeper where maybe that's why he felt so, I guess, put off by being lowballed by the Eels, where he was like, mate, I have shut my mouth, gotten through all the tough work, changed my game, given service and done everything you've asked for and then you lowball me that so that may speak to how he was like you know what i'm out of here man i'm going to go somewhere where i can fully spread my wings mm -hmm. and fly and look you could say well he's not going to be playing for premierships in the next year or two but at the same time like sometimes just the enjoyment of playing rugby league the way you're supposed to or your way you want to is more than a print like not more than a premiership but more enjoyable each week so what i was thinking when i was watching reed i was just thinking fuck the next 10 years of origin once ben hunt has retired. Is he the Matty Ballin of this generation? Watching, well, I, I, I still think they'll go with him and Harry Grant. I think they'll do a similar thing to what they're doing with That's what I'm Harry saying. Is, yeah. is Reed Marnie the Matty Ballin of this generation? Yeah, for the next probably year or two he is. But then you, uh, how, how many years do you reckon Ben Hunt's got left? Two? A thousand. <laughs> Good God. A thousand. He's never but retired. Yeah, there's there's going to be a, a six, seven year period unless another hooker pops up where I think they will go Reed and Harry Grant. And with his running game that he showed the other day, when they were on the back foot the entire time, they're going to dominate. Yeah. He's going to retire from the NRL, but they'll just bring him back for Origin each yeah. year to kill us. 100%. 100%. <laughs> and he will do something. He will. Do he absolutely will. And that's a good point, Guru. You're right. Like, Queensland's hookers have been upset for the next 10 years. Yeah. As long as they both stay injury free. And it's almost scary because, like, before this year, we would have said, bring Reed Marnie in, get through all the dog work, get him off, and then Harry Grant brings on creativity. 
now you've got Reed Marnie doing creativity and the dog work, and then Harry Grant coming on and doing the same thing. And as you said, if they're both fit, great. But even if one of them's not, you can play one of them for 80. They'll be okay. I know. It's, it's so good. It's so good. Um, so, yeah, the positive is for the doggies, Reed Marnie was absolutely outstanding. Uh, anything else on the dogs that stood out for you? Alamotti, Tanner, Preston uh, made debuts. Didn't look overall. Got through their work okay. Yeah, I just want to make note of Maxi King's effort to ground the ball on half time with what would have been the most ridiculous try from Manly. Mm. He came from nowhere, the big fella, and just dove out, got the hand, <coughs> put it down. That would have been the biggest dagger on half time. Didn't change, you know, the outcome of the game by any means, but it was such a special effort, I thought. Mm. Max what King. was that 15 seconds? <laughs> that was Fox unbelievable. Fox to like no one. Oh. Oh. Look, it's going to take time. As we said before the game, guys, and we all t- p- tipped manly, it's going to take time. So just be patient, Doggies fans. The good thing is, is you've got the roster now. For how many years were we sitting there going, they just don't have the roster? You've got the roster. Be patient. Look where the Panthers are now. Seraldo was a part of that. Gus Gould was a part of that. Just be patient, Doggies fans. It's going to come. I, I will be shocked if in two years' time they aren't fighting in the eight. I'll be shocked. Yeah, and no matter how poor Saturday was, or if it, even if it was worse than what it was, you're in a better spot now than when you were this time last year, by oh, far and away. By a mile. By a mile. Uh, let's get on to Manly. Wow. I thought they were absolutely outstanding. Yes, they had a few errors that it, it stung the, the game in regards to, like, if they had have completed a higher percentage, or basically if they had have had... Um, just a few less errors in key times, it would have been almost the perfect performance. I, I thought their energy was there. I thought their their continuity was there. Their, uh, just the mongrel, their forward pack. Like The fact that Olakowatu took it personally that Kikau was a superstar. Like Olakowatu was offended that Kikau was this big superstar. He was hunting him constantly. And there was a moment at the end of the game where I go, this manly forward pack might be building into something special. Kick out, takes a normal run. Olakawatu comes screaming in, jams him. Uh, then I think Kick out stands up and he either drops the ball or he, and he pushes Josh Alloye. But before he pushes Josh Alloye, uh, uh, Olakawatu is patting Alloye on the back, going, fuck yeah, let's like just pumping each other up. The game's won. They're 30 in front and he's Ging up a shot on Kick out. And it's like when you've got dogs in your forward pack, that are getting pumped in the 75th minute, up 30 jamming blokes, that's when you're going, something special building here. Yeah, and I like over the last 20-odd years, when Manly's been at, a, at their best, their forward pack has always just had a siege mentality. Mm. And that's what it felt like on the weekend mm. once again. And, you know, we spoke last week about how Anthony Seabold, you know, he can, he can sell papers till the cows come home. They haven't been in the media at all. And that's how the old Manly side was. Yeah. You had they were very like almost anti media. They avoided it like yeah. the plague. And that's the same as what this manly side's done, but they've come out and been the best team in preseason. They've killed it in round one. Um, and it was even lot like I thought Lockie Croker looked really good. I thought Brad Parker, his defense was incredible. Croker was friggin' phenomenal. Like it's it wasn't just the stars that killed it. It was so the disrespect that you sound surprised that Brad Parker's defense. <laughs> when will this bloke get the recognition he deserves? One of the elite centres of the. When NFL will he get a blue game? tick on Instagram? Yeah. It's, a, it's a travesty. It's an absolute travesty. Yeah. Um, another moment for me that was like, wow, this this team unity that seems to have grown out of a tough time. So, DCE <clears throat> chased a kick and he was ahead of everyone. 
And basically, I think one of the Bulldogs players dived on it. He was about a metre out from his line. And this would have been like 10 minutes to go. So DCE usually, like he had every right to just lay on the tackle. DCE didn't even look behind himself. He bounced straight back up and then went, had a little look over his shoulder. And guess what the line speed was from his forward pack? It, it was fucking off their line. The scoot made about a metre. And for DCE to know, know that his forward pack was already there, ready to fucking go. How often do you see a player, like when they when they chase a kick and they're way ahead of the line, they'll lay on it and they'll look around to see if anyone's there to t do the tackle. He didn't even turn his back. He literally bounced straight back up and then you just saw the Manly Seal four pack come screaming out and jamming the, the scooter. And that's an evident, that's evidence of like a team bond, a, a gelling. That's hard to emulate. It's hard to create. And that's where I look at Manly. I go, if they can stay fit. I mean, Tom Trebojevic was in second gear the whole game. Mm. He, he like didn't even terrifying. want to get like that's terrifying like he could have made a break and he just pulled up yeah. which oh, is I, yeah. a mixture of two things you're like okay i hope his hammies are right but at the same time once he does kid his straps wow i, I love seeing that Kempy, the management of tommy turbo mm. that conscious ap approach of no like we can't let you just go out there and and go helpful level like you have in the past we need to manage it and wasn't it evident that when he made he had space there and he had granted it was fox was one of the chasing pack coming after him but straight away he went no nah, I'm not stretching out. I don't mm. need to. And he pulled up and it was like, it was because, obviously a concerted effort, a conscious effort, I should say. But I also loved that they took him off early in the oh, game. I loved when, that. When, when they had like that, such a great way of thinking. And I've always been very critical of coaches in the past, you know, whether it be the week before finals and they're going for daily envotes on players or trying to get a bigger lead in a, a bigger winning margin or whatever. And it just achieves nothing when... They pulled Tommy off with, was it about 15, 20 to go? Against his will too, yeah. which shows strong yeah, coaching. Exactly right. And of course Tommy doesn't want to come yeah. off, but they did. And then unfortunately, obviously, Lockie Croker had the concussion, so he had to go back on and finish the game. But why not do that the first, when possible in the first few rounds, when they get out to a lead, just take him off. Yeah. Don't risk him. There's no point. I There's it was no great point. coaching. Great coaching. And it's strong coaching. Yeah. He's a new coach. He's a young coach. He's gone through everything he went through at the Brisbane Broncos. Tom Travojevic, arguably on his day, literally the greatest player ever. Like, that's how good this guy is at fullback. And the strength to go, Tommy might be a bit pissed at me because he's got to sit at the sideline and he's literally walking back up and down because he wants to get back out there. But I'm making a strong decision for what's best for the team. I thought it was fantastic. So what, I thought uh, Kale Weeks that came on, fuck, he had some nice touches. He's so silky. He's so silky. He's got a heap of talent. And he was playing out of position for most of the time he was on the field too. He, yeah. um, he jumped into nine for Croker and he looked fantastic. Ethan Bullimore. Fuck his power through to the middle. He is just explosive. Leg speed. Yeah. So much leg speed. So so hard to handle. He was great off the bench. Uh, so who could be a game changer for Manly? I've been saying for years, buy Paseca a mirror so we can realise how mm. big he is. Yeah. I really hope that the weekend was a turning point for him. Well, he had, he, there was a period, I think it was two years ago, he had like a turning point and when they went to the pre He's had a few turning points. Yeah, and then he, then and he then regresses. He yeah, down. then he regresses yeah. back to the... I know, the other day he felt a little bit different to I me, hope though. so. He was I good. He so. was so good. Oh, beast. I mean, he was, he was Nelson Asafa Solomon at like. Yeah. That's how good he was. Uh, let's talk about it, my boy, Hamolo Olakawatu. Smoky for origin, surely. Like, he may not have... When you look at his stats, they don't wow you. You don't go, oh, my God. But when you actually watch the game and see his impact in like his aggressiveness, I understand that the it's the New South Wales side is stacked. So making the starting side is going to be quite hard. 
But I mean, Olakawatu off the bench through the middle, super aggressive. I don't mind it. I'm not saying that I would make that call yet, but I think he should be in conversation if he keeps us up. Yeah, for sure. And I think that his stats on the weekend don't wow you. He's a guy that quite often when, when you get to the end, end of the round that you have a look and they are pretty damn impressive, but it, it is his aggression. He doesn't, he so doesn't just do a job. He wants to hurt every single time. That's he, his he knocks, Like I reckon he's got the most knockouts while running the ball of any player currently. For sure. He knocks yeah. people out all the time. All the time. Yeah. And, he, and he'll all, like, he, and we, we said it a few weeks ago, he doesn't hide away from work either. No. He's the biggest, strongest guy on the field. He could edge away from a lot of defensive work. He doesn't. He's in his, what, fourth, fifth year of fucking footy? Came from basketball. Yeah. <laughs> It's 125 yeah. meters, 57 post contact, three tackle breaks, 21 tackles, zero misses. Matter of fact, him and Josh Eli were the only forwards in that manly forward pack to not miss a tackle. Well, if you go back to the start of, I think it was the start of last season, or maybe it was the year before mm. when um, Suali made his his first trial with the New South Wales Cup for the Bears. Mm. They were playing against Manly, and he broke his arm in that game. It wasn't that long ago that he was in reserve grade as a, as a second rower. Mm. And now we're talking about him as an origin, smoky sort of guy. And the, the one stat that, that always, even on weeks where like, oh, maybe the stats don't show how good he is in his aggression and whatnot, the one that nearly always crops up, there's only three this week, but it's tackle breaks for him. Mm. So just going through a few from last year in, in random games, his better ones, six tackle breaks, 12 tackle breaks, six, seven, eight, eight, six, oh. nine. Like when he's on, put, he's nearly always on, to be honest. Yeah. People cannot tackle him. He's... And he's, I, I, I don't even think we're close to his ceiling too. No. As I said, he's relatively new into rugby league. Like, I, I am super excited for his future. And he's, what, 22, 23? He's young. He's still yeah. pretty young. And he's, he's also a guy that... 24. That's young. Like, he can play 80 minutes, but I often wonder with him, would he be better if he played 60? And just let him go skits? Let him go nuts for yeah. 60 minutes. Because, that, like, as, as much as we compliment him how much work he gets through... I think it can be a bit of a negative on his attack sometimes mm. that he does get through so much work and he puts yeah. whereas if you just put him on there for 60 and let him go nuts i i reckon it could be even more effective mm. uh, uh shout out to cola another like he just he's just flying under the radar like he just continues to develop as a center him defensively his cool. tackle where he drives through the middle it's honestly like poetry to watch yeah he just has so much explosiveness through his hips and his legs. He just, I don't know who, he, it was one of the bigger players that he literally jammed through the middle. Like, I'm, I don't know which one it was, but it was one of the big, maybe Kikau, I think. Just straight through the guts every single time. Uh, it might have been groundbreaking call, but like his ceiling is best centre in the NRL. He, with his speed and how good he is defensively, uh, he like he could be the best center in the NRL in a couple of years time. Well, he could he can be like peak Jimmy Roberts when J Jimmy Roberts was absolutely tearing teams apart. But a way better defender. But exactly, I was Sorry, about to say. <laughs> <laughs> but defensively, he's one of the better defensive yeah. centers in the competition. Almost like, you know, Josh Morris. Yeah. Defensively, for sure. speed. I, I would say that he's impressed me more defensively since coming to the NRL than attacking. Without a doubt. Yeah. And so what's crazy is with a guy that quick we haven't even seen him really be unlocked out there yet yeah. um and you also haven't seen him play a stack of footy in a manly side with turbo as well mm, true. Like he, he sort of came into his best at the back end of last season once turbo was already um out of the side so and i think you could see at the back end of last year i've, I've said it before 
DCE is one of those halfbacks that when you earn his trust, you get a lot of ball off him. Mm. And you could see at the back end of last year, Cole is starting to get a heap of pill off him. So I reckon he, him and Olakowato on that edge, they're going to combine for a number of tries over the years, I think. Uh, speaking of uh, DCE, what a, what a game. Like, what a game. And what I liked about it was my only knock on DCE is sometimes he can overplay. Like, he touches it too much and he doesn't allow his um, half to impact the game at all. But Cooper Johns is almost the perfect foil for DCE because he's just a really good solid half, good ball playing, squares defence. Like, a lot of the tries, if you go back and look, go back and look who the guy was squaring the lineup. It was Cooper Johns. And, he, you know, his stats aren't impressive at all. But Cooper Johns was a big part of them getting extra space on the edges. Uh, DCE was absolutely outstanding. I think it's just an incredible... When people are hitting 31, 32, 33, 34 years old now, they're playing some of their best footy. Whereas back in the day, you're done at 30. You're done. Is it's it his first, first career Hattie? Do we know? First career Hattie. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, you have a look from the weekend. Uh, DCE had 68 touches of the ball. Cooper John still had... 42. That's what I'm saying. It's pretty tight. Yeah. yeah. And so you got Cooper Johns, who's really good at just laying it. Like, DCE is still the guy putting, you know, field position, all that kind of stuff. But when you need a good structured half to just get to the line and square the defense up to create space for Tommy, there's a world where Cooper keeps that spot for maybe the year. Like, if they keep playing like that and putting those scores on, why would you move Cooper out of that position? You'd be crazy, wouldn't you? It'd be really interesting if Manly didn't have a buy oh, this week. The, yeah. That's yeah. the shit thing for Cooper. Yeah, true. If they didn't Schuster have a buy this week and then he had another opportunity to show what he can do and he Are you putting Schuster back in? If yes. Yeah, yeah. What are you, Matty? You putting Schuster back in? It It's tough, but yeah, I, I am. They've The whole plan's been Schuster is sick, so. Oh, yeah. I'd be so tempted to move him to an edge. And keep Cooper Johns in that sixth role. Could you play him at 13, potentially, Schuster? Do you consider that or...? And an alloy off the bench is a front row rotation? Yeah, yeah. I just think it's tough on Cooper. Player of the preseason. Mm. Comes out. They win by 31 to 6. And then... I mean, Schuster's incredible. And though, to really. your point, if they do do that, then you can fit in weeks in the team at 14. You can fit in... Cooper in the team, you can fit in Schuster in the teams, you can fit in more people. Yeah, true. They can play more roles as well. Mm. In saying that, I know it's easy to say play Schuster at 13, play him on an edge. You know, if reports are true, he's lost 10 to 12 kilos. He's still big enough, though. He's fucking massive. Yeah, okay. He, he would still be a good 98 kilos, I'd say. Yeah, but I mean, he has had an entire preseason. He 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 took the World Cup off, getting ready for five eight. Yeah, I, I don't know. He's a fucking big boy, bro. But yeah, maybe maybe physically he's not prepared to play on the edge. Um, look, I, I think they'll put him at six. I don't think it's going to be an issue. But I think, damn, that's unfair. It's a better on conversation than what we thought it would be. That yeah, oh for sure. Yeah. And, and if they didn't have a buy this week, and he does Cooper it again, would be able to come out and do it again. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I thought Sean Kepi had some impact off the bench too. Uh, but yeah, outside of that, and also our boy Gordon Chan Kumtong, he's on the twenty-second. He's the eighteenth man, so they must have got him into the top thirty somehow. Well, they'll, they'll play this week if Lockie's. Lockie yeah, true. Trust, so. Our boy, how good? Uh, so yeah, Manly looking red, red hot. Uh, I want to see them against a the top-tier side, um, but you cannot take away from the fact that they were arguably one of the better sides of the weekend. 
Uh, I'm, I'm excited for Manly. I think they're in for a big year. I thought uh, the back rower, um, Kelma, come over from the Tigers, didn't do a stack in the game, but there was one touch he had where he put Ruben Garrick over for Oh, hands. <sighs> Such soft It was hands. very Schuster-like. Yeah, yep, absolutely. And that's the thing, like, when you – let's say Cooper Johns kills it. Then you've got a back row that you've got to choose between Olakawatu, Kelma, Tualangi, and Schuster. Like, the, the depth that they're creating. I'm, I'm excited for Manly. I really am. I really am. I think their only concern, like, long-term is, like, DC is so pivotal to them. Who do you get to replace him? Who's coming through that can fit that role? Um, but, I mean, that's, that's down the line. Okay, let's get to the match of the round. <laughs> Cowboys absolutely destroy the Raiders, <laughs> 19 to 18. <laughs> A shellacking. They was never in it. Raiders were never in it, mate. Uh, no, I joke. Cowboys defeat the Raiders, 19-18. I'm telling you this right now. That first 30 minutes from the Cowboys, I was like, these guys will not be beaten all year long. <laughs> they were phenomenal. Raiders weren't even that bad. The Cowboys were just unbelievable in that first 30 minutes. There was one play especially where I go, you know why it's a... If you ever needed an example of why keeping a spine together is so important, this is it. Basically, you know the try where he grubbers back in for drink water? That was on the fly. All he did was, so that there was, I think there's a quick play of the ball. You saw Drinkwater and Chad Townsend run past each other. Townsend just goes like that, taps his own, literally just taps Drinkwater on the shoulder. Drinkwater stops, runs to the other side of the ruck, boom, ready to go. That's all it God. took. If you haven't played together much, there's no way you set that up. That was a pinpoint, incredible try by Drinkwater. And all it took was that. Like, that's amazing. Amazing well, stuff. When we, when we reiterate, it takes time for combinations to come together, it's that. 100%. Because Drinkwater knew immediately what was happening. Just a quick tap. And that, that play, that's not a, just a grubber in behind the line normal. That was a grubber back across the ruck. Scotty Drinkwater needed to time his run perfectly because the fullback and everyone kind of had it covered. It just landed in the perfect no-man's land for Drinkwater to swoop through and get it. Um, you know, so... It's a mixed bag for the Cowboys. If you look at the first half or the first 30, you go, wow. But then you look at the way they allowed the Raiders back into the game, you go, that's not too good. Um, but I will take it as a big win for the Cowboys because the Raiders were outstanding in that second half and showed a lot of grit. And I was going, this is typical Raiders. Just when you think you've got them down and out, they fight back. Uh, the, the, one of the great moments of the game uh, was Tomoko. So he makes a big hit, gets the ball. Then there's a kick return, and Tulangi makes a big hit. They get the ball back. Uh, but, yeah, what do you think of this game, Guru? Yeah, I thought that, you know, as you, you spoke about that Scott Drinkwater try and how combination are important, even the one that he scored off Reese Robson, mm. putting that kick in, like, oh, I love watching Drinky play. So, he's such so a talented guy. He's just alive on everything, and he's always just going at it. And you see him, he'll make an effort on one play, <laughs> will go through the line, and then he sprints back around to make sure he's there. On the next one, I, I love that about Drinky, and I, I thought the Cowboys their first, you know, thirty minutes was unbelievable, and I thought it was going to get really ugly. If I was a Canberra fan, I'd be excited by how they got their way back into this one. I, I don't know how many teams would have been able to do that <coughs> up there. Mm. Like they're still missing uh, um, Josh Papali. They didn't have a fullback. They had you know HIA dramas and everything. I, I thought it was an incredible effort. Mm. Yeah, Raiders, they do what Raiders do. Like, they just, when you it's think they're tenacious. out, yeah. they just fight their way back in. Somehow, some way, they're back in the match. And it's ugly, but they do it. They just do it. And it's, they just. Like Tim. 
<laughs> yeah, one of your better ones. Thank mate. you, mate. You're due. <laughs> Timmy, what did you think about the game, mate? Yeah, it was gritty as hell from the Raiders, wasn't it? Like watching that first half, part of you were saying, geez, this you know, it could be a scoreline put on here. But in the back of your mind, you're going, you know what? The Raiders have built resilience in the last four to five years that we can work our way out of a situation like this. And we did mm. and got within a whisker of winning the game. Um, took a lot out of it. To be honest, as I think Guru pointed out all, a few different things there to suggest that we can only improve on the performance. And it's a bit, had big Josh Papali'i back in there as well. You know, first game of the season, they scheduled it too early, the humidity. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, there's a lot of things going against us. So, yeah, I, I thought it was really good. It was really good second half performance. That's yeah. straight. The first half was pretty ordinary. Um, <laughs> I thought I think Jamal Fogarty's looking excellent, and I think there are times in the game where they probably went left to Jackie White a bit too much. Mm. Uh, I would like to see, and I've wanted this for a long time, but with Jack being such a focal point of their attack and the fact that you know they're they're lacking a strike fullback at the moment, they're lacking a strike number nine. A lot of the attack comes off Jack White. And, mm. I just love to see Ricky Stewart get them two linking up more and Jack playing both sides of the rock. I've said it a million times before, but I want to see him playing the Cody Walker at the Bunnies role where he sl- swings both sides and plays as a 5'8", not, mm. not a left edge, right edge. I, mm. I, I mean, it's not going to happen because it would happen by now, but get Jack playing second receiver off Jamal Fogarty more. I, 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 it annoys me that they just play that strict left side. Well, it's right almost side. like a waste of such a weapon. It's absolutely a waste. And, you know, we've got Seb Chris at fullback now, Danny Levi starting nine... I don't think there's a lot of points in our back line, so they need to get creative and mm. go against the norm a little bit, and that's by getting Jack playing both sides of the rock. He's fit as hell. He can do it. Like. Yeah. And you see how damaging he can be when he gets the ball a little bit wider. Or, you know, if he had a seven giving him the ball, you know, two plays wider, he gets the one-on-one tackles then. He gets and, space to move. And Jamal is, is such a great organiser. He's a great first receiver. I just think it becomes a much more balanced side by doing it's more mm. threatening across the park. Uh, I will say, like, Raiders, like, what a performance because they went up to North Queensland against a lot of people think they'll make the grand final of the Cowboys or be a premiership contender. The Cowboys completed at 87% (laughs) and they only lost 19-18 to premiership contenders at home in the heat. That's a fair effort. It's a fantastic loss. Even that first – let's say the first 20 minutes where – Raiders kept making mistakes, turning ball over, giving shit penalties away. We defended our line a lot. Yep. We were just waiting for them to crack. It was like, and no, it wasn't like man. Cowboys weren't throwing good attack. No, not at all. Your wingers were making huge plays, knocking balls down, like constantly. Like the, the Cowboys were throwing really good attack at years. Like it's the closest thing you can get to a win without winning. Yeah. It seriously is. Up in North Queensland, all the way from Canberra. Um, Even was that, yeah, like a few tries off kicks as well. I think well, two, yeah, two. Both drinkies? Um, and the, the drinky yeah. one was, especially the Chad Townsend one, it's like, how do you defend that? Yeah. It's just like a pin-perfect kick. That's what they needed to penetrate that defence. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, you know, so from a Raiders perspective, outside of the first 20 minutes, there's a lot to, like, if you completed 85%, you probably win the game. That's how close it was. Just on the Raiders, I'm interested to hear your take. They, they had to go to North Queensland this week. Tough loss. Brutal for their forward pack. They have to go back to Queensland this week to play the Dolphins on a high. I reckon it's a bit of a danger game for the Canberra Raiders there. All of a sudden, it's a hell of a danger game. It's a game. hell of a danger game now. <laughs> Two days ago, it wasn't, but now you're going, <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. Like, I, the, the, 
The Dolphins at two fifty. I reckon that's appealing. Dolphins paying two fifty. Yeah. It's funny because like home, it's their first game at Redcliffe as well. Oh wow! It's going to be a lot of emotion in that. And too. again, that travel with the Raiders—it's a big travel all the way out to Townsville. Hot, humid game. It's you know, it's not like they're playing Penrith Panthers or the Storm, so it might be hard to get up for compared to those two games. Even though you should be able to get up to everyone, I understand that. I will say, looking forward to that game. It'll be two games where I think they'll both play pretty simple brands of footy. Mm-hmm. It'll be who who wins through the middle, who has the whose pack turns up on the day. And I think that probably plays into the Raiders' hands a little bit because when the Raiders' pack is on, they're one of the best in the competition. So, mm. I mean, if the Dolphins come out and start, they have the same line speed and they're whacking like they did last week and they can back that up, maybe not. But uh, I do think it's a better match-up, mm. even just like style-wise <coughs> for the Raiders. God, it's an awful time to be playing this Dolphins side, isn't it? Uh, well, it's just, you it's, beg them to have them in round six onwards. It's yeah. incredible what they've achieved, but we'll, we'll get to that. But, yeah, it's amazing what they've the way they've been able to turn around sentiment. We've gone from all of a sudden, we'll get to it, we'll get to it. Um, yeah, so Raiders, look, plenty of positives from this game. You also had a bloke, oh no, you didn't go. Um, didn't you, yeah, you had someone uh, head knock as well uh, in a key time. Sebastian Chris had to come. Sebastian Chris, so you, got, you lost your fullback as well. That's important. Uh, so, yeah, look, a lot to take out of that game. Wasn't a win, but there's a lot to take out of that game. Now, on to the Cowboys. The great Chadwick Townsend with the boot <laughs> from the gods just pulls it out of nowhere. Um, 87% completion rate. Look, just like we're saying about the Raiders, I thought outside of you know the second half letting up a little bit, I thought that was a great performance from the Cowboys. A year ago, it wasn't like six all against the Dogs or some shit? 6-4. An absolute schmozzle. And then they get a tenacious Raiders that come back hard as anything and the cowboys managed to hold them off and get the win cowboys are looking red hot oh i loved that first 20 to 30 minutes the first 30 minutes was the best footy we saw all weekend bar none it was absolutely top tier stuff and it took a courageous raider side to hold out you know they really should have been up 24 points like that's how good the footy they were playing going into half time was it 16 4 16 6 something you're like cheese we've got out of that well yeah absolutely absolutely uh and the cowboys were phenomenal i um i really like what i'm seeing there so how i knew cowboys footy was back when i looked at the team stats and went oh peter hicko was quiet nope 160 meters 19 tackles four tackle breaks he just does it every week every week and he never gets any raps he's so underrated it's crazy so underrated 19 tackles as well. Like, gets through, One missed. Gets through so much work, bro. It's crazy. Absolutely crazy. Uh, Val Holmes, he was good again. Uh, Ruben Cotter, let me read you these stats. 19 runs, 216 metres, 65 post contact, four tackle breaks, 35 tackles, only one miss. Absolutely phenomenal from the... Like, I was going to say big fella. He's not a big... He's a hooker. This is the hooker in the front row. It's amazing what he does week in, week out. If he like embodies this new style of rugby league of just quick leg speed, aggressive line speed, he is absolutely phenomenal, Ruben Cotter. Just had a look round 13, Jermaine Hopgood versus Ruben Cotter. Oh, nice stop Super it. Bowl there just caught you might, you might <laughs> pass you out. There. You might pass out watching that. <laughs> are you gonna betray your boy Cotter for the new flame or are you gonna be loyal to your boy? I think I'll stay loyal at the moment. Oh, so. okay. So you hate... Oh, good. 
<laughs> Pick your favourite child. Go. Um, yeah, the Cowboys, as I said, in a perfect world, they don't let the Raiders back into the game. I thought they looked phenomenal. Timmy, what do you reckon? I think... We, 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 I think in like four or five weeks' time, we might be getting to the Cowboys wrap-up each week and being a bit like Penrith last year, and, but they're by no means anywhere on the level of Penrith Panthers last year. I mean, they just won by a point, but they're just such a well-balanced roster that, barring injuries, I can see us going like, you know, what else is there to say about the Cowboys? They they just rarely have any player put turn in a poor performance or have mm. any bad errors or anything. They're so consistent. Um yeah, like that. They said that to have that. See how fluid they were in attack in that to start the game, in a round where it was a traditional round one in a lot of aspects. Look at Melbourne and Parramatta in particular that were just so clunky. Their attacks were so far off. The Cowboys come out and it's like they hadn't missed a beat. Mm. How well the, the ball movement was. Yep. Uh, they're in for a big year. Reese Robson, another massive knock. A try assist, eighty run meters, four tackle breaks. Uh, a line break, 49 tackles, only one miss. Unbelievable. No errors. If you wanted to go with one hooker for New South Wales this year... You're probably going with him. He's slowly becoming the best option, I reckon. Yeah. That's what I, was, I think it was last week I was saying, maybe. Anyway, in one of the thousand shows I do. Yeah. Um, yeah, you're probably... It was the live show, I think, we're talking about how, like... Like, Damien Cook is durable. Don't deny it. Appy Corsair, they're both durable. But the physicality that Reese Robson can play with, if you're looking for a Jackie Whiten at 14 or a Nico Hines or whatever, probably Jackie Whiten has that 14 position locked. You're probably going Reese Robson, aren't you? I, I'd is, say as well, this, this probably seems obvious, but given what, what works in his favour, Robson, is that the Blues lost last year. I feel yeah. like after last year's defeat and after having lost two and three, Freddie's going to just be like, all right, unless your name's Teddy or Cleary, we're, we're having a clean slate. I reckon that works in Robson's favour. And also because mid-series last year, Freddie made changes to that hooking role. He brought in Appy, then he put Appy to starting. So, you know, maybe maybe he is the smoky that's going to make it this I year. I thought it was interesting, and we mentioned it at the live show, but uh, on Friday, on Thursday night when Harry Grant put on the show... Mm. Andrew Johns was talking about how good he is and how it kills him that he's a Queenslander. And then he said, but we've got Appy, we've got Cook, and we've got Reese Robson. Interesting. For him to throw that name in there for a guy that hasn't debuted, yep. but to name the other two hookers, very interesting. So he must be on the radar. And Freddie was sitting on the panel with him and didn't, didn't bat an eyelid. Well, he's so. in, he was on the extended squad last year, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah, last, last game. Yeah. Uh, another, <laughs> he's just so good you bloody never hear about it. Jason Tamalolo. 16 runs, 201 metres, 53 post-contact, four tackle breaks, 18 tackles. You're almost disappointed with that. Yeah, like, bro, why isn't 300? <laughs> Give us 300 metres. It's crazy. Uh, very exciting. Fan. Cowboys look way better than they looked this time last year. This time last year, they weren't even close to this team. I think they're in for a big year. How fun are they to watch oh, as well? Oh, mate. Scotty Drinkwater at the back, playing like a touch mm. footy player. Then you got Dearden. How strong is Dearden in contact? Mm. He was just slipping through tackles left, right and centre, like... It looked like he was absolutely covered. He had five tackle breaks. He had the most tackle breaks of any player on the field. Tom Dearden. Wow. Uh, sorry, any cowboy on the field. I'm not sure about the Raiders. I'll just check real quickly. Dearden's just, I hate to say it, but he's got that feeling of just a real Queensland origin player. That he's always going to be solid, but when you need him, he'll deliver something. Yeah. 
And I know he hasn't played on the biggest stages in the world, but whenever he has, he's done it every single time. I just get that vibe from him that he's going to be a real pain in our ass for a <laughs> long time. I, I agree, mate. He, he definitely that that battler that just seems to take another level whenever yeah. the game gets intense. Our guy's got more talent, but it doesn't matter. Just going to be a battler. Uh, so, yeah, Cowboys, very, very exciting. Very exciting. Now, on to the next game. Uh, before we get to the next game, go though, Guys, as we said at the start of the show, Sportsbet, brand new partner. So make sure if you're going to have a punt, do it responsibly. Uh, obviously, 18 and over. But if you're going to do it, do it with Sportsbet because they're supporting us, so support them. And they've also got a new share of bet feature. Basically, your mate puts on a multi, you can ride it with them. And you just basically press a button and it copies their bet. So thanks to Sportsbet for partnering with the show. Make sure to get on board because they're supporting us. Let's get to the next game. Rabbitohs versus the Sharkies. Rabbitohs, 27, defeat the Sharkies, 18. This game, first 20, I was going, wow, Sharkies look red hot here. And then a mixture of missed tackles, errors, and all of a sudden it went from, wow, this is a really good opening for the Sharkies to really disappointing for the Sharkies, really disappointing. Um, Rabbitohs, on the other hand, I thought they were fantastic, uh, especially losing to Tola, essentially, what, the first run? First run, yeah. First run, lose to Tola. He's like the heart of their pack now. Well, him and Thomas Burgess. Um, what do you think of this game, Guru? Yeah, I thought uh, sort of two ways to look at it. I think for the Sharkies, obviously, no Hines. One way to look at it. Uh, I also thought they had a couple of tough calls um, against them. There was a Katoa try that I probably thought was a try that mm. was called a forward pass. That shit happens. That was nonsense, that call. That yeah, was, you agree? Yeah, that was try. a terrible yeah. call. Guess who came in screaming forward pass this morning? It's like a wild fucking guess. <laughs> anyway. Um, and then, but then there's the other side of the coin where you look at South Sydney. 64% completion rate by the Sharkies. Who what? lost to Toller on the first hit up. And then what, you lost Jairo during the game as well? Yeah, Jairo went off pretty early too. Yeah. So to do what they did, and they had Blake Tav on the bench, so they didn't have a full forward bench. You had Cheekham who was already starting on an edge, which he's not used to. So for South Sydney to go to Shark Park and do that, and normally you'd be sitting here going, oh, okay, well, Walker and Latrell must have carved it up. The left side pretty much took the night off. They didn't have to do anything. It was mm. all Ilias and Campbell Graham. I thought Ilias was tremendous in this game. Best game of Ilias' career. Yeah. He was so good. I didn't, I didn't think he had it in him. I thought he was more of a structured seven yep. that was going to lay a really good platform. He was the guy. He was the main man. He was outstanding, absolutely outstanding. Our boy Campbell Graham, what a beast. He just keeps getting better and better and better. Timmy, what do you think of this game? Yeah, if the Bunnies can ride edge, if Ilias can produce like 50% of that week in, week out, and they become like the left edge is you know, probably the best attacking edge in the NRL, how good are they going to be if they can balance that out with the right side as well and just throw options everywhere? And as you mentioned, to lose those middle forwards and they'd already lost Hame Saleh, Sleva Havili at Shark Park, who had a four-forward bench. They lost Jack Williams to a, a HIA, but they had middles coming out there, Wuha. What a, it was an incredible win. Yeah, a great win. It's going to be coming into the Panthers this week now. Assuming oh. that every chance to lose to Tola, Jai Arrow, really light on middles. A big test for for Shaq Mitchell, David Moali. Tough task. Shaq was outstanding on the weekend. I thought he came on and was really good. Um, 
Campbell Graham, as we said, was outstanding. Just on Campbell Graham, he was on the Matty John show last night. Mm. I sort of said to him, oh, was it a plan to go to the right side? And he sort of went, no, 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 we just came in, we wanted to attack the middle and then go to whichever edge was making sense. So in my mind, I sort of thought, oh, this must have been a game plan for Ilias to take over. And they've obviously identified something with the Cronulla left edge. To hear that it wasn't that way and it was just Ilias being confident and obviously calling for the ball over Cody Walker consistently. And there was, there was times last year where I felt like there was games where Ilias would get the ball and you could see Cody Walker in the background sort of being like, what the fuck, I needed that ball. Mm. It was the opposite the other night. <coughs> you could see Cody was starting on the left and then jumping on the inside of Ilias and playing off the back of him. Uh, they they look like a, I wouldn't say a new footy side, but it just, it adds another dynamic to them. If Ilias is that confident to ball play like that, it's mm. scary. Yeah, absolutely. Like if you have to worry about Cody Walker, Cody Walker and Ilias coming at you, <laughs> that's a scary, scary prospect. If they can keep all their forwards on the field and injury free, like they should be there around business time. With with sure. this with Ilias taking this step up, I can't see why would they not be. You know, uh, Latrell Mitchell looks like he's zoned in, focused, ready to go. Uh, yeah, I mean Isaiah Tass, I think his defence is outstanding, and but he and he's like underrated too. He gets through a bunch of work, Isaiah Tass. Uh, I think Luke Thompson it just there was one or two errors that he made that weren't the best. But his ball running is, is outstanding. We, we spoke about a couple of years ago, maybe 12 months ago, where were the meters going to come from with the outside backs, mm. the Rabbitohs? We felt like if you compare that to the Penrith Panthers, they've got guys that can get 200 meters a game easily, like week in, week out. All of a sudden, fast forward 12 months, you've got Isaiah Tuss running for 174 meters, Campbell Graham running for 198, and uh, Thompson running for 177. And so Alex Johnston, who isn't a noted meter eater, he's a, he's a finisher. Now, all of a sudden, their back line looks balanced and ready to go to maybe challenge for a premiership. Thompson, nine tackle busts in 12 runs. It's crazy. Crazy. He was at, like, his ball running was outstanding. Mm. Just those one or two errors that he's got to fix up. Um, they reckon he had five years off footy yep. and then got a call in. So he's only going to get better. Uh, yeah. I mean, Lockie Elias, four tackle breaks. The little fella. And we had, like, <laughs> we had, like that, that tackle that he made on Molotalo was incredible from Ilias. That's also uh, he also made an unreal one on Teague Wilton, I think. Yep. That they, they they isolated uh, him Ilias one on one with Teague and it was like he was in for all money and just whacked him and goes, nah, not just a mile. Chopped him. Yeah. Um, Burgess came on, 173. I mean their forwards were just outstanding. I mean the whole Rabbitohs team was outstanding. It was a great, great performance. Uh, they're looking good. Maoli I thought had some good moments. Um, that shot from Graham, holy heck. Especially in those games like this where you lose a front rower to a HIA, you <laughs> lose a state of origin like Jairo. Cam Murray, it's just... <laughs> just like, goes all day, bro. He can just go forever. Yeah. Yep. It's amazing. Keon Kolomatangi, 152 metres. Like, it was just a great performance by the Rabbitohs and a reason why they're a premier side. I loved when Campbell Graham scored that second try, the energy that the entire South Sydney team showed and the way mm. that they gave it to the crowd and everything. You just tell they're in for a big year. I love it. You can tell they're so bonded, they're so ready. It's going to be a big year for Rabbitohs. I can't wait. As long as they stay injury-free. Now, onto the Sharkies. Um, the biggest concern for me from the Sharkies isn't talent isn't that they can they still can definitely contend for a premiership it's only one game the biggest concern 64 percent completion rate but this one's even worse 52 missed tackles Oof. compared to the uh, uh rabbitohs 23 
And that's really un-Craig Fitzgibbon-like. Like, he'd be... If he had hair, he'd be pulling it out. <laughs> <laughs> like, 52 missed tackles for a team that... Didn't they go from the worst defensive side to the best last year? The best goal line defence in the comp or something like that. Yeah. You know, so that's a, a bit of a concern. I know they're, you know, it's only round one, but we can we only can judge what we can judge, guys, what's in front of us. And it was really, outside of that first 20, really disappointing. And some may say, well, they were missing Nico Hines. Nico Hines doesn't make tackles for you. Nico, Nico Hines doesn't complete sets for you. So... Also, Braden Trindle was not their issue. Yeah, Trindle was good. Yeah. So... Mm. Hopefully they can sort that out. The good thing is, is like these are really identifiable problems that can be sorted out with literally within five days. Like they could do a five-day turnaround, come out next week, and be the Sharkies that we know. Yeah, but definitely disappointing round. And one. when you talk about those missed tackles, what did you say? Fifty-two of them. Fifty-two. Nineteen of them came from the left edge of Talakai, Moylan, and Wilton. Mm. Wow. So you got to look at that and go. Then they need to fix that up ASAP because if they don't fix it up, it's going to be video sessions every week when you're playing the Sharkies. They're just going to be coming there all the time. Yep. Um, what, what do you guys think of the Sharkies? Yeah, I thought um, we obviously mentioned that tackle that um, Ilias made on Molotalo where he, he knocked the ball loose. And I said last week, I love Molotalo. I love that, you know, when he scores a try, he's already smiling, he's already carrying on. It's great. But I love that he got his pants pulled down on that play. That tri-saver yeah. he made on amazing yeah. times. If it wasn't for Ilias, that would have been the tri-saver of the month. Yeah, It, it was just happened massive. to be in the same game as Ilias. So yeah. credit to him on that play. Um, a good little bounce back. I thought the try that Katoa scored just on halftime, that was vintage Sharkies. <sighs> mm. When they get it right, you just you can't defend them. You're literally, yeah, they're so silky, so smooth. Timmy, what do you think of Sharkies? I had highlighted that try on halftime as well because you were going – you know, no Nico Hines there. Trindle came in, scored that try. I was like, oof, jeez, they can move a ball, these boys. Mm. Um, yeah, I thought Trindle's great. Like, he's such an elite. Like, I think he's just starting NRL half. Mm. He's just stuck behind two absolute guns. And Nico's obviously got his injury issues at the moment. Matty Moylan, big history of injury. So he'll get his opportunities this season and a great bloke to call upon. Look, <laughs> far from clinical, round one, the Sharkies. But there are enough signs there to say that with Nico Hines coming back, I wouldn't be too, too concerned. Yeah, I wouldn't be concerned, Sharkies fans. <laughs> like, definitely disappointed, for sure. You don't want to, if you're a premiership contender, you don't want to be rolling that out round one. Uh, but it's round one. It's such a long season. Like, you're not even going to remember. When it gets to, like, round 15, 16, you're not even going to remember what round one was like. Um, so they'll bounce back. They'll be fine. They've got identifiable problems that if they complete at an 80% completion rate, I mean, the game, what, 27-18, like, you'd, you'd have to say that the game's going to be way tighter if they completed 20% more. There's so uh, many points in them. So many points. Like, the fact that it's 27-18 and they had 64% completion and 50 missed tackles, 52, you know, that, that I guess that can be considered a glass half full kind of looking at it. But, yeah, they'll bounce back. Just disappointing. <coughs> Just disappointing. Now, on to the incredible match of the round, the real match of the round. Dolphins defeat the Roosters 28-18. What... One of the great moments in rugby league. One of the great moments in rugby league for Wayne Bennett to do this again, again, with a side that I think, if I recall, I, I obviously tipped the Roosters. I think I said 12 to 16 points. And I said that I feel like the Dolphins will fight in it and keep it, I guess, rough and rugged. But eventually the Roosters class will be a bit too much. I mean, if you didn't know that that was the Dolphins' first game, and the Roosters' rower, 
you would think the Dolphins were the Roosters and the Roosters were the Dolphins. Which is a shocking to say. Like, I don't know where I sit with the Roosters at the moment because, yes, the Roosters notoriously slow starters. Yes, they build into years for sure. But, like, it feels like they've been trying to find the way they play footy for a few years now. And it still feels like they're un... They don't feel any closer to finding their style of rugby league. Uh, and it's the start of the year and they have relatively the same, you know, cheese is obviously an ad- addition. But outside of that, Kiri, Tedesco, Walker have all played quite a bit of footy together. Um, but back to the Dolphins, what an incredible achievement to play the Roosters. The Roosters are basically favourites to win the comp outside of Penrith. But before going to this game, favourites to win the comp. Dolphins come out in their first ever game and play like that with the roster that they had. It was absolutely phenomenal. It's one of the great moments in rugby league. It should never be forgotten. And also, it should be appreciated for how hard that is to do, to beat the Roosters in your first ever NRL game. Uh, Kafusi was absolutely phenomenal. Some of the best defensive I've ever seen from a wide running forward. Um, I mean, the thing as well is like, you spread it across the board like nearly every single player was incredible for the Dolphins. Sean O'Sullivan looked like he'd been playing NRL for bloody five years. He was... Then you've got Katoa, who has an error or two early on, finds a way to bounce back, and he does. Like, the mental fortitude of a rookie, a teenager, debuting for a new club, Suncorp Stadium, against the scary Roosters pack, the mental fortitude, you can almost guarantee that he's going to be a great player because his ability to bounce back after tough errors. What an achievement. What do you think of the game, Guru? Yeah, I thought it was great. I obviously had the Roosters winning. I probably had them winning by a little bit more than what you did. Not as much as uh, Tim did, obviously. (laughs) Uh, And can be... I've got a little wager to put on the table here. Uh I've managed to organise. It's on its way down to Sydney down now to get one of the Finns in the crowd to us. And uh, I think if the Dolphins beat the Raiders this week... Maybe you fin up next week. What do you reckon? <laughs> yes, Timmy, don't be a coward, bro. Far out. Yeah, I'll I'll do it, and then I'll also punch a a finny of a bloke tin out of the fin when I'm done, like old mate did in the crowd. <laughs> okay, okay, how good. I like that. Is that our confident, eh? The Raiders get the win. No, not at all. I just feel like I deserve it. <laughs> <laughs> no, we, we we have a lot of opinions on this show, and you know we get some right, we get some wrong. Some we get very wrong. And, and mate, I, I, I was so critical on the Dolphins all pre-season. And, mate, sometimes you've just got to copy medicine. I was well off the money with this one. Um, they played tremendous footy. It's such a credit to them. Why ever doubt the master coach, Wayne Bennett, who's done this for, what, 30 years? Mm. Uh, such, a, such a credit to the whole organisation and every player out there to come out and do what they did against the Roosters. So... Uh, well, you never like being that, that badly wrong. It was for the sake of the game to the Roosters get towed and the Dolphins who, you know, I was worried coming into the competitions as a new side and I didn't want to see them get beat up. I was just giving my honest thoughts. Mm. To see them come out and do what they did was like, this is great for rugby league. Has there ever been a better situation to be completely wrong about that? Exactly. I'm actually right. stoked we were. Oh, yeah. mate, 100%. It's the best. It's the best. Like, think about before this game, in all honesty, it felt like the Dolphins had almost limped into the conversation, com, uh, the competition, where it was like, yeah, 17th team, but the buzz around it wasn't really there. Maybe internally and maybe in Queensland there was a lot of buzz, but there wasn't that much buzz in New no. South Wales. There really wasn't. Like, It was kind of like, yeah, cool, we need to expand. That's great. Redcliffe are a, a 
you know, a club that's been around forever. They've got great backing. It's good for the game. Now, all of a sudden, the Dolphins become everyone's second team. They become yeah. the fan favourite. Everyone's talking about get your fins up. Finney's this, Finney's that. Put it this way. Here's a, an epitome of how things can change. There was a video that they put up. <laughs> arguably worst video on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> now, if it was put up in irony, it's the best video on the internet. They put up a video of the boys going, get your fins up, and then some guy... Was he? Is he someone? Apologies. I have no idea. Apologies if he is someone. Is call, someone? They're calling him Dwayne Bennett on Twitter. <laughs> the what? Dwayne Dwayne Bennett. Dwayne Bennett. Anyway, some guy is like, get your fins up, get your fins up. I don't, I don't know. And like, you can see the boys behind him. Like, we've got to do this because we're contractually obligated. <laughs> Poor old Eddie Lee just going, why, why am is I going here? On? But that video, all of a sudden, and it's said in irony, but becomes a cool, funny thing. Everyone in the comments, fins up, fins up. And it becomes, uh, yeah, okay, the video is, is a laugh, but it becomes, uh, yeah, you know what? How good. Let's get on board this, these boys. Let's get on board the Dolphins crew. This is a, a good, fun thing. And again, that's just 80 minutes of rugby league that have turned it, you know, something into, oh my God, into something like, you know what? Let's get on board that. Tell you what stood out to me with this team that they are, you know, us Aussies, we love an underdog. Mm. When you have a look at that Dolphins back line, it's incredible. Hamiso was not a first-choice fullback last year. Jermaine Osako was not a consistent first-grader. Tessie New was not a consistent first-grader. Branko Lee was not a consistent first-grader. Ewan Aitken is the only one in their entire back line that was playing first-grade last year, and he was playing back row, not yeah. centre. And was that the, the Warriors too, so it's not like he's, you know... Yep. Then you've got uh, Isaiah Katawa, who was playing SG ball last year. <laughs> then you've got Sean O'Sullivan, who, another guy who's just a journeyman. Like to have a backline like that and compete with any rooster side ever, let alone this one, <laughs> is an incredible effort. Yeah. I am so impressed with what they did. I'll tell you, the guy I'm really stoked for is Jeremy Marshall King. He was outstanding. Oh, mate, do you remember the start of last year when he came out and said, I want to be a top five hooker? And he got absolutely fucking pizzled. Yeah, and we were like, don't you want your hooker to say that? Why wouldn't you want it? Find me an NRL player that doesn't want to be best in their position. No. It's out, well quit. so. Oh, that frustrated me so much. And I was so happy to see him have such a big game yesterday. I thought he was incredible. And Felice <laughs> Cafusi, you ever look through the history of Wayne Bennett teams, whether it be Bo Scott, whether it be Gordon Tallis, whether it, you know, all these guys he's had for so long in his times, these absolute hit men. And I reckon during this week, Wayne Bennett's pulled Felice Cafusi aside and said, hey, Isaiah Katoa's making his debut next year. You need to be his bodyguard. Yep. He's gone, yep, this is my mission. Tony Carroll outside Darren Lockyer. Perfect. Um, Dan and Kemp on the wing with Darren Lockie. Wayne <laughs> <laughs> used to pull me aside and said, Kempy, I need you to protect Lockie. So I'd come screaming in. That's why I used to jam in all the time. Because I'm trying to protect Lockie. <laughs> That's why I used to... <laughs> Kempy, any... Uh, oh, that's great. Any, did you ever put a shot on in the NRL? Yeah, of course, mate. <laughs> I don't think that, that game was filmed, though. I tried I was to playing. fight Isaac Luke once, mate. <laughs> this, I was playing when all the games weren't filmed. You didn't get it. <laughs> back, 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 back when the 2 o'clock game wasn't <laughs> on TV. Or Sorry, mate. You won't be able to find any footage of it. Games weren't filmed. <laughs> no, I didn't put any shots on. Who are you kidding? Are you serious? I was lucky to get the tackle done. <laughs> I was just hanging on for me dear life, Timmy. Doing my best. Uh, but I still protect Lockie because they knew there was a staunch winger out there ready to <laughs> fucking throw down. My, uh, my favourite part of Friday night was hearing you answer a question from someone where they asked you the try that you scored but it was thrown at your feet and you had to soccer it. Oh, yeah. Fella said to Kevin, he goes, was that a set play? 
And I thought, fuck, I hope Kempi says yes. <laughs> God, I hope Kempi says, yeah, Lockie threw it at my feet because I was a handy oh soccer player. <laughs> set play. I mean, look, to be fair, I have joked about it being a set play before. So maybe he, <laughs> yeah, he no, was fair just, enough it, to him, yeah, yeah. Maybe he was confirming whether it was a set play or not. But like it, it's like it, because it's a spiral pass, it looks set because yes, it just yeah. goes straight to my foot. Um, me making Lockie look good like I always did, seriously. <laughs> Never got any of the credit for his career. <laughs> Um, yeah, but back to the Dolphins, amazing. And like a guy like Kafusi, you know, in the Queensland side for the last decade or however long it's been, let's just say five years, his position has never been questioned. But he also never gets hyped up. But games like this is where you get to see why his position has never been questioned. You know, you look at the Storm and for how many years did the big, you know, your Kikiyas, your Olakawatus, all of these big rangy back rolls have come through. And you go, why was it that Storm, until obviously recently as he got older, they never budged, never went into the market, never brought anyone through. Like he was a stalwart on that edge. Last night's game, yesterday's game, is the reason why he was a stalwart on the edge. His defense is absolutely incredible. And people don't appreciate the only way you have good edge defense defense is if you have a good edge defender because he's the one that dictates how much space you have whether you have to shoot off the line whether you have to slide everything hinges on the four defender everything everything like no matter what you say the four defender is the key to edge defense and that's why Kafusi is one of the best defensive edges we've ever seen and just circling back to it and I know that you, you gave a reason potentially why but in that game where you saw Cam Munster shoot up at I've never seen Cam Munster do that before mm. First game without those two edge defenders there. Yeah, I like, mean, like, getting used to new combinations. Like sure. they, they are the voices that are normally on those edges that are communicating everything. I remember, I've, I've told the story before, I remember, and, and it's funny, they've ended up here together. When Branko Lee joined the Melbourne Storm, he essentially said to me, I arrived there with no idea what to do in defence. Mm. And then all I was told was, listen to what Felice says. And yeah, it was well, sweet. Yeah. Mate, he's, he's incredible, Kafusi. Uh, Sean O'Sullivan, outstanding. Katoa, great bounce back. Their forward pack matched it with the Roosters' forward pack. So, I mean, what else is there to say? It's, it's amazing. It's an incredible feat. Um, yeah, like, like, what else is there to say? Sean O'Sullivan's one step for me was just, again, a halfback's job is essentially getting their back rower one-on-one with the, the half. His work when it – pronunciation, Lemmy Lou. That we're going with at the moment. I think let, so. Let me, yeah. Lou, to get him one on one with Sammy Walker was superb from Sean O'Sullivan. The moment that I loved was Isaiah Katoa. You know, I've spoken about him for a long time, but he got absolutely whacked by Suali at one point. That that like that would have killed him. And then he had off the kickoff where he tried to trap the ball and he screwed that up. They got the ball back. But then mm. later in the game, when he sort of got into it. That try that he set up for Jermaine Osako where it was last tackle mm. and he ran. What I loved is that he didn't run into the line. He ran the perfect distance, just three or four metres on the outside of his man, and then he handed the ball mm. off. And you see, you would have, so many young halves in that situation in their first game would have gone too deep in the line, would have held the ball for too long, would have gone for the giant cutout ball. It's just what Isaiah's capable of doing. He's just, and I don't think he'd be able to explain to you how he did that in that moment or how he understood exactly when to release it, but his timing was perfect. Yeah, and there's all like little bits of class from him as well. I think it was in the first half. So Tedesco defending up in the line. Isaiah Katoa looks up, boom, chip into the corner. He gets a repeat set from about 20, 25, 30 metres out. 
the confidence to do that. The, the, I mean, we've got halves that have been in the game for five, six years that wouldn't have identified or had the confidence to go, oh, Teddy's in the line, I better chip over the top and get a repeat set. I mean, the signs are all there for him. The, the signs are all there. You know, he's going to take time to develop, so be patient with him. Don't put too much pressure on him. But, I mean, for your first game, yes, he had those error or two, but for your first game to have those those big moments and big impacts, it's pretty good. And I love that he had the big errors because he showed that he can bounce back from them. Which is you need. You yeah, need. 100% you needed in first grade. So f- full credit to him. Uh, and also credit to Wayne Bennett. I mean, I didn't see a world where Anthony Milford wasn't in the round one side for a Wayne Bennett coach side. Mm. He's made that big decision. They've come out and won it. He's, he's set a standard early. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, as you said, Jeremy Marshall King was outstanding. 40 tackles, two try assists, broke line break. <laughs> what, a, what a knock. Anyone else stood out for you, Timmy? The GOAT, Marky Nichols, another day. Try time, baby. Another, another bit of meat. It was, Mate. A, it was a big game. He's a big game player. It wasn't just a barge over either. It was like that late bit of footwork at the line. He's a nimble fella, old nosey. So, yeah. 174 metres. <laughs> Mate, he was outstanding. So good. Three of those metres was for the try too. So it's not like <laughs> he stat padded that at all. And like we He's haven't great. even mentioned Kenny Bromwich. This is Kenny Bromwich's stats. 17 runs, 139 metres, 44 post contact, 34 tackles, zero misses, zero errors. Like, we haven't even spoken about Kenny Bromwich. And he's putting out performances like that against a crazy rooster side on paper. Uh, yeah, look, what a game of rugby league. So good for the club. So good for the... I mean, Hamiso, we haven't even spoken about Hamiso. Where did that come from? Like, the one thing we said about Hamiso is like, we don't feel like he gets involved enough. He was in everything yesterday and all of a sudden you go oh i actually i can see him being a long-term fullback and it's like shame on me forever doubting the great wayne bennett and, and whether you know he's picked correctly as a fullback like i thought hamiso was outstanding yeah shout out to uh branko lee as well uh, I, I thought you know for a guy that has struggled defensively over the years i thought he really held his own in this game mm. obviously marking up against uh um Suwali in this one uh, I thought he really held his own. I know he scored that try, but it was obviously off a kick and everything. Mm. I thought he he could wrap all these guys. You're you're a Brenko believer through and through, aren't you? I always have been. Yeah, yeah. And he's yeah, like he's he's rocks and diamonds in in different moments, 100. percent But you know, he's a premiership winning centre at the Melbourne Storm. He's played Origin. And <coughs> I thought he did a really good job yesterday. Now onto the Roosters. Um, Roosters are tough, as as we spoke about earlier, where. I just, I, I just don't see the direction. Like when they play, I'm not seeing a style of footy. And then their completion rates was like, you know, terrible. And I, I just wonder. Yes, we all know that they can put a run together and win a comp, but you can't rely on that every single year. Mm. And unfortunately for the Roosters, and look, to be fair, they've struggled massively with injury, like being so unlucky. But they really haven't had any success since their back-to-back premierships, which is the way the salary cap should work. And I know that sounds ironic because you look at their team on paper. But I don't know. I, I'm getting – it's only round one. And, that you know, if there's one team that can turn it all around. But I did expect a little bit better from Roosters in round one. I, like, I don't mind if they're clunky, but to be as clunky as they were. And, look, yeah, I remember there was a time – I think it was last year where I said – it looks a little bit unsure as to who the guy is actually leading them around the park. And I still get that feeling with them. Like, is Kiri the guy? Is, is Teddy the guy? Because it seems like Teddy sometimes, but then Ke- and so, or is Sam Walker the guy? 
I'm not. I'm not sure. I'm it's, not sure. It's so weird because at the back end of last season, I feel like they had it sorted. Then yeah. that South Sydney game ar- ar- arrived, and that just threw everything out. And that they obviously lost that game, and that and bowed out. But you're right. It felt like once again, it was just all over the place, mm. and it wasn't ideal. Obviously, you know, Victor Radley got uh, um, injured. Brandon Smith had to go for a HIA at some point, but. But the classy players you've got between Sam Walker, Luke, here and Tedesco, they should have been better than what they were. Yeah, I'm surprised. I've got to say, Radley, and I've, I've already said it, but he, he just got, got to chill. Yeah. He's got, his body's not going to last a full career if he keeps trying to shop blokes and that. And I love the way he plays. It's, it's such a throwback. It's so incredible. But he's just – I want to see him on the field. I don't want to see him getting hurt like that. You know, it kills me. I, I love him as a player. Because I what he, he resigned the other day for three or four years. Yeah, three or four years. Like we've spent the last three years saying this. No, and then boom, first first game back, and like, look, maybe it was just unlucky, but he was trying to pull a shot off, a good honest shot, um, and unfortunately it went wrong because of footwork, and then he's got a head head knock again. It's like fuck. I don't know. Maybe maybe that's just that's he's only got one mode, and that's the only mode he's got, and and fair enough. Timmy, what do you reckon the Roosters? Yeah, I mean, without dwelling on it too much, what they've done for this injury curse in the last two or three years, Matty Lodge was on top of that as well. Lodge got 35 minutes out, he's gone for a while. Radley, Cheese had his early HIA, far out, they've had a tough trot. Oh, mate. It wouldn't have made a difference in this game because the Dolphins were so much better. And, mate, we spoke about it countlessly throughout the preseason about... You know, Cheese coming in, another aggressive ball running player there. Where's the direction going to come from? What is their, what is the Roosters' shape? We didn't know. We questioned it. They were headless chooks. Mm. They were all over the place and, and there was no direction in this side. So, look, Joey Manu hopefully comes back in the next one to two weeks. Superstar, but I don't think he's going to help that either because it's just another head running around. So, big, a lot of question marks for the Roosters coming out of this. Yeah. I think that, look, round one, there's any team that can turn around, they can, but I think they'll be extremely disappointed with that. And talk about just ambushed. They oh. would have probably rightly so been going on pretty confident, but the line speed of the Dolphins, the intensity that they had this game, they just ambushed and blew them out of the water. So. Yep. Now, on to the Titans versus Tigers. Titans get the job done 22-10. Only negative is Kieran Foran is out with an injury. Um, but I thought the Titans were good. To keep the Tigers to 10 points... Um, I thought it was a really good, solid win. They always looked like they were in control. Tino had a big game. Seeing AJ Brimson in open space was absolutely phenomenal. Uh, I thought, yeah, what was the one critic we had of the Titans was their defence. And I think that although the Tigers weren't the best, um, yeah, I, I thought the Titans played some good, solid footy. The thing I loved about the Titans in yesterday's game was that, you know, Shout out to him, Bo Furmore. He obviously got injured during the week. So, you know, all the, all the work they did in the trials of, you know, guys on edges and whatever sides they were on and everything, they had to change that. They moved Fafita over to the left. Foz then went down injured and they, they just went ahead with the job. They yeah. just got it done. I love to see that. Yeah, yeah you had to bring Jaden Campbell on. You had to bring, you know, Brimo into the sixth spot. And they just adapted and dealt with it, mm. uh, which I love to see. I, fuck, I'm, I don't know, I'm sure you boys are too, but Bo Furmore, I am devastated. I know. For him. Poor bloke. He, he, was a, he was ready to have a massive year. Huge year. Um, now, I, I want to give a wrap for Fafita. I thought Fafita was outstanding. He was one of their best. 206 metres, only four tackle breaks. And I say only as in he's running straight and hard. Yep. He's mixing his game up. He's not just crabbing across the field looking, you know, tackle breaks. He's just mixing his game up. And I love it. He's getting involved. Like, how many runs do he have? 17 runs. <laughs> 
you're kidding. How good is that? Look, David Fafita, 17 runs. He does this week in, week out. He can be everything we thought he was going to be. I love it. I, I think that Fafita's in for a massive, massive year. Um, you know, Brimo was outstanding, as he always is. I mean, when isn't Brimo outstanding? Uh, Campbell came on and showed his danger. I want to give a shout-out to Moe Fotowaka. I thought he was really good off the bench. Come off the bench, 164 metres, five tackle breaks, 21 tackles, zero misses. Great off the bench. Tino does what he always does. Uh, just a real good solid win. Again, we talk about direction. Sam Beryls was great at nine. He showed you what it's like to have just a good, solid nine that gets you around a park and delivers on what he needs to deliver on. Uh, anything stood out for you, Timmy? Uh, nothing majorly. I just, when Fafita ran that line outside Foz, you just so went, horny. this could be so horny. Yeah. You just went, this could be everything we've ever wished. And look, that spot was obviously going to be Bo Furmore. It's like, oh, this is what this combination, oh, the God. potential is yeah. through the roof. Foz, Hammy, I think it is. God, I hope it's not bad. I think it's his PCL. PCL? I think. I think. Can you check that, please, Matty? Okay, so hopefully nothing too, too serious. And you just don't want Hammies with Foz because they just yeah. recur, recur, recur. Uh, but yeah, Fafita was terrific. Uh, Phil Sammy had a big game. Yeah. It was enormous. The, we knew that that left edge was going to be big with Foz there, but they just looked tremendous. So, yeah. God, I hope he's back sooner rather than later. We should. Toby Sexton probably comes in to replace him. Yeah, I'd um, say so. Big opportunity for him to say, I'm still here, boys. Yep. Looks like PCL, yeah. PCL. Okay. Uh, now, quickly on to the West Tigers. Um, yeah, super disappointing. Super disappointing. I thought Adam Dewey was probably their best player. Uh, looked a bit rudderless, directionless. I just... I'm just not getting the, as excited as I thought. I'm really surprised at Appy Coruscant. Like, <laughs> what's going on with that? He's the face of the club. He just put him on the field. Like, like don't don't get cute with it. Just put him on the field. I just don't understand. You got your captain on the bench. <sighs> it's like, and also as a club, you can't afford to have an Origin hooker off the bench. Like, what is doing? I don't. Even if he was unfit, get him on for the start. And then bring him off, give him a breather, bring him back on. I don't understand. You don't like, you don't like the approach. I know Mitch Kenny is a, is slightly different. They can't to afford to. Kenny. They can't afford to. We're talking about the Tigers here, not the Penrith Panthers. Game one, they're trying to make a statement. They're trying to turn over a new but leaf. Yeah, and I just started as well, but like the first twenty minutes, mm. we we've seen the success it had at Penrith in Origin of him coming off twenty minutes in, then playing sixty minutes straight, and he gets a tiring pack and he tears him to shreds through the middle. You know, you don't necessarily want him being an 80-minute player anyway. I wasn't too against him coming off the bench. I just thought he should have played 60 and not 46 minutes. Mm. No, I think he needs to start. Like, I just don't think the Tigers are in a position to... They just need the best team on the park to start and get points. And play 80? Potentially. Like, I would probably... What I would try to do is see where the game led, led us. And if we need him out there 80 to get the job done, we leave him yeah, out there you for 80. you let Appy decide that. Exactly. You don't bring him on right. when the game's already over. I feel like late last year, they might be making this up, but I was sort of in team Appy 80 at the Tigers and you two were saying, no, you don't need him playing 80 minutes. No? Is that Appy at the Tigers? Oh, I don't recall that. Maybe there wouldn't have been a world Reed where Marnie? I would have said keep Appy on the bench for the I first I think it was Reed Marnie. Reed Marnie. Maybe yeah, see, Reed Marnie, Marnie I, I, would start, I would always start Reed Marnie, yeah. but if I can get him off at the 65 to 70th minute mark, okay, I would get him off. Yeah, Reed Marnie. Because I don't want him getting bashed up. When Appy came on the field, it was 12-0. 
I know. The game was done. I'm sorry. You're not the Panthers. You need to have your best players on the field to start. So I weird. agree. Yeah, I agree. You, like, you, even with the Reed Marnie situation, I would always start Reed Marnie. Start him. You keep him on there for 60 minutes, 70 minutes. If you need him to be on there for A to get the job done, you get him to do the job done. And if we're in round 21 and Appy's played 60 minutes in the entire season, you're trying to just manage him and you bring him off the bench, then fine. But round one. Oh, it's bizarre. You're, you're trying to change the entire culture of this club. You're at Leichhardt Oval. Get on the right foot. I just, I'm sorry, like Jake Simkin, you have, you've made it evident over the last two to three years you don't think he's the guy for the future. Why not start with the guy that you're building your club around? And it's also, it's too much pressure on Simpkin. Like, get him to come off the bench and come in with the stings out of the game so he can get some confidence together. It's so frustrating. It, it makes no... Yeah, it's very, very surprising, if I'm being honest. Uh, Brent Naden ran for 200 metres. So that's that's a massive knock, to be honest. Uh, Adam Dewey was uh, good. Luke Brooks only ran for 200 metres. But again, it's, it's about the direction and all a bit rudderless. Yeah, quite a disappointing first game, to be honest, from the Tigers. I thought they'd be a little bit better. What about poor Sean Bloor? Same old story. 18 minutes on oh. for the HIA. Can't cut. I don't know when, when Bateman's due back. A very differing stories coming out of the West Tigers as per. But I. <laughs> yeah, I, I hope he gets another opportunity, Sean Bloor. Yeah, for sure. For sure, hope he does. Tell you who looked really good that we spoke about a lot in the trials. Brent Naden. Mate, he, he's a good footy player. He really is. I, I've always been surprised at how he hasn't kicked on the way we, you know, hope he would kick on. 200 metres, six tackle breaks in a losing side. That's unreal. At yeah, centre. At centre. It's great. Um, so hopefully Tigers can uh, bounce back because that was quite disappointing. Kempi, I can't believe you haven't touched on it, mate. Alex Twole, 68 minutes, 45 tackles. Guess how many misses? Zero. I don't need to touch on it, mate. <laughs> the fans know. The community know. Twole doesn't miss tackles, mate. He doesn't miss them. Uh, another little shout, though. I want to give a little smoky shout. Titans. Jojo for feeder, Smokey for wing, Queensland. Origin. Mm. I really like Jojo for feeder, and if Corey Oates keeps dropping the ball, <laughs> <laughs> I love Oatesy. I love him. He does some of the toughest carries you can ever see. But that drop ball. <laughs> Who were your wingers last year? Tualangi and Selwyn Cobo. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So if one of gets one of them gets injured, there's a oh, there's a world where Jojo for feeder jumps everyone. I reckon. Like, again, it's smoky chat, guys. Yeah. It's not definite chat. Xavier Coates in that line too somewhere. Xavier Coates has been a bit quiet for me lately. Yeah, he obviously yeah, got right. injured, but he yep. just didn't kick on. hasn't kicked on the way I thought he would at the Storm. Especially yeah. going to Melbourne, yeah. Yeah, but he has been injured. So, yeah. like, you know, there, there, there is an excuse for that. Anyway, uh, Tigers, chat done? All done. Hopefully All done. they can bounce back. Now let's get quickly to our tips next week. Brought to you by Sportsbet, guys. Partners of Bloke in a Bar. Make sure to, uh, I mean, I'd say download their app, but I guarantee all of you have their bloody app. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, you can share a bet with your mate. So they've got a new feature. You just press one button. It copies your mate's bet. But, anyway, let's get into tips next week. Penrith Panthers versus Rabbitohs. Penrith paying $1.54. Rabbitohs paying $2.50. <coughs> what do you got here, boys? I'm going to take the Panthers in this one with a few middles missing for South Sydney. Yeah, real shame about the Bunnies' middles missing. So, got to go Panthers. I am going to go Panthers, but I don't mind the 250 for the Rabbitohs. I know they're missing a few forwards, though. Anyway, uh, Parrot Eels, Sharkies. I'm going to take the Sharkies in this one. I think there's value at $2.60. Big value there. I like Sharkies as outsiders, too. I like Sharkies at 260 I really do. Yeah. Um, oh, it just depends if Hines is back. I'm taking oh, – I'm a sh- that, that price says to me Hines isn't playing, and I'm still going to take You're that. still going to take him? Yeah. 
In which case, get on early because if Nico does come in, that's that crushes. Yeah, that's yeah. crushes. Uh, I'm going to go the Eels. Eels to get the win. You going Sharkies? Yeah, I'll go Sharkies. Okay. Uh, who are you going, Matty? Yeah, I'll go Crowler as well. And who are you going, Penrith? I'll go, I'll go Seas. I'll go Seas. Broncos, Cowboys. Broncos are favourites. Broncos at home. Who we got, boys? I'm going to go the Cowboys, but uh, I think I'd be avoiding this game. I think I'll sit back and enjoy it. Yeah, I know they were great last week and beat Penrith, but Cowboys as outsider surprises me for sure. I'm going the Cowboys. I'm going Broncos, baby. I'll go Cowboys. Roosters, Warriors. I mean, Warriors $4 is almost... I think it's value considering Roosters could have pretty much the whole Ford pack out. Yeah, yeah. like four bucks. Get in early, son, on sports bet. Wow. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Give me the line there every day of the week. Uh, I'll, I'll say the Roosters, but that value is very hard to ignore for the Warriors. Yeah, straight tip, Roosters. Yeah, straight tip, Roosters, but value-wise. Yeah, same here. Four bucks. Fuck. Um, Dolphins, Raiders. Oh, I love seeing Timmy in a fin, so I'm going the Dolphins. Oh! <laughs> uh, Three dollars. Raiders. Dolphins paying three bucks, bit of value there, but straight tip, going Raiders. Yeah, I'm going Raiders. Storm Doggies. Uh, Melbourne for me. Storm. 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 Um, Tigers, Knights. Tigers are favourites, $1.60. <sighs> there's value there for me with the New Knights. Yeah, there's value there, but... Oh, fuck it. I'm going to tip the Knights again <laughs> for the fourth week in a row. Uh... Because I'm going to be at Leichhardt Oval and I want to ride him, I'm going the Tigers. Okay. I'm going Newcastle. I'm going Knights. Ooh, 390s at 235. Dragons, Titans. This is interesting. Uh, I'm going to... Uh, Dragons round one, eh? Dragons so. round one. Jack Bird sounds like he'll play 13. Benny Hunt will be... Yeah, fuck, I don't know. Um... I'm going to take the Dragons at home. I'm going to go the Titans. If Foz was there, I'd be a lot, yeah. more, a lot happier about it, but I'll go Titans. Yeah, i got a feeling about the Dragons this week. I'm going Dragons. Yeah, I'm going Dragons. At home, no Foz. I think Dragons get the job done. That's all brought to you by Sportsbet, guys. New partners of Bloke in a Bar. Support them. They support us, guys. Uh, also, show done and dusted. Make sure you can actually join... Beers and break-evens. Yeah, our beers and break-evens uh, Supercoach group. Uh, the code for that is 353745. Uh, Kempi, we've got $5,000 up for grab there, courtesy of Blue Wealth Property. 5500 if you're an NRL club member. Well, seriously, if you listen to Bloke and you aren't a part of the, the beers and break-even Supercoach group, I don't know what you're doing. You're kidding yourself. <laughs> $5,000 prize. Um, okay, that's us done and dusted, guys. As usual, I'll go and fuck myself. Thank you. This show is brought to you by Sportsbet. What are you really gambling with? For free and confidential support, call 1-800-858-858 or visit gamblinghelponline.org.au.